Supreme Court has ruled in favor of churches in California. There are more lockdowns on the way. Joe Biden's advisor, uh, Dr. Osterholm, says we need a six week hard national lockdown. But it seems like in many different circumstances, the Supreme Court is saying you can't do it. There have been already several rulings over the past year stopping many of these lockdowns. We just saw the Supreme Court ruling in New York, but it seems like we're still going to be going through this back and forth of those who think we should and those who think we shouldn't. But I bring this up because there is something else behind all of this, and it's called the Great Reset. The World Economic Forum said that COVID is an opportunity to reset global capitalism so that global stakeholders have a better, you know, I don't know, responsibility towards the planet. And the New York Times, the BBC, and many outlets said this is a conspiracy conspiracy theory. They call it the Great Consp- uh, the Great Reset conspiracy theory. Well, what they add is that the theory is there is a plan to reset global capitalism, but COVID was a hoax. That's not necessarily what the Great Reset is. And so when you Google it, it's really funny. You'll see the World Economic Forum saying the Great Reset opportunity, and then next to it, the New York Times saying it's a conspiracy theory. Well, regardless of the conspiracy stuff, I can say fine to the New York Times. But The Hill has recently published an op-ed, John Kerry reveals Biden's devotion to radical Great Reset movement. And we can see in statements made by John Kerry, who's going to be representing the Biden administration in terms of climate change, that they want to take advantage of COVID to move into a kind of lockdown that would help alleviate the problems of climate change. Considering what we've already seen, I can only imagine people will lose their minds and things will get really, really bad. So we're going to break all this down and talk about this news, as well as some other news pertaining to Kyle Rittenhouse. And it all it works out really well because today we are joined by the one and only Destiny. Hey, what's up? Thanks for yeah. having me here. And uh, how, I'll just let you describe yourself, do a quick intro, because I don't want to, you know. Yeah, so I do politics and gaming on, which camera looks at me? Who do I look at? That one right that there. That guy? Okay. Yeah. I do politics and gaming on Twitch and YouTube. I go by Destiny there. Uh I don't know how I would characterize myself politically, probably center left to far left, or if you're a communist on far right. Um, and <laughs> yeah, otherwise, right. yeah, we just run down. I'm a huge Riding for Biden supporter. Um, Are you really? Oh, yeah. A <laughs> million percent. Love him. I hear him described as Obama 2.0. Very much in favor of that. So I'm excited <laughs> for four years we, of Biden. Maybe eight years. Maybe he'll go for a second term. We'll see. Eight, otherwise, maybe eight, Kamala Harris will step in for the second term. And oh, man, how exciting would that be? <laughs> Most progressive this voting is, record in the Senate. Yes. I, I think people, uh, they always assume that like it's going to be some kind of internet blood sport. We clearly disagree in a lot of stuff. It's going to be a fun conversation. I think you know we'll have some back and forth. Mm. It'll be great. Uh-huh. I think you were mentioning you know all that stuff because- where you were looking at me as you were saying <laughs> Biden, Obama 2.0 and all that stuff. This oh, be, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right on, right on. Yeah. We were testing and, the limiters before this, screaming, seeing how loud we can go on the mics. Yeah, 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 so we yeah, should yeah, be good yeah, to yeah, go, yeah. yeah. We, 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 we have this thing where I can, we, we, we can both scream at full volume and it automatically limits so that you don't blow your ears. I'm yeah, you guys are welcome. Ian's hanging out. Hi, everybody. So this would, be, this would be really interesting, too. And, of course, Lydia's producing. I am producing. And uh, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to the notification bell. We are live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. Well, let's just uh, jump to the first story, and we'll uh, we'll talk about John Kerry reveals Biden's devotion to radical Great Reset movement from the Hill. This to me is really funny because they say the Great Reset's conspiracy theory, but it's actually what they've been calling it for some time. The Hill says in June, elites at an important at important international institutions such as the World Economic Forum and the United Nations launched a far-reaching campaign to reset the global economy. The plan involves dramatically increasing the power of government through expansive new social programs like the Green New Deal and using vast regulatory schemes and government programs to coerce corporations into supporting left wing causes. Obviously, this is uh, I think it's a it's, it's a biased view of what they're saying. But to be fair, the World Economic Forum has pushed a lot of left wing causes as they've referenced the Great Reset. 
It goes on to say, the two justifications for the proposal, which has been aptly named by its supporters the Great Reset, are the COVID-19 pandemic, the short-term justification, and the so-called climate crisis caused by global warming, the long-term justification. According to the Great Reset's supporters, the plan would fundamentally transform much of society, as World Economic Forum head Klaus Schwab wrote back in June, quote, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies. From education to social contracts and working conditions, every country from the United States to China must participate and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. They go on to say, internationally, the great reset has already been backed by influential leaders, activists, academics and institutions, in addition to the World Economic Forum and the United Nations, the Great Reset Movement counts among its international, uh, among its, there's a missing word there, I suppose, the International Monetary Fund, heads of state, Greenpeace, and CEOs and resident presidents of large corporations and financial institutions such as Microsoft and MasterCard. But in America, most policymakers, including President-elect Joe Biden, have been relatively quiet about the Great Reset, leaving many to speculate what a Biden administration would do to support or oppose this radical plan. They go on to say that at a panel discussion about the Great Reset hosted by the World Economic Forum in mid-November, former Secretary of State John Kerry, Biden's would-be special presidential envoy for climate, firmly declared that the Biden administration will support the Great Reset and that the Great Reset, quote, will happen with greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. When asked by panel host Borge Brend whether the World Economic Forum and other and other Great Reset supporters are expecting too much too soon from the new president, or is he going to deliver the first day on this uh, on these topics? Kerry responded, the answer to your question is no, you're not expecting too much. And yes, the Great Reset will happen. And I think it will happen with greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. In effect, the citizens of the United States have just done a Great Reset. We've done a Great Reset, and it was a record level of voting. Kerry later argued that the Great Reset is necessary to slow the climate crisis and that, quote, I know Joe Biden believes it's not enough to just rejoin the Paris Climate Accords for the United States. It's not enough for us to just do the minimum of what Paris requires. So I'm not going to read literally every, you know, the last bit of this. It's clearly an opinion piece, but it's talking about something that's actually happening. Lockdowns. I'm going to ask you, uh, Destiny, your opinion, because you were mentioning before that you're for them. Well, oh, are we going to talk about the Great Reset or are we going to talk about lockdowns? <laughs> well, we're, we're going to talk about the Great Reset for uh-huh. sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you want to uh, respond to that first. Oh, that honest. all sounded really cool, I guess. Um, the idea that uh, we have an opportunity to reorganize things based around like some kind of like ongoing crisis that might expose, uh, you know, weak parts of our economy or weak parts of, you know, healthcare infrastructure or whatever. Like, I think the idea of capitalizing on those types of disasters and moving new programs forward, I think is really good. I think it's like pretty standard business practice too, right? Like nobody files bankruptcy and comes back the exact same way, right? Usually it's an opportunity to restructure your business, to get rid of stuff that doesn't work, to improve on stuff that does work. Like, I don't, I don't see the horrible part about that. But more specifically, lockdowns? Or? Yeah, so the, the, I guess the general idea is that when they're talking about lockdowns, they're not talking about COVID. They're talking about the Great Reset and climate change. And that's, that's the gist of what I get from John Kerry's statements. Initially, they said the Great Reset, you know, of global capitalism, whatever, would mm-hmm. be due to, uh, due to COVID. It's a great opportunity to do it. But then clearly what their real concern is climate change. Just because you take an opportunity to, um, so I think it was Chicago, I think was one of the cities that had like massive fires that like ravished the city and they used the opportunity to rebuild a lot of the city's infrastructure. I don't think people were ever claiming they set the fires just to rebuild the city. 
I don't, I don't think um, I don't think anybody would claim that we want to lock down the country just to further climate change. There might be a way to, to make to that stop argument, climate change or, or, or to, yeah, to yeah. further climate change agenda, anti-climate change agenda. Yeah, um, th- that might be an argument that one could make in another world where we aren't topping ourselves every single day with record numbers of infections and deaths. Like if we were Australia or uh, New Zealand and we were doing lockdowns continually, then maybe like, oh, hold on, there's an agenda here. Um, but I, I mean, like we're we're losing twin towers worth of people every day. I, the idea that this is just a conspiracy to pass climate change agenda stuff seems like a hard sell to me. I don't think it's that it's a conspiracy. I think it's that they're exploiting a crisis. I but think that's good. Shouldn't we do that? Not necessarily. Isn't no, isn't I mean, isn't a crisis like one of your best opportunities to like restructure? Like I, like I give with the example of like a like a failing business. Like if something really horrible happens, generally horrible things happen because they expose some type of flaw or defect in in what you do. Like isn't that the time for change? Especially because that's when you're going to get the most like activism behind it. Don't people have rights though? Like, don't you have a right yeah. to make choices for yourself, live your life, Sometimes. especially with the with a constitution? Kind so, of. That's a very vague sense. I mean, like, do I have the right to go out and get drunk and drive? You don't. Okay, so we have some rights, right? Insofar yeah, so, as we're not infringing on the rights of others. So whether that's crashing in a drunk driving accident or infecting somebody with SARS-CoV-2, right? It probably depends on what right we're talking about, I would imagine. Yeah, so if, if you don't want to get sick, mm-hmm. then shouldn't you stay home? If you don't want a drunk driver to hit you, should you just never drive? Well, that's different. That's someone someone who might be sick and doesn't know and is living their life under emergency circumstances like, I have to make money and feed my family. There's no circumstance where you have to be drunk and drive to There's feed no your family. There's no circumstance where you have to be outside and standing right next to people without a mask or whatever. Well, right? we're not talking about that. We're talking, well, I mean, if you want to criticize the Black Lives Matter protests and, you know, the, the Biden, you know, the, the big Biden rallies or whatever they just did when Biden won, mm-hmm. then yeah, there's no reason for those people to be doing that stuff. You know, you can simultaneously That's, criticize them and the anti-lockdown people too as well, right? That's not like, a, like I can criticize both. To, be, to my knowledge, a lot of the people were in those protests were wearing masks, though. I mean, from what I saw. Well, in the, in the Biden one, mm-hmm. they were taking their masks off and drinking and sharing drinks was like one of the big videos that came around. Sure, maybe, that's maybe pretty dumb. That's one, pretty dumb for sure. For sure, for sure. But I, I'm just more fundamentally, I'm just saying that like um, the to, to come up with the like, don't we have rights? Well, yeah, I mean, of course we do. But I mean, we learned this growing up with more rights also comes more responsibility. You know, like, we so, have, yeah, do I, I think that the mm-hmm. drunk driving thing doesn't work. I, I, I ha, like there's a guy in Staten Island who got arrested mm-hmm. trying to run his bar. He has to. Otherwise, he becomes homeless and he can't feed his family. And then what? Did they beg the government for help? The government's not giving it to him. And you can blame Mitch well, McConnell or Nancy Pelosi. No, we could blame Mitch McConnell. Pelosi sent him like trillions of dollars of bills that are dying on his desk. But we still had um, we still had Democrats saying it was Pelosi's fault. You had Wolf Blitzer criticizing Pelosi. So I think it's fair to point the finger at both. They, I, we we can we're pointing a very short dwarven finger at one, <laughs> and we're pointing like the the nose of Pinocchio at the other. Um, in terms of people fighting over specifically, you know, what is Pelosi pushing for? What is she not pushing for? Um, there can be back and forth over that. The fact of the matter is, there was some like two point five trillion dollar bill that was left in McConnell's desk when he moonwalked out of the Senate after they confirmed ACB. So I mean, for like sure. the, the blame is not even remotely close to equal there. Pol- the House passed legislation; the Senate let it die. That's you, true. You can't you can't both sides that one. I don't think. But I, th- I well, I think that's. Whether or not it's me trying to do it, I'm, this is what people are doing, right? Well, so Wolf Blitzer might have specifically criticized, like, hey, Pelosi. Maybe he cited Ro Khanna. What? He cited Ro Khanna. He was citing Democrats who were calling out Pelosi, mm-hmm. and Pelosi didn't want to answer the question. So, it, look, if, if, like, obviously, if you're on the right, the right's going to say, see, 
The issue with the Heroes Act was that they wanted fun, like, you know, they were stuffing things in it that didn't make sense. And the Republicans did the same thing. They wanted money for an FBI building. Mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to go off on the on the on the, you know, Democrat versus Republican. Sure. Well, it's I'll, important because I don't be, well, obviously as a huge diehard Biden fan. Um, <laughs> I'm going to fight viciously back against the idea that both sides messed up. The fact of the matter is, is that if I go into the Senate, um, they did not give us legislation for any type of coronavirus release. And Pelosi did. She delivered. We have that legislation. It's sitting on the floor of the Senate and it's never going to be called for a vote. But, well, so, so I want to I want to keep it to yeah, the discussion the of the, the lockdown rights, the sure. Great Reset stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the government is clearly not providing for people, regardless clearly. regardless mm-hmm. of whose fault it is. You can say it's Republicans fault. Then absolutely. Sure. What is a working class you know, man or woman to do when they're told in specifically in Staten Island, the issue was that this bar wasn't allowed to serve people. But two blocks away, everything was normal. Mm-hmm. They said this specific zone has been locked down. So when the guy said, I have nothing left, I have nothing left to lose. The money that did go out overwhelmingly went to massive corporations. The lockdown is overwhelmingly be- uh, um, uh, overwhelming, overwhelmingly benefiting. The money should go to massive corporations, right? No. Why not? It should go to the people who can then buy resources to go to the businesses to make sure they can cover their costs so, and their taxes. Okay, so the PPP loans, um, yeah. I wish I could remember what every word stands for, but the PPP loans were loans given to corporations that allowed them to cover up to 2.5 months of employment expenses right. when they paid employees. If they did that, then the loan was going to be forgiven. We still haven't gotten the paperwork for what that forgiveness looks like, but that's the point. So if I have one corporation that hires 10,000 people and another company that hires 10 people, well, of course more money is going to go to the corporation because there's more right, payroll right. to cover, right? S- but it's not... But the corporations but it's, aren't... It's, it's a semantic issue. Well, no, it's not semantic. No, 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 no very listen. Important. Yeah. What I meant was not that a small business with 10 employees mm-hmm. was getting money. What I meant was when the lockdown happens, the money ends up in the hands of the ultra wealthy. The stores that are allowed to remain open tend to be the big box stores. And that's why we saw the massive profits, the massive uh, uh, spiking in stock value for these big companies, notably Amazon. The working class people got 1200 bucks. Yeah, stock Small values are definitely thing. But if you, if you, I'm just talking very specifically, um, cause it's very important to, uh, to understand each of these policies. So the PPP only works for you if you pay out employees. So I got a PPP loan. The way that that works, the way that the paperwork details is that when I get that money, I can claim up to two and a half times the expenses of all of my employees. And the only money that's forgiven for me is what I pay out to my employees. So for me personally, there were like two people that I kept on payroll just because, oh, well, the government's going to pay for it. Yeah, screw it. I'll take the PPP money and then I'll continue to pay them out because it'll be forgiven. I only kept those two people on payroll because the government gave me that PPP money. And they, any corporation isn't going to pocket the money. It gets paid out to employees. It has did, they, to be. did they give you money to pay your rent, pay your taxes, pay your costs, replace perishable goods? No, it was just to cover the cost of em- employing the employees. So Not to cover everything, yeah. What happens with the lockdown is mm-hmm. massive businesses, the likes of McDonald's, Starbucks, they can mm-hmm. shut down and they can roll. Oh, their and eyes. they can absorb. Oh, one hundred percent, I agree. Small businesses are sure. being destroyed. Mm-hmm. So that's the question. I said, don't people have rights when the, when these people we see we see now? There's a West Michigan story going viral mm-hmm. where a guy there's there's a news report going on. A guy walks out of his restaurant and he and he yells to the the, the news reporter. He's like, "Is this you? Are you talking about me?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "They've taken everything." The money is going to the, the, their friends. It's going to special interests. These the, the bailout that came out, people did get a stimulus, and then money did go to small businesses. But if the small businesses are shut down and can't sell things, what happens? The restaurant, their perishable goods, gone. They can't reopen. So in New Jersey, a third of small businesses have been destroyed. Sure. And I've heard similar in New York restaurants and everything. Like A lot of places that are closing are never coming back, probably. It's a, tra- it's a tragedy, of course. Yeah. So in I, I guess to keep it in context of the Great Reset, mm-hmm. talking about exploiting a crisis to make some change is also destroying the lives of people, resulting in spikes in suicide, spikes in crime. I don't think we're locking down, though, for the Great Reset. I think we're locking down because record numbers of people getting infected and dying from the coronavirus. If we can do something on the backs of that, 
I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Maybe part of that great reset, and I'm almost positive without knowing the intricacies, I'm pretty sure that part of that great reset is probably going to be like more stimulus for small business owners. It's going to be covering healthcare for people. It's going to be more types of like, uh, 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 checks or disbursements during like times of crisis. That's probably going to be baked into that great reset as well. Because as you accurately pointed out, the, the relief that we got so far, even the PPP loans were a joke. And what is it? Yep. Like one $1,200 check, I think went out to every American. Yep. That's like, it, it would have almost been better to send nothing because that twelve hundred dollars is like a slap on the face. Like, what's wrong? Do you know that twenty three point six percent of all U.S. dollars ever created was created this year? Um, I was not aware of that. That's crazy, right? Doesn't gonna, sound too crazy. It sounds like probably the Fed is doing what it can to. Um, the Fed's primary job is to reduce inflation and to curb unemployment. Um, which is funny because Trump always takes credit for low black unemployment, even though that's squarely in the job of the Federal Reserve, which has no oversight from the president. Um, but the Federal Reserve probably sees that we are spiking unemployment um, as long as we're not raising in inflation, which we haven't been. Their goal would probably be some form of QE, quantitative easing or um, super low interest rates or whatever. So, yeah, that makes sense. I think, first of all, I'd say I agree with you on a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And also, if if you if your perspective is the lockdowns are strictly because of we have this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an opinion, I guess. You know, I, you, you can, you're, you'll argue that you're correct. I think when you look at certain jurisdictions and you look at the World Health Organization saying it's a very, very last resort, it should be avoided and it can be, and they do it anyway, it sounds to me like, well, we, we, they, they've said it. They want to exploit COVID-19. It's their opportunity to enact this policy. And they, they didn't say it was because of COVID-19. They said it was because of climate change. So do it, you know, should I dis- disregard the World Health Organization's Warning about lockdowns. So I think we're—I don't know—among major countries because I know there are some smaller ones, but among every country, we're 11th right now in per capita death, and we lead the world in in absolute death. I don't know what last resort sounds like to you, but that sounds like we're pretty close to like last resort there. But Um, so the people who like this is the big challenge. mm -hmm. Our economy is is what did we drop like 30 percent or like 30 something percent this year? Potentially, yeah. People are, are we're facing mass evictions. Mass the, unemployment. Yep. The, the reason I pointed out the printing of money is that that is absolutely not a solution in any capacity. It's a it's a desperate last resort where they're just like money printer go burr, desperately trying to keep the machine churning in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But if people ultimately stop doing things that give them the money value, then ultimately we just we're headed towards some kind of really serious economic collapse, especially sure. with. So if something. We, I'm not going to disagree with you here, and I, we talked a little bit about this off air. The problem is, is that right now we have the worst of both worlds, and that we are doing half-assed lockdowns that are locking down just enough to absolutely destroy small businesses and and, um, and and average workers, but we're not locking down enough to prevent the spread of the disease. So what we're getting is the disease is spreading almost uninhibited, or it almost feels like it's uninhibited. I'm sure it has been to some extent. And then we're seeing all these businesses closed down, and we, because we're doing it in such a uh, in such a lackadaisical manner, like nothing is actually moving in a positive direction. We haven't eliminated the virus in any part of the U.S. We're still in like that map. This isn't like purple spreading in almost every, I think in every single state. Um, and then people are suffering severe economic harm as well. Right now, whatever we're doing, I like if you were to ask me like, well, should we just not lock down anything or whatever? If it was between just doing no lockdowns and doing what we're doing now, I might even say like, okay, yeah, like, like whatever. I think that's, I think that's it actually. Sure. The, the, the guy at the restaurant that I mentioned in, in Michigan, mm-hmm. he straight up said, if the government gave me enough money to, to keep everything moving, I'd happily exactly. walk away for two months. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it really just comes down to... Is if the, we were going to shut down businesses, we have to support them through the shutdown. Right. You can't just expect people to stay home and have, you know, you know, we don't expect American Airlines or Walmart or any other massive corporation to have six months of savings. Um, and these people are doing revenue in the 9, 10, 11 digits. Like, right. Why do you expect, you know, Frank that owns a bar down the street to, you know, like small business owners aren't making tens of millions of dollars a, a year off of their business. You know, these people aren't going to have the savings to 
get through six months of, of not operating their business? It's a tough problem. Um, I think you have a lot of people on the right saying, protect the vulnerable, social distance, wear masks, but reopen things. And then many on the left, I suppose, you know, in, in your instance, lock everything down hard, but cover the cost to make sure people make it through this. Well, the thing that sucks is it feels like, and this has been, I'm going to, I so look forward. I I want to feel like this argument is never going to come back again, but I know it will under Biden. Republicans always cry about deficit spending, but for some reason, when they're deficit spending for their pet projects, it seems like it's okay. I don't understand why we got trillions of <laughs> yeah. dollars of, of tax cuts from Trump that he celebrated about, you know, growing the economy, which congratulations every time you and the deficit. don't tax. Yeah. And massive debt. I think we he campaigned. He can't. Biggest budget deficits under Trump of all time. Some of the biggest budget year to year deficits of all time. And I think the the thing that leaves people frustrated is it's like, I don't understand why you can't help us. Why can't you give us money if you are spending so much on the war machine, which was supposed to go away, or on, you know, large businesses via tax cuts and everything? Like, that's the frustrating part. Trump campaigned against the deficit and the debt. And and here we are. And there there was an interview with Ted Cruz where he was like, you know, well, Trump didn't campaign against that. And they're like, he did. He, he did explicitly yeah I, I think that's an indication of like you know p- political parties will say one thing but as soon as they get power you know what i mean like everybody wants free speech when they're in the minority position and then once they're in the dominant position they're like no no we gotta we gotta clamp things down yeah, maybe you want i mean yeah. yeah i mean a man carrying over 400 400 million dollars of personally guaranteed debt probably isn't gonna be the best person to responsibly manage a country's budget either but <laughs> yeah but see that's that, that's a framing thing you're, you're right there right so it's a framing i'm framing that a man that has a massive amount of personal debt that he's personally guaranteed is maybe but what are his assets <clears throat> probably enough to cover it but probably not enough like 3.2 billion to. But I, I think there was a, it was either Wall Street Journal um, one that went over that, yeah. But anytime you're having to start to sell off things that you own to cover debt, you're going to cover, it's probably not a good feeling. You can do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Forbes, I think, put Trump at 3.2 billion with, de- with liabilities of like 400 million. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go off on a news thing. Sure, yeah. It doesn't, I, 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 it's frustrating yeah, to, to like center back. It's frustrating to me and a lot of other people, um, on the left and I imagine on the right as well that constantly hear about how we can't just spend all this money on it is you. But we right. could do massive tax cuts and we could spend a lot of money on overseas wars. And that just seems very wrong. Yep. Yeah, man. The war. You get me going on the war thing. Absolutely. It's spending money doing nation building in foreign countries when we could be fixing the pipes in Flint and helping people in this country. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting thing. I think, you know, ultimately what it comes down to with the, the lockdown debate is I think if we work out all of those issues, what's left is will the two month mass printing of money have a serious detrimental effect on the economy the savings and the uh, uh you know retirements of american people will it be a bad thing for them you know or if we that's basically it right so conservatives would say we can't just print money we can't just do that we can't just lock everything down and freeze it especially at this point considering it's been a year now when businesses mm-hmm. have been destroyed and i guess the leftist position is you can and you have to um yeah i guess it monetary policy is very complicated. Um, I know that there's always the uh, inflation boogeyman that is looming behind every politically expedient argument, but it seems like we haven't seen that massive uninflation yet. Uh, we've been running historically low uh, federal funds rates for long times now. It just isn't there. I know that it, there's at least five libertarians right now in chat screaming that we need to go back to the gold standard and we're printing money and it's out of bed. Do you see um, that, that Trump, I think it was Trumpy tried appointing a woman to the Federal Reserve who wants to be on the gold, wants to put us back on the gold standard. That's very funny. Um, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, but absolutely delusional. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, um, we need to get Ron Paul in here. You can have an argument about what's delusional about, about the, it. Oh, oh, wait, are you asking me or would Ron Paul ask me that? No, no, no. Like Ron Paul would clearly <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah, you're, right, you're crazy. You know, you're wrong. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man. I was a huge Ron Paul supporter when I was back in college. Really? Was 18, 19. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what the man. heck? So, so, so let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, we'll, uh, 
Look, man, I think, I think we agree that we we have to go one way or the other. We're sitting on the fence. We right. either need to jump into working. the, we're going to lock down for two months, everybody's getting some kind of handout, or we need to go into like, okay, we're going to severely lax all the lockdown stuff, and we're just going to see who dies, but like we have to keep people's lives running. Because there is damage, uh, there is collateral damage to a lockdown that people are, suicide. most people accept, well, even more so in the suicide, not having your business, not being able to run yeah. anything, mental health issues. And like, yeah, actually, yeah, there's a really well-known Twitch streamer that killed himself, most likely because Whoa. of the lockdowns. Um, a friend of mine that traveled a ton, and that was like his way of getting out. I know there are a lot of people like that, uh, maybe that not necessarily kill themselves, but like severely, like negatively impacted in terms of mental health related to that. So yeah. Wow, man. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of stories. There was a, there's, there's this dude that I know, his son committed suicide. He was tweeting about it and said, having a, having a young kid who's locked up and with even with with resources, this guy's a wealthy dude. Mm-hmm. That's just it destroys their mind, you know. Not and, to mention that, like, I can't imagine. My, so I'm very like I have a nine year old son. Um, because of how they, because he lives in a wealthy school district, because I'm wealthy. Um, they have long distance learning with like iPads and stuff. And even for them, even for that technologically very literate school district, I get the emails every day. I don't know if other parents have this issue where it's like, hey guys, if you got logged out of the iPads, you know, like this is how you get back in. Or like, it just seems to be like such a nightmare for everybody. I can't imagine the poorer schools that can't afford that type of technology. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what those people are You're out of school for like a year. Some people didn't get to have their senior prom. Some people didn't get to do their graduation. Wedding like, season. I would have cheered for all that. I'm, you know, I, when I was, when I was younger, I would have as well, very but I'm not, anti-establishment. <laughs> well, I just want to say I'm going to play video games, but most people yeah. probably wanted to see their friends and, and socialize and do stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, so that's a good argument why there shouldn't be lockdowns for the f- sake of mental health and everyone. And, and actually, or a good argument for why we should have had very strict lockdowns for two months and then maybe started to do like much more controlled reopenings like they've done in Australia, New Zealand or South Korea. So then the problem isn't so much a conspiracy as it is two factions fighting and getting a half-assed response instead of one solid response to either. The problem is that literally every single thing in the United States is so unbelievably politicized that you can't do anything without somebody looking at you like you have a political agenda behind it. And part of the reason is because of stuff like talking about the Great Reset. Like, on its face, if you were to say, like, hey, if you are doing, like, a massive restructuring, do you think you should take that opportunity to optimize, like, part of your workflow? Every reasonable person would be like, yeah, probably, yeah. But, like, when it's phrased in that, like, do you think that people are pushing for extra coronavirus lockdowns just so they can shove AOC into every person's home, forcing you to get on your knees and worship the Green New Deal? It's like... Well, okay. Like, I, I feel like the framing of that is a little bit disingenuous, and it, it further serves like that hardcore hyperpartisan politicization of, the, of American politics. The World Economic Forum put out a video that said, "In 2030, you will own nothing and you will be happy." So when they then when you say the World Economic Forum, do you mean like one person who works in one subsection that does YouTube videos? They published like a, it. It was published sure. on all social platforms. They wrote a, they wrote a big long article mm-hmm. about it, and then they later clarified when there was a backlash that it wasn't intended to say this is what we want to happen, but what we think may happen. So okay. the, issue, the issue is, if you, if you launch a campaign around this, mm-hmm. you include within it, you like, critical theory, intersectionality and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you say, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And then, the, at people like Trudeau, who say we're going to have a reset, people like John Kerry, mm-hmm. are advocating for locking everything down, which is destroying ownership. Sure. It's like, just, people, yeah, people I'll put it this way. Yeah. Not that it's a grand conspiracy where they all got together and said, mm-hmm. we want to destroy ownership, but that they think it's a good thing, they like it. They've advocated for it, and now the policies they're bringing about are bringing about what they want. Sure. So you can argue with improve intent. Yeah, I understand. The problem is that, like, I can't argue against a story. I can only argue against particular policies. Um, So, like, if we are concocting this grand narrative behind the schemes that we're trying to get rid of ownership of everything and blah, 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 and, and like this, like, well, I mean, like, we have, like, a bunch of discrete facts, and we could connect them in that way if we want to, but I don't know if that's the most appropriate way to do it. And even on its face, um, I, I could even defend that statement on its face that actually a lot of people are in support of that, that you will own nothing and be happy. 
Um, so as a gamer, um, something that's been very interesting to me is most people today use things like Steam as a platform. You don't own any of the, I don't know if you're familiar with Steam. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't yeah. own any of those games. Right. If Valve goes bankrupt, you've lost everything. That's but a people bad are happy thing. With it. Sure, but but the convenience that it provides is, you know, on another level, and that's why people like it. Or you don't own any of your music. You listen to it on Spotify. You listen to it on iTunes. We don't have the um, the vinyls. We don't have the CDs. We don't have any of that anymore. So, like, I'm not, now I'm not defending the idea that we should own nothing, okay? I'm an yeah. ardent capitalist. I like owning things. <laughs> um, I, for, I have all of my music is backed up on FLAC files on my hard drives that I keep it all because I like that. However, I don't think that these ideas are necessary as crazy as we make them out to be because we give the least charitable reading of it and then run with the biggest conspiracy behind it instead of like well what's like a more nuanced like approach in the middle for like what do they probably mean what are the goods and pro- what are the pros and cons and like how can we you know work with this i guess i think i think conspiracy implies that it's a secret of some sort i will just call um, it yeah, that's not fair for me to say. Sure. When I say conspiracy, no, 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 I mean like a plan I of people. Language too, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I understand. When I, when I say conspiracy, I don't mean like a crazy, you know, lunatic thing. When I say conspiracy, I mean like a planned thing that multiple people are working on to bring about some kind of change. It's like a conspiracy. Um, but I guess it has a very negative connotation. So I understand yeah. that. Yeah. There's a group of people. They have international interests. They think we should use the COVID lockdown to reset global capitalism. And then there's people who don't trust the policies they're putting out when the World Health Organization themselves. I, I have the quote. Sure. Let's see if I can. Uh, Full lockdowns should be a very, very last resort and can be avoided, World Health Organization's Europe chief says. Mm-hmm. So this was in October. They, when, when, when you see the story, and it was, it was basically carried everywhere. I'm using CNBC. Mm-hmm. People are wondering why then they're pushing for all these lockdowns. I don't want well, to. We, I don't think we've even pushed for full lockdowns anywhere in the U.S. Have we? Uh, no. We well, have, so full, we haven't well, even done a full lockdown. Well, what anywhere. do you mean by full lockdown? Well, what do they mean by full lockdown? <laughs> I, mean, I, I imagine guess, that I, the I, WHO probably doesn't mean when they say like full lockdown. I doubt they mean like outdoor seating at all hours of the day at most restaurants. Yeah, you're when probably they, right. Yeah, when they say full lockdown, they're probably saying like closed. Because I've been in California for a couple of years now, and I don't think we full lockdown anything. You can go to any Washington's well, a couple of years, but over the past years, like you can still go out to restaurants. You're just outdoor seating, or you're seating in every other place. California or, says don't leave your home. Uh, don't they, walk around. Well, don't past, drive but your pa- car. past ten o'clock, I think just recently they did that. I think Newsom said on Monday. Right, I recently. think they just said like no more gatherings of ten or more people. Yeah, but this is the. I think this is the first time Californians went this far. But even at that, I'm pretty sure restaurants are still open. Like I literally ordered Din Tai Fung like the day before we we left. Like we we went to the uh, restaurant and picked it up, and there were still people eating out there and everything. So it's interesting too. Yeah, because well, it's the Constitution. There's only so much they can do to enforce this stuff. You look at Europe and they mm-hmm. had, they had this, uh, video go viral of a woman who brought her mom to, uh, med- uh, mental health facility and they detained her, tased her. She's screaming. And then naturally people are like, this is messed up. I mean, actually you, it, you made it sound like you, you disagreed with Australia and New Zealand's approach to things because Australia has been super draconian. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, the, the, I just, I wish that we had a more three dimensional view of what it means to have the right to do something. Because the way that when, when I grew up, the way that I was taught is that when you get more rights, being an adult is awesome, but there is more responsibility that comes along with that. There's no, you're never given a right to do something that doesn't carry a, a greater burden of responsibility behind it. Like that's always the case. Um, and a lot of the times when I talk, it's so weird. When Republicans talk about rights, usually they're talking about restricting rights. I notice that anytime a Republican talks about states' rights, what they're actually talking about is taking rights away from you. They want to like curb like abortion. Um, or they want to restrict access to like funding for like Planned Parenthood. They, they, they usually, or they want to make it harder to vote for whatever reason, voter ID, or if you don't agree with that, make it harder or whatever. Like it feels like when people talk about like states' rights, um, or they, they, uh, or make it illegal for like gay people to get married. They're talking about like taking rights away from people, which is interesting. Old examples. Well, now they are because the Supreme right. Court said, but I mean, there was that famous, um, who was the woman that, uh, Mike Huckabee supported? Who was saying like I'm not going to marry you know these gay people even if they oh, the would have yeah the clerk yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so these are thankfully some of these are older examples sure 
Um, but even with even regarding things like um, uh, like uh, what do you call the city sanctuary cities, right? People like states shouldn't have the right to do that. We need to take this back, or we need to like. It, it, just, it feels a lot. A lot of the times, like when people talk about states' rights, it feels like they're actually talking about taking rights away from people, which is it's not like a couple of those examples were just security. Well, like should we, I mean, what is security but the restriction of a right in exchange for what's the quote? Like somebody that demands uh, security in exchange for their freedom will get and deserve neither, or something. We'll, we'll get neither. We'll lose. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get neither and lose both. Yeah, sure. Well, so, but the argument, it, mm-hmm. it really is, yeah, it comes down to uh, freedom versus security. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you do need security. It's just a question of where the balance is, right? For sure. So you could, it's crazy to me that, like, people will look at, like, illegal immigrants and be like, we need to, we need to ship 13 million people out of here because a few people every year get killed by MS-13. Or we need to get them all out of here. And then we look at, like, 3,000 people a day dying from the coronavirus. Like and it's like, well, <laughs> do we really need to well, wear they're, masks? They're very, very different. They're very different. The issue of illegal immigration has a lot to do with the economy as well. Just a, a way more than mm-hmm. just it has to do with the, the, the security of uh, uh, of our elections, the security of our physical you know safety, mm-hmm. and it has to do with the uh, jobs market. So elections, physical safety, and jobs market. The coronavirus is hardcore a affecting all of those. Right, but the, the election and all the mail in You voting. can't you can't mm-hmm. deport the coronavirus, and so the conservatives tend to say we should protect the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We should have social distancing, wear masks. And we can keep the economy running mm-hmm. and schools seem to be safe. Mm-hmm. And then the left tends to say, tends to say, lock it all down, provide stimulus and, and support. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I hear what you're saying, you know, early on, cause we, we did go through this already. I, like, I guess the thing you that know. makes me sad is that like I grew up my, so half my family's Cuban. My mom and dad were both Air Force. They're ride or die for Trump. Like to the end of the earth. Um, and my mom is an incredibly nationalistic, very proud American, loves this country, would, would, if the Air Force called her back in today, she would, you know, strap up in her little flight suit and go and fly to wherever they wanted. I know she would. Um, and it hurts when I grew up hearing about all these amazing things that America was capable of, that America had accomplished. Um, and we did silent generation, World War II, all that. We did a lot of amazing stuff. And then when it comes to controlling a coronavirus, individually we can't take responsibility for this we can't just wear a mask and stay away from people apparently that's really controversial we sucked at getting testing out because trump didn't take it seriously he didn't push for it anywhere near as much as he should have we weren't able to enact any of the other measures that other countries that was a complicated point though but we'll we'll come back to i don't believe it was complicated i I understand that we can say that like well some tests were put out and they failed i think that in the united states regardless of what some people say i think that this country possesses the greatest technological innovation in the world if we wanted to get tests out and if the political will was behind it we would have had that out way earlier because south korea had the same first day reported cases us and they have like i think they have like 240 deaths from the coronavirus why couldn't that have been us and south korea is this, this entire little peninsula is like a like a metro, metro that, that's why it's easier for them that's harder no, no new york we, that was look, one of the reasons my new york city got so crushed look, look, how tightly packed together everybody's and all the international travel and everything look how many different states with different jurisdictions with different governors mm-hmm. all protected by the 10th amendment Trump can only do so much. And when you have New York uh, City having their, their health experts come down and say everything's fine, go outside. You have people in, in California of Nancy Pelosi doing the same thing. There's an argument of who took things more seriously than and who didn't. But ultimately Trump. what it comes down to is Trump doesn't have uh, – Vosh argued Trump should use constitu- the constitutional war powers to just assume control and then force things. So firstly, that would be insane. Imagine right. if Trump would be using like executive powers – in times of national security to do insane stuff like tariffing China or sending troops down to build the wall. I mean, he's already done this. 
these weren't even national emergencies. So, but, now, but I'm not in favor of Trump enacting it. Well, it's, yeah, because he shouldn't have done it there, but you could make an argument that he might do it here. Maybe he should. If so, there was ever an argument to exercise these powers, it would probably be in protecting, like, a 9-11's worth of people dying every single day in the United States. I don't know if, like, tariffing China is the same level of national security. And that's as, why like, it's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, like Trump putting a tariff on China, people say for the most part, like, okay, we'll see how that plays out. Well, no, a lot of people were very upset because he did this unilaterally and he, and he exercised executive branch powers to do it under like threat of like yep. war or whatever, like, yep. which is a little bit insane. So I'm just saying, I don't agree with Vosh's argument, uh, but like, if you're going to argue in favor of Trump abusing the executive like he has so far, it seems strange to make the argument that he shouldn't do it here. Has he abused the executive? I think that saying that we need to go that the that the border wall to the south is some like horrible national emergency that he needs to send people down to like build part of his wall or whatever, or saying that we need to uh, have a national emergency tariff. I think that's very strange. I think that's an abuse of power. And then more importantly, back to what you said before, Trump can only do so much. Trump actually can do so much because he is so unbelievably popular in the Republican Party. Trump still has like a, what, like a 93, 94% approval rating in the Republican Party. If Trump went around, yeah, if if Trump went around and told the governors, listen up, guys, we're going to close down for a couple months because it's your patriotic duty, blah, blah, blah. You better believe that any Republican governor or anybody that's in any plus Trump district is going to be in lockstep behind them because they don't want to lose reelections. In terms of securing the border, that is the power bestowed upon the president. If he's going to say the United States government, we need to protect our borders, we do. If he's going to do uh, trade negotiations, it's something he Border would do. policy and border legislation, though, that's clearly in the realm of like congressional authority. This is stuff that should be passed through this, Congress. This went through a series of checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Congress fought with Trump. They refused to give him the budget he wanted. Like the t- Supreme Court sided with Trump. Exactly. Because th- th- he does have very broad powers. But like, spiritually speaking— Right. I don't think we would want Biden or Obama to come in and say like, oh, well, I'm going to open all the borders because I think it's good for our national security. Right. I personally, I would say like this feels like something that should probably go through Congress. You know, I didn't like DACA under Obama, not because I didn't like the policy, but because it's like, OK, well, we can't get anything done through Congress. So now we're going to like kind of broaden our executive powers and write agree, immigration yeah. policy. And we see how horrible that is, because anything that can be done via executive action can be undone via executive okay. action. They can't. Trump tried to undo it. And the Supreme Court said no. Well, I think um, <laughs> so. Technically, it's true. But did, weren't there parts of DACA that I think were rescinded? I, I don't know if that's still being fought in an know. ongoing manner. But I um, know that they, they basically shot him down on several instances. I, yeah, I know. Tried yeah, it's to, you know. complicated. They go back and forth. Um, but um, yeah, like executive order is just a really bad. Th- there are parts of our government that people complain about. So the Supreme Court is one of them and the executive is one of them. And they say that the power has expanded so much in these areas. But I think the reason why it appears that way is just because Congress has been so unable to do anything that that's the only place that we can get any meaningful action out of so let's talk about uh biden and trump then we'll expand upon this you're Mm -hmm. you're you're super excited for biden uh yes oh yeah why um for every so one i think that we will finally hopefully have some cohesive idea of how we're supposed to deal with the coronavirus as a country from somebody that is not insane when it comes to talking about virus related stuff so no weird stuff about bleach or uv lights no pushing weird <laughs> medications like hydroxychloroquine that he didn't take when he was sick no did, did, he was reported that he took it uh, no he said he took it as a prophylactic oh, right, before he got but sick when right, he actually yes, got sick he yeah. got the good stuff he didn't get Regeneron. that weird stuff that he was selling all the suckers on tv that worship and support him um, well but hydroxychloroquine hydroxychloroquine has been used for decades it is considered not for covid19 for sure for sure so there were preliminary studies this, this is the craziest thing about the news cycle and how they deal with trump there was actually TechCrunch and several uh, european outlets that reported a promising study showing hydroxychloroquine azithromycin you know com- and with zinc in combination was showing uh that the severity was reducing they actually replicated this in other studies 
Trump comes out and just starts repeating it. And then all of a sudden the media flipped on it. So we, we even saw we, we even saw lefties write about this saying it is the weirdest thing. The moment Trump says something about a news report, the media changes the narrative and says it's a bad thing. Because May- well, the problem is it's not Trump's job to be saying these things. If a random TechCrunch article wants to come out and say, hey, there was some retrospective analysis done on hydroxychloroquine and antibiotics like azithromycin. No, no, no. no. It was literally whatever. a study on COVID. And they found the severity was dramatically reduced. All of the prospective studies done on hydroxychloroquine have showed that it is nothing. It does not help with the severity of disease. There have been some retrospectives that when compared against different standards of care, like maybe. But the the reason why it became popular initially was because that scientist in um, France, the doctor um, Raoul, came out with his, like... N equals 12 study that I think he dropped one person from that died. And after like one week in, he was like, hey, we published the results. There, there, and then like that was it. There, but, there was a, a ton of past research that said for coronavirus and and for like SARS-CoV-1, mm-hmm. hydroxychloroquine was effective in reducing severity. Sure. This probably led the scientists to say, let's try it out for Which is fine. SARS-CoV-2. Which is good. They were promising results early on. But as soon as Trump said it, the media went nuts. That's because the crazy it's not thing. Trump's, because Trump no, is a different on, person on. and it's not his job. I'll, I'll so, t- here, I'll, wait, so here's part of the problem when Trump comes out and says it. When Trump comes out and says something that hasn't been thoroughly vetted by the medical community, isn't recommended by somebody who would be more in line to recommend that, like say somebody like Fauci, right? When Trump comes out and says it, it changes the worldwide discourse when it comes to these drugs. So there was a really good article published in Nature about some research scientists that complained about how hard it was when they were trying to run trials on other drugs. So dex- dexamethasone and um, remdesivir or other drugs, nobody wants to be in the loser trials. Everybody wants to be in the hydroxychloroquine <laughs> trials. That's what Trump was talking about. Yeah. Why, nobody wants to risk being in the dummy trial for some loser drug when Trump is on TV talking about how he's taking hydroxychloroquine every day. Like, it's not his job to do that. He's absolutely but, irresponsible look, for him to Trump, be on TV talking about that. I, I disagree. I mean, he's going to talk about what he sees in the news. I'm not going to blame him. Is he like a Muppet? He sees something and he says something? This is like the most powerful man in the world. I think that we can be a little but bit everybody more critical. Does. What do you mean? What Trump is not everybody. But Trump he, is the president of the United States. And and he did he, he gave a speech where he said, We're doing a great job. we we're seeing some promising studies out of France. There's a hydroxychloroquine they're they're talking about. Should he not tell people that we're making developments and there's some promising, you know, medications? The problem is that even if I was to grant you that, it stands in stark contrast to the reasons why he gave for never talking about the coronavirus initially, right? Like he's saying that like, oh, well, Didn't I kept all this panic, stuff secret panic. because I don't want to start a panic, blah, blah, blah. but now he's out here talking about all these potential miracle drugs and everything. Like, I I just, I think that it's very irresponsible for him. Like, I even get nervous talking about like certain medications on my stream because I don't want people to run out taking, and I know I have that power and I'm not the president of the United States. Right. I always just say, ask your doctor. Exactly. The doctor knows best for you. Which is great. And if Trump know. said that, you know, like, hey, there are drugs out there that might be trying to talk to your doctor. But that's not what he was saying. He was talking about, oh, we got hydroxychloroquine, this great new miracle drug. And I think it's going to be the next. Do you remember? Like, well, who are you to do say Do you remember that? what the White House said on school closures? The science is on our side. And Anderson Cooper, I think, said something to the effect of he just doesn't, doesn't care about your children at all. Um, I think Jennifer Rubin said he wants your kids to die or something like that. This was actually what Kaylee McEnany brought up in, in a press briefing. Mind uh-huh. you, that's why I'm... So I, I remember that, that narrative when Trump uh, and, and the White House came out and said, schools should stay open. Well, now we're finding out that even Fauci is saying, yep, but so much later that we've caused irreparable damage to many people's lives and families. And there's been suicides when Trump was actually right the whole time. 
To was that irresponsible people, when, when they said that that people time? Can say different, people can say the same thing for very different reasons. Like, it's very obvious that Trump is pushing to open schools because he's desperate to get back to some level of normalcy for the election. Because whether you agree or disagree with Trump, this election, to a large extent, was probably a referendum on how he dealt with the coronavirus and getting yeah. people back in schools and getting people working. Because a lot of people don't know this. Um, schools are can be two very important things for families. One, it's how your kid can eat sometimes, depending on how poor you are. And two, um, it lets mom and dad go and work. Daycare. Because, yeah, because yeah, daycare. daycare is unbelievably expensive. Oh, my yep. goodness. So public um, schools allows yeah, the economy the, to keep moving. Yeah, but the problem is, is that when you're pushing for things on only a political basis, and it doesn't seem like you're laying out, like, good comprehensive plans for, like, um, so, for instance, like, Fauci and, um, I think it was even on the White House site, have, like, these plans for, like, slowly reopening based on the number of reported cases, daily averages, moving, blah, blah, blah. Like, if that was the type of thing that was being said, then I could have been more empathetic. I was like, okay, cool, it seems like Trump just wants to reopen things in a responsible way. But instead, it's just like, we gotta open all the schools, we gotta get them back, we gotta get back to normal. It was, like, probably not, like, the most science-driven answer he's given. I mean... It's an, it's an opinion. The people who like Trump are going to say Trump cares about me and he's fighting for my family. The people who don't are going to say he only cares about the Why economy. Why didn't Trump pressure McConnell to release any stimulus if he cares about our family so much? Maybe he doesn't think stimulus is the right way to help families. And he thought that it would be devastating to the economy to just print money. And the best way to do it was to release the lockdowns, which is what But Trump he thought said. it wasn't devastating to the economy to just cut taxes for like all the wealthy businesses or to authorize the PPP loans. He or... thought that was good for the economy. Okay. Like, like pe- people think that the heroes of their own story. You know what I mean? Sure, like, I understand. I'm just, it's strange the, that he thought that these were such positive measures, but he couldn't pressure McConnell to release any kind of stimulus to the average American person. I think he said that the stimulus will be the vaccine and we need to reopen because people should be working. So it's just there. I don't think there's mustache twirling villainy. I think I don't Trump- think there's mustache. I think he's just selfish and stupid. But the problem is we are months and months into this and we got no other stimulus. He is you- our leader. Where was it? How do you feel about Fauci saying uh, early on that he was doing the best possible, that no one could do better? Every time somebody contradicts Trump, they get immediately fired. Look at the, um, I think it was the cybersecurity head of the DHS that came out and said, well, this yeah, election was Krebs. actually pretty secure. And Trump instantly fired him. So it's not yeah. surprising to me that Fauci, a man that's been working in government for, what, like 30 or 40 years or something, that he came out and was like, oh, yeah, I think Trump but is he's, doing He's like been defying him for months. He has been defying it, but that's, there's a very careful line you have to skirt. If you've ever worked a corporate job and you've got an totally. idiot manager, you know, like, you don't go out and say, like, why are you doing this? It's stupid. It's more like, maybe I, like, do. I think you're doing a great. <laughs> I get fired. Sure. Yeah. Well, if you don't <laughs> want to get fired, it's more like you're doing an amazing job. I think we could do a little bit better here. Right. So, of so course, you think you think Fauci lied to the American people to save his own job? Oof. I think that Fauci was saying things in the most diplomatic manner possible because he wanted to serve the American people. And I got immediately fired by Trump, which he would. Saying Trump did the best possible job and no one could do better is a big difference from... We're trying as as hard as we can. I don't I think- know if he said no one could do better. I, I would be or better. I would be curious what the exact quote is. But even so, I don't think that's very relevant to policy going forward. Whether or not Fauci says that Trump did a good or bad job, I don't know if it's Fauci's job in government to be second guessing the president in his past decisions. It's P- Fauci's job to give us the best leadership going forward. And I know that there have been times where Fauci, and you just said it right, has been at ends with the president and him like promoting certain drugs or him talking about certain things related to the coronavirus. Where Fauci says, "Well, I disagree here or whatever." And even I'm pretty sure there were a few months where we didn't see Fauci anymore because of his yeah. like behind the scenes fighting with Trump. But yeah, I, I don't think that just saying, well, Fauci said Trump was doing a good job. Like, wow, you think like Trump, the guy that fires literally every single person so, in government that's not immediately agreeing with him, like it doesn't surprise me that he was like a little bit careful when he would publicly address Trump. So on that note, the cybersecurity mm-hmm. guy that Trump just fall- fired, would it not have been in his best interest to say this was the most secure election we've ever had? That's literally him saying, I did a good job. Don't fire me. Um, but th- it's that type of thing is it's very hard. Um, so like there's like two schools of thought in terms of like how to change a system. 
do you go full renegade and say, this sucks, this is over, fire me, I don't care? Or do you kind of like suck it up, work from the inside, you know, like, okay, well, sure, this sucks. But like, if, as long as I like keep my you know mouth shut, I can actually enact change on the inside. Like um, when the DHS guy came out and said what he said, I think that he probably felt an obligation to the American people to let them know the government doesn't stand behind Trump and his like uh, election fraud claims. So I feel like that doesn't surprise so, me. So I'll read a little bit. He said, <clears throat> Fauci said, We've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, there are a number of adjectives to describe it. Impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck, is that I, as one of many people on the team, I'm not the only person since the beginning that we've recognized what this was. I have been devoting almost uh, almost full time on this, almost all, almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone throughout the day and into the night. And when I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning, not just 1. So I can't imagine that under any circumstance that anybody could be doing more. I mean, obviously, we're fighting a formidable enemy. This virus, this virus is a serious issue here. Take a look at what's under China. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he goes into it's a really long. I don't want to read the full. Uh, it's a really long paragraph. Sure. But just it sounds to me is, like he's like as the as who's kind of become the face of this virus. He's like champion. Like, yeah, we're doing everything we can. The government, which is kind of what I would expect him to do is to be like a cheerleader for the government. I don't expect him to come out and like these guys suck. Our coordinated federal response has been non-existent. Trump is a horrible leader. Like, I don't think that would be his job. And it would probably send a bad message to the American people as well. Right? If, if you know, the criticism of Trump is that he was downplaying this early on to avoid a panic and that was a bad thing, then isn't there responsibility on Fauci? The problem with Trump, if you want to say that you're downplaying something to avoid panic, that's fine. But the problem was, is that while he was downplaying it, there weren't steps being taken behind the scenes to prepare us for what was coming. It seemed less like downplaying it to avoid a panic and more pretending it didn't exist and hope it didn't come to American shores. Because there's a difference between publicly saying like, okay, guys, listen, I don't think this is going to be a big deal. And then behind the scenes, you're like, okay, listen, we need to get testing on board. We need to make sure that we have some form of contact tracing. We need to like communicate with governors, make sure we have some like there would be that. But instead, it was just like, well, look, we locked down travel from China, LOL. And then in a month and a half, we did nothing. Oh, well, we look, we locked down travel from uh, um, from Europe, LOL. And like, that's it. Like, I, I don't think that he was just trying to avoid a panic because there was nothing going on behind the scenes in that gap of the China and European travel ban to show that he was taking it seriously. It seemed he just didn't think it was a real thing. Let's talk about Biden. Sure. What do you uh, what do you like about Biden? Um, so one thing was the top down, um, hopefully some t sort of top down level, um, response we get for related to the coronavirus, um, that respects court rulings and everything. I know, I don't know if we've talked about it yet on air, but the Supreme Court did side that it's really mentioned of, it, yeah, 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 religious freedoms, which is probably fine. I, I can understand that ruling from the Supreme Court. Um, I would hope that churches would individually say like, okay, well maybe we'll, you know, suspend sessions, but I can understand that. Um, but some top down coordinated response from, um, the government related to coronavirus, um, number two. And three are close going to be intertwined is going to be like the economy broadly and healthcare broadly. Um, I'm very interested to see what sort of economic policies we're going to see from Biden, especially in regards to his strong support of unions and especially in regards to, I don't personally like the policy, but pushing for a 15 an hour minimum wage. I'm very curious to see like where that ends up in terms Bad news. of why do you say that? So he wants to combine that with a high corporate tax. Yes. That's bad. And he's also been as, as part of the Obama administration, very much mm -hmm. in favor of free trade agreements. I love free trade agreements. Well, so you know what the combination of those three things will get you. <clears throat> Corporations um, facing high wage costs and high mm -hmm. taxes will just move their, their factories and their, their businesses overseas. Well, that's part of what you have baked into any multilateral trade agreement, though, is right. the idea that um, – so um, nobody talks about this on the right or the left. One of the nice things about free trade agreements or multilateral trade agreements is that obviously what you just said can happen, okay? you um, If you're going to make it so that I can export my supply chain to a place like Vietnam, well – I'm just going to make all my stuff over there because I can pay those workers way less. However, generally, as part of negotiating these free trade agreements, you usually demand some 
sorry, some labor standards um, on the uh, side of other countries in order to bring them onto a more level playing field so that you're not exporting um, all of those jobs. So two really good examples of this is one, is that the UM, uh, I can't remember, the United States, Mexico, UM, USMCA. Yeah, USMCA, the yeah. United States, Mexico, Canada, agreement, free trade agreement, whatever. Yeah, agreement, yeah. Um, so part of this agreement that Trump champions all the time was, um, I think they demanded like uh, uh, an increase in wages for Mexican workers that worked in certain factories to, to try to dissuade people from exporting too many jobs over there. Um, and then another good example is part of the negotiations for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, obviously dead now, but part of those were historic labor reforms in Vietnam that would have bolstered a lot of the labor rights in, in that country. And a lot of those just completely went away as a result of the TPP negotiations falling through. It's good, but, good for Vietnam, but it's not good for American workers. Um, well, if you force them to pay their workers more, it is good for American workers because the increased liberalization of trade means we have another trading partner that we can buy and sell stuff from. But the fact that you have to pay their workers more means we're not just shipping all of those jobs overseas because they still have some minimum level of wages that they have to pay to discourage that. They're... they're, they're there may be those negotiations on labor rights, but mm -hmm. the, the cost is still remarkably cheaper to have our factories all throughout Southeast Asia than here in the United States. And we've we've seen that. We've seen I the mean, fact that we don't produce our own medicine anymore. Sure. I mean, it, it, this this is one of those like insanely multifaceted things that I agree with you in practice. It becomes a lot easier to spread supply chains throughout the world because it's cheaper in certain areas to manufacture it. That's not always a bad thing, but it's also a thing that we could combat if we would have more honest conversations about like what is a multilateral free trade agreement supposed to, to accomplish. So for instance, the Paris Climate Accords. So very common criticism that nobody on the left talks about um, is that these things seem to give a lot of leeway to developing nations. Like why would I join any type of uh, pollution, you know, restriction thing that's going to let China and India compete uninhibited with now my shackled economy that can't pollute. Right. Like, this is insane. Um, so, like, but but the only way that we can address those types of concerns have to come through multilateral trade agreements. That's it. There's no other way to do it. China is way too big as a country. A, a few tariffs or a couple sanctions aren't going to do anything to them. They have access to the rest of the world market. Um, you have to get together with a bunch of countries to set these standards. It didn't. It didn't work. We, 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 we thought that these are, the, the, the trade with China mm -hmm. was going to normalize China and make them freer and better. And nah. they went the other direction. Well, so there, this has been something I've read about this since the nineties. This has always been like the China conspiracy. People are always saying, I, I say conspiracy. People are always saying that like when China, uh, when the middle class booms, when they increase their trade, like they're going to become more liberal. The people are going to demand political freedoms. Doesn't seem to have happened, but I don't think we necessarily need those things to happen. I think we can acknowledge that China exists as this kind of like, you know, authoritarian behemoth that is going to do what it's going to do. But the only way that we can accurately deal with that is to partner with other countries in order to enforce like the kinds of restrictions that we want on them. We can't do it on our own. Like we've seen Trump try to do it with tariffs. It doesn't really work that well. He keeps saying over and over again, we brought them to the table, but like not really. The big things that we were pushing for related to like intellectual property rights and that we didn't see any progress there whatsoever. China continues its Belt Road Initiative all throughout Europe and Asia and everything. Like it's either either there I think there's two outcomes in this 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 China uh issue. Mm -hmm. Full scale warfare or capitulation. Okay, how I'm going to suggest kindly a third option. What if instead of every single time something bad happens in the world and we all hide from each other and get scared and locked down, what if we continue to reach out, be the world leader that we used to be in the whole NATO world and everything, where we tell other countries like, hey, let's all work together on this common idea. And then we pressure China that way. Couldn't that be like a better way to do things? But has, hasn't that been exactly what they've been trying to do that's not been working? Well, I mean, there have been a few key events, especially recently, that have kind of pushed people into a, 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 a lot more kind of a, a scary area where they're worried about working people. So the 2013 Syrian refugee crisis, for instance, caused a whole wave of, of governments in Europe to have— Thanks, Obama. People, yeah, well, um, to some extent, yeah. Um, although Bush got us largely involved with the Middle East originally. But Syria was Obama. Yeah, 
All of it. Oh, oh it's complicated. Um, well, I'm sorry. You're right. It was the CIA. No, that's too communist. Um, no, no. It, 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 this so is, this I mean, like the existence the of like the existence of like ISIS that exists in Syria and gains power in Syria. Like, lo- like a lot of that came from the destabilization that started in Iraq, and a lot of that came from you know. Bush yeah. that got us into Iraq. I'm not saying that For Obama sure. is absolved of this. I think that Obama could have done a better job foreign policy wise, but it's hard. It's very difficult, and nobody has gotten that right. Um, do you know? Do you know about the Qatar Turkey pipeline? Um, I believe I've heard of this, but talk this to is me the, more about it. The reason why the U.S. got involved in Syria well because before. the idea was to get Syria locked down so that they could run that pipeline from from yeah, yeah through, all, all through, yeah. through, 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 through Syria through Turkey. I've heard this from people. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's it's true. In 2009, um, I think it was actually no, maybe it was a uh, yeah, 2009. The Guardian reported this, that in 2009, U.S. intelligence said, we will have a ground incursion in Syria because they have refused to give us access to build the pipeline, saying that they would not go against their ally Russia. What Russia and Syria were then planning on doing was using Iran to tap the same well and run that pipeline into Europe, strengthening the Russian gas monopoly in Europe. So the U.S. had a plan for years before we actually ended up on the ground. And then funneling weapons to rebel groups eventually built they eventually came together and we got isis that that is a story that one could tell but i don't think that everything that happened in syria was just a result of the united states wanting to no, no, get, no. like secure an area for that pipeline that might there, have been was, like a nice a... side objective that maybe could have come about i know that the united states probably wanted to see assad gone and if Definitely. he was gone it wouldn't surprise me if he wanted somebody loyal to america or american interest in there and if that did happen let me let me clarify sure. mm-hmm. The Guardian reported that in 2009, the U.S. wanted to be in Syria. They needed an opportunity to do it. When the Arab Spring happened, the United States said, now's our chance. Provided weapons and resources to the rebels, eventually put U.S. soldiers on the ground. Now we're involved in that. And and look, uh, that's why, you know, getting into the Biden discussion about war and conflict, Mm -hmm. bringing up the Syrian refugee crisis was a product of, yes, Bush, totally. And Obama ramped things up. Um, In regards to the Syrian stuff, yeah. For sure. Um, in regards to <clears throat> another reason why I say foreign policy is complicated is like a lot of people are critical about Obama and the um, and all of the drone strikes and the killings. Was it um, an American citizen? I think we killed in Yemen. The uh, we killed. Or I think I think Obama killed four American citizens. Yeah, I, uh, I know there was one that was like super ultra heated. That 16, 16 year old in, in Yemen. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Obama signed off on blowing up a civilian restaurant in a country we aren't at war with. And when they when they asked him, why did you kill? Why did you sign off on killing the 16 year old? Mm-hmm. They said, we were trying to target somebody else, uh, a terrorist leader. Oops. When people followed up saying, why did you authorize a drone strike on a civilian restaurant in a country we aren't at war with? It's just womp. Sure. All those same drone strikes and all those same bombings have only increased under Trump, though. Not in the past few years, but yes, yeah, absolutely in the past few years. No, they've ran, they, the, the, they've actually been going down quite a they, bit. They might have gone down from where they started the administration, but in the four years we've had Trump, in his first four years, he has done more drone strikes and more foreign bombing than either Obama or Bush You're did. Correct. And, and hiring Bolton was the stupidest yep, thing the man could have done. We still have troops in Afghanistan. We still have troops in Iraq. But he's trying we to take them out in Syria. What do you mean he's trying to? He's been trying to get rid of them for a long time. Why hasn't he? Because did you know that there was a White House, there was a federal official who lied about the amount of troops we had in Syria to trick Trump into keeping them there? And that when Trump said he was ordering the troops to withdraw from Afghanistan, both Democrats and Republicans got together and blocked him in Congress. Trump fired the Pentagon civilian leadership, and this was reported by the AP, in an effort to get loyalists who would finally pull our troops out of these countries. 
I, this is one of those things where I wish I knew more information about it, but I am, I completely do not agree that that is even remotely possible. You are telling me that the president of the United States that was able to get the Supreme Court to say, well, I can tear off China for national security reasons, couldn't control where we were deploying or withdrawing troops from. Um, that sounds unbelievable, you, you, especially when you, he's like you, unilaterally approving strikes me, on like Soleimani and like Iraqi airports and stuff. Or, I know, it's messed like, up stuff for sure. I find it very hard to believe. It wouldn't surprise me if Trump was using this as an excuse. But I mean, even if this was true, like you've got a guy that says he's a business leader that's supposed to be on top of handling all this stuff. Who Like one guy lies to him and now he has no control over his military. He's the commander in chief. It's literally the primary job of the president. There, 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 there are a lot of people in government who are doing everything in their power to obstruct Trump. And we most actually of got them are Trump right appointees. Yeah, I know. It's, it's one of these, Trump's hired a bunch of dumb people. So at like, one come on, point, man. But you have the, to the ask fact yourself, that he hired Bolton. It's but like you we, have to ask yourself, at one people. point, is it no longer the deep state's fault? When the deep state is 50% Trump appointees, maybe Trump is just highly incompetent. Look at the rulings that we're getting right now on the election fraud stuff. These are, these are Trump federal judiciary appointees that are coming back <laughs> and saying like, listen, man, you are insane. There's, These affidavits are crazy. There's, there's, there's no joke at this. Like, there's no, I, I'm, I can't believe the defense I'm seeing for, for what's going on in, in, in these Trump lawsuits. Trump put out this 46 minute video and I listened to it and I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mince words. Trump did not present his case. Well, they, they, they talk through the same, like, ten, I think I, it was a 46 minute on Facebook. I think I watched the same video. Usually there's talk through the same, like, seven affidavits every single time. There's, there's legitimate, there's, there's way more affidavits. There's way more articulate individuals presenting evidence. And for some reason, the Trump team is not bringing what, together. Well, maybe it's not as legitimate as some alternative media suggests it might be. No, I think I think the issue is when you hear Trump do a 46 minute video and he can't actually calmly cite Matt Brainerd and he points to a picture and says, look at that. How does that make sense? I'm like, you're not giving me an articulate breakdown of why what are the they, issue is. Why is it that in all of these federal cases where these are being brought and the three. judges are actually no, over the, the Trump campaign 40. has three. Oh, maybe the Trump campaign personally. You can't you can't tell me that some random people filing a lawsuit is, is reflective on Trump. You can't tell me that an affidavit alone is like valid evidence that like something horrible's happened. It is. What, okay, Witness testimony is evidence. Okay, well, in that case, there's a 13-year-old that has an affidavit out there, meaning they've signed it that, under penalty of perjury that Trump raped her. That was retracted, though. Sure, yeah. but a lot of these affidavits are also under scrutiny evidence, apart as well. So evidence instance, is not proof. And, 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 evidence I'm just, I'm, evidence well, is not proof. That's right. Weird, so, weird so, we're talking about it. But I'm just saying that, like, just because there's an affidavit doesn't mean that this absolutely happened. So, for instance, when Giuliani— I agree with you. You're right. Sure. When Giuliani brought the um, Miss Johnson— What was the name of the Indian lady um, that testified for so long uh, in front of Michigan? Yeah. Um, it was, like, Johansson or Johnson or something. Um, but, like, she came, and she gave a lot of the exact same testimony that had already been stricken down in court. So, for instance, yeah. she talked about being in, like, the TFE voting center, and she was like, the election officials told me not to verify signatures. I don't know why they were doing that. Me, let, and when the judge went through it, he was like, well, that's because that wasn't your job. They were well, verified before they even got to let you. Let me ask you a question. What, what's, the, what's the point of, a, uh, of an observer? What is the point of an observer? I, yeah, well, yeah. I, I, it super depends on on every individual area. I would imagine. So uh, broadly speaking, probably to observe. I would imagine. To, like to observe what? Um, the the matching of signatures on ballots or whatever when they're so, opening and closing all the. Would you agree with the judge who shot down Trump's this actual Trump lawsuit, saying that so long as an observer is somewhere in the building, it counts as legal ob uh, observation? It probably depends on the precedent set by previous by prior cases. Doesn't that sound bad faith? Like what we, sounds bad faith to me is that all of this stuff was brought up after it was shown that Trump had lost the election. Where were all of these complaints on election night? That like complaints that the that that observers weren't allowed in. Complaints whoa, whoa, that whoa, the whoa, Dominion whoa, whoa. voting systems they, they were they were all over Twitter. They absolutely were not. Yes, yeah, there they were. were a few random let me, tweets, let me just cite but Will it Chamberlain. 
who was on the ground walking, going throughout Philly as a lawyer, taking, posting in photos and videos. People were complaining about being booted. But you got to understand, a lot of these people aren't on social media. They don't know what to do. It's not about just being on social media, because part of the reasons why these federal judges are throwing these cases out, so specifically in regards to the Indian lady, um, because on election night, none of these people were actually complaining. It wasn't until Giuliani went around soliciting affidavits days later or weeks later. Asking that people for, were actually, asking for, we're asking like, yeah. Are you, you a witness? Do you have evidence? Yes, uh, I do. Please come forward. That sounds like the normal thing you have to do. Doesn't it sound imagine, a little bit strange? That imagine none of if these a judge were said, complaining. None of these no, it doesn't. Complaining? Imagine oh, okay, if, uh, imagine if a judge said, we're not going to use this witness testimony because the witness to the murder only came forward a month later after a cop found him. That's that's ridiculous. It, it was it was more like all this widespread wrongdoing was apparently being observed. They have to collect but the nobody, data. But they weren't. Why didn't they go through any of the proper channels to report any of this? Like what proper? You, they did. I think but you they, just don't know this. Like Matt Brainerd specifically said he gave his information to okay. uh, district attorneys. I might not know this, but yeah. none of the federal judges that have reviewed these cases That's not, apparently know this either because that is no, one no, no, of the no, most consistent no, 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 reasons no, no, no. why these get shot down. It absolutely is. What you So do you know what the basis of the, of the Pennsylvania lawsuit was? Uh, which one? Trump's got one Pennsylvania lawsuit. What, what is the basis for that one? That vote observers weren't allowed to actually observe the ballot process, the counting process. Okay. The court ruled that so long as an observer was somewhere present in the building, whether they were allowed to actually observe is meaningless because the election code doesn't specify distance. That is one of the most insane things I've ever heard come out of a person's mouth. We know why vote observers exist because we have photos from Bush v. Gore of people staring side by side up at the ballot arguing over whether or not it was Bush or Gore. Wasn't one of the Pennsylvania cases that they won, the small one, wasn't one of the cases they won was when the somebody related to the Pennsylvania election stuff said that we were going to allow people to vote up to a certain length in time, or it was something where like what they had said wasn't necessarily bad, but the judge came out and said, listen, even though that's not really bad, it's not in your, it's not in the purview of your job to do that. You're not allowed to do that. And I think that was the one case that they won. And I think that was in Pennsylvania. I don't but think that, that was a that, Trump that's, campaign specifically. That might not have been their lawsuit, yeah. but that was the one, one lawsuit in Pennsylvania so for the, a small the, handful of ballots. But like if the code doesn't specify it or if it's explicitly not specified then i I mean like what case do you have what standing do you have there then that judges interpret the law right so when the law says as per election code observers shall be there to observe the vote tabulating process we know that the spirit of that law the reason why we have it is Uh so that you can have scrutineers making sure someone isn't going trump 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 so no 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 no, that was biden but they put people way far back behind plexiglass walls Mm -hmm. and the trump campaign said why were we not allowed to observe? And Why would they gave, challenge any of these laws before election night? Because the law, there's no ruling on it. First of all, do you understand what injury in fact is? That you need some uh, there has to be damage in order for them to bring. So when suit. the Trump campaign did sue beforehand, the Supreme Court reserved their right to judge uh, to issue later on sued on the basis for what? of they sued over mail-in voting. And the court. This is not. This is a totally unrelated thing now. We're, we're, there's a bunch of different lawsuits. There's a bunch of different arguments. Sure, but now we're talking about, like, I'm talking very specifically about, we can talk about the Dominion voting system, or more specifically, we're the talking Dominion about, voting the, stuff sure, is, about the dumb. observer stuff, right? If this all was That's codified insane. in state law, and the law is there, and we've held you, prior listen, elections, listen, we just had listen. elections two years ago, you can't, why didn't nobody challenge it before election it night? I'll explain it. You can't sue on the basis of clarifying what the law really means until you have injury in fact. It doesn't have to be suing. Believe it or not, there are other ways in this country to change laws. There are okay. legislations, both at the state Listen, and federal level, that can change these laws. You if, don't need to sue to change if, anything. If, if we pass a law saying you have a right to observe as I count votes, right? Mm-hmm. Do you reasonably believe you have a, a right to look at me and the votes? Why, why did anyone think a judge was going to say, nope, nope, it didn't specify that you had to actually see the vote so long as you're in the building? Trump, come on, man. That's month, unreasonable. You're, you're saying, come on, okay? Trump for months, because they knew that they were going to get destroyed on the mail-in ballots. Trump for months was calling out the mail-in ballots. And guess what? He was doing that 
far before any lawsuits had to be filed. years ago. Far before any injury occurred, okay? They were calling these out. Why didn't they call out anything related to voting observers? The reason why is because they know it's all BS. No, they no, no, know no. that this fraud didn't an happen. One million percent. Because uh, because if I was somebody that had a massive vested interest in making sure that these elections weren't going to be rigged, I wouldn't be calling this out after Joe Biden you, wins. Hold on, man. It's probably Listen, something that you would have brought up beforehand. You can't be serious that you think it is reasonable that so long as an observer is somewhere in the building, that counts as observing the vote counting process. You can't be serious that you think that the only reason that they would challenge this is because, like, well, now they've lost the election and now this is the first time they've noticed it. These laws have been in place in some places for decades. And in previous elections, people were allowed to actually look at the ballots. No one knew that this time that the, these precincts, specifically Pittsburgh and Allegheny County and Pennsylvania, were going to bar observers and they'd have to sue over it. Okay. I'm, they didn't I'm last time. Why would they know? A big, for a big Tim Pool prediction, not taking into context, do you think they're going to win any of these lawsuits in a meaningful way? Not like there were four ballots in a mail-in thing or whatever. Do you think that they're actually Absolutely going to win? Absolutely not. Why not? First of all, when a judge says... Did you have observers in the building? And the, and the Republican says the amount of observers in the building was a non-zero number, but we were not given meaningful access to the votes. And the judge says, well, according to the election code, it doesn't specify the distance by which you can observe. Therefore, you have no you have no grounds to sue. That is clearly bad faith. If Trump is going to lose, it's going to be for, for two reasons. Many of these judges and one judge even said this. If you think I will, he said, you can't expect me to rule in such a way that would disenfranchise millions of voters. That's, that's absurd. I can't do that. That's not all he said. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm bringing up that point specifically. There was a very important second part to that. And he said, I can't do that with no evidence. He said that one would think that if somebody was coming to me to disenfranchise even one vote, that they would be coming with a very strong case of lots of evidence, but let alone millions of votes to bring such a shoddy case built on poor legal arguments with no evidence or shoddy evidence that he, that was the full quote for that. So. The point I'm saying is there's an unwillingness to take such a massive and unprecedented move in a court without evidence. There's there is evidence. There isn't, though. Just because a judge said without evidence doesn't mean there's no evidence. Not just one judge, but people have gone through so many of these affidavits. Here's did you well, watch the project? Are we talking about Trump's lawsuits or random well, I, other I people? guess I'm not. I, I don't know one million percent the distinction between only Trump's lawsuits Dude, look, and all of the other look, ones that have been brought uh, people, up. People so people have been rooting and cheering for Sidney Powell. And look at what Tucker Carl what happened with Tucker Carlson when he was like, where's the evidence? They ripped him apart. They left Fox News. And now many Trump supporters are going after Sidney Powell because they're saying she's actually a Democrat trying to undermine the Republican Party. Well, of course. It's the craziest thing. Because anybody that's not lockstep with Daddy Trump is immediately castigated no and well for sure but people are so adamantly behind Sidney powell and lynn wood it's it's crazy like when when i tweet i tweeted that it sounds like Sidney powell's getting her information from conspiracy forums oh people started tweeting me like crazy and they've been they've been making fun of me like oh how dare you now what trump she's contradicting trump like that stuff i keep saying it over and over again you come out and want to claim that this company was founded in venezuela smartmatic and then sequoia and all this stuff may be true that's totally fine but bro you need extraordinary evidence for extraordinary claims when we're talking about a judge in pennsylvania and the lawsuit wasn't about fraud it's another thing that the left keeps doing trump has specific lawsuits pertaining to the uh, validity of mail-in voting and absentee voting deadlines etc so in these court cases the judge will ask for a simple clarification are you alleging fraud no your honor we're not I'll take a clip of that and say, aha, this proves it. Trump is saying there's no fraud and the lawsuit isn't claiming it. Yeah, he didn't sue over fraud because that requires 
long standing investigation was that the confusion then was because some of these judges were trying to figure out what standing they even had then to be there because because initially it felt like the thing that i feel when i read the differences between what's what's being reported in these court cases versus what giuliani comes out and says giuliani sounds like he's alleging some massive widespread election fraud absolutely but then when it comes to them talking in front of a judge it's like the meme with the the little dog and then the like the shredded dog and the shredded dog is like giuliani in front of the cameras alleging fraud election conspiracy and then when he gets in front of a judge he's like okay i'm not saying fraud but like i don't think this lady was allowed to be in an area where she was supposed to be and it's over like the the smallest minutia ever and they don't even have good evidence what they're doing i think i think it's fair to say that the trump the trump campaign is not delivering in terms of the legal process by which they go after fraud 100 percent. i also think it's fair to say that the legal strategy over challenging voting systems and ballots is a legal strategy and that's and that's i wish that that strategy if it's something that they so deeply cared about i wish that they would have done that prior to the actual election no but you don't understand man how could they have known that the observers wouldn't have been allowed Maybe they could have specified it in the code. It seems like Trump has every other conspiracy theory in his head about how he's going to be disenfranchised. You don't think having people observing the vote would have been like an they, important they, thing? The law existed, though. They had them. Apparently they didn't, didn't specify the distance. I, and I don't even it know what I don't, the and, distance. And also, I'm giving you a lot here because I haven't read the exact verbiage because I'm willing to bet that when I go back home and I actually read through the case, it's going to be more than just like they had to be anywhere in the building. My That's literally what my, it was. My guess no is going to be that it's probably been consistent with state laws over all prior elections and it hasn't been a big deal before. But now people are just really mad because of the massive increase in, in voters for well, Democrats ask, on the mail-in ballots, that, and sure. that's why everybody's losing their let, mind over it. Let me ask you, should we have scrutineers, people who look at the ballots as they're being counted from both parties or, or even a third party? I don't know how these elections normally run, but that, that sounds like normally it would what be they a do. good— Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it'd be a decent Is it okay thing, that this time they didn't do that? I don't know if that's the case. I don't it think is. in the majority of places that is the case where it wasn't no, like No, 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 no. specifically being, the Pennsylvania suit. Yeah, specifically in, 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 in some in Philly few and Allegheny County. Happen, yeah. So you have these videos coming out where people are standing 100 feet away with binoculars and they're like, I literally can't see anything. One of the most important lessons I've learned in my life is to never believe anything I've ever seen in a Twitter video. No, I've just, learned over just so many things. I don't know what, what the video, what time. Sworn it, affidavits. What, what was it? I don't know. Multiple sworn affidavits. Or somebody else that I'd heard just recently say something about like, um, like all of these uh, votes are being reported by machine. Like you don't see people walking around votes. We did literally on election night. You saw people like delivering votes and stuff to, to county houses and stuff. They're bringing them from other counties. Like, yeah. I, like when it comes to videos, I don't trust any of that on the internet without like a greater story or context around it because anybody can take one video of anything. Sworn says, affidavits. Look at this. Sure, sworn affidavits. So sworn affidavits in combination with the videos. A sworn affidavit is interesting. Of and, and and them saying we can't see, we can't actually observe the votes. So a, a big portion of what Julian is bringing forward right mm-hmm. now in in Michigan and in these other places is that all of these, a, a lot of these people who are coming forward saying they're not allowed to actually observe the vote count. So when you have unprecedented rule changes. No excuse mail-in voting, which in the instance of Pennsylvania now, a judge recently issued an opinion citing that it seems very likely the, the, the plaintiffs will win on the merits that this is unconstitutional. The Supreme Court shot it down on a narrow ruling that it was too late to, to, to sue on this, you know, even Maybe though they just they found out about brought it. it out. They just found out about the law? They just found out about the acceptance of late mail-in voting? That it was in violation of the Constitution. Why? So, they didn't succeed initially? You know what it sounds that's, like? It that's, sounds like they lost, and now they're going back and trying to find— It certainly does. Okay. I absolutely agree with you. Sure. Which makes so it hard I, to believe in good faith any of their arguments. Had, but but, but that's, not how the, that's not how the legal system would work. Well, I, I, according I, to some of these judges, that's explicitly how the legal— So, for instance, in some of these rulings I've read, no, the, no, judge, no, no, no. the judge explicitly will say the fact that she didn't follow any of the chain of command or the fact that this person didn't report any of this on election night is very damaging to their credit. Why would it matter if the lawsuit was now or later when they weren't asking to do anything to this current election? What? The reason why it matters is because if these things are happening, they're only being reported retroactively. It seems like it's in a response it wouldn't have to an Biden impact. losing, it wouldn't have an, to it, Biden winning rather than to it, any actual fraud. But if it wouldn't have an impact on the election, then it's irrelevant. What do you mean? 
the lawsuit wasn't asking to do anything to the current election. They asked the courts to issue their advice on relief, meaning perhaps in the future we won't do no excuse mail-in voting. The Supreme Court said it's too late to sue for this, dismissed with, uh, with, with, uh, with prejudice, meaning these people can't bring these cases up uh, ever again. What's interesting is that the lower court ruling was that it would have been detrimental to several of the plaintiffs who actually won their elections. Mike Kelly won and then sued, saying we didn't realize that the Republicans passed an unconstitutional law. And the, the judge actually issued an opinion saying, as this would be. I did not realize somebody passed the law. They realized the law was passed, but many people didn't know that it was unconstitutional. What changed? Did they read a tweet or what? They read they, the Constitution. No joke. After election? They, they didn't do that when the law was being passed? Isn't that part of like your job as be, a legislator? I'd be willing to bet there was somebody who was looking at what's going on, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And the motivation was very much. Trump is losing this. However, the lawsuit wasn't brought by Trump. It was brought actually by a guy who won and several other people as well as a guy who lost. So it was a mixed bag. And they weren't asking for the election to be thrown out. They were asking for the courts to advise mm-hmm. on what relief could be. Sean Parnell sat here just, you know, a couple a week ago and he said, I don't want anyone to be disenfranchised. I don't want uh, th- I'm not saying this vote has to be thrown out. This election has to be thrown out. We all thought this was constitutional. I'm just asking for maybe the court will advise us. Maybe they'll say, hey, this we need a constitutional amendment. So from this point forward, we're going to say no to this. You no know, excuse mail in voting moving forward. And mm-hmm. then you get a constitutional amendment. You know, what's really crazy about it hmm. when the when the GOP was passing uh, the, Repo- the Pennsylvania GOP was passing Act 77, which is no excuse mail in voting. They actually started the process to amend the Constitution and halfway through stopped, changed some wording, and then it got passed, signed off on by governor. So this is a bipartisan approval. Most people didn't realize what had happened. Wait, that doesn't sound like a bad thing on its face at all. If you were going to pass something and then you realize it was going to be unconstitutional, so you go to change the constitution, but then you realize, well, hold on, if we reform some of this bill. No, 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 no. You said reform. I said they changed some of the words. Okay, so laws are the words that make the laws. Let's let's, let's not play semantic games. It's not a semantic game. Yes, it is. Well, when you say change some words, like I can change some words and make anything anything else. What do you mean by that? So let's let's not play semantic games. Let's let's define it. When the Constitution says Mm -hmm. absentee ballots require specific excuses to be allowed. Okay. And the law they initially presented was no excuse absentee. They Mm -hmm. changed absentee to mail. Okay. That's the, that's it. Are there an entirely different set of provisions that come in under mail-in ballots versus absentee? Is there a whole different part of their state legislature that has a different way of dealing with it? It was the same thing. The exact same thing? And that's why the judge in the lower court ruled mm-hmm. the plaintiffs will, will, will likely be successful on the merits. And then the, the higher court said, we're not ruling on the merits. Mm-hmm. We don't know. It's just too late. Okay. Well. Sounds like they should have brought it up beforehand then. They're going to the Supreme Court. <laughs> okay. And that'll be interesting when it goes to the Supreme Court. So one of the one of the issues that I have when people keep saying affidavits, affidavits, affidavits is that well, on the first hand is it feels like somebody sliding down a mountain, grabbing branches or whatever as he's going down. Like initially we're grabbing all the mail-in ballots or voter fraud. Um, then we were, were saying, you know, um, uh, we've got the uh, Dominion voting machines are made in Venezuela. And then somehow Hugo Chavez is coming back to life to blah, blah, blah. Then, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. First of all, the Dominion stuff is nuts, in my opinion. That, I, I, I know. I, that's crazy. I can't believe but, these machines existed for so long and no one said anything about them. That's not true. The in 2006, CNN reported mm-hmm. on it. What did they report? They reported that they were completely insecure and mm-hmm. there was a bunch of problems and all this yep. stuff. And one of the things specifically that they reported is stuff like a lack of paper trail or no ability right. to audit these machines, which but, has been some of the stuff that has been corrected and fixed in but, almost every single state that allows these machines to function. Well, hold on. You mm-hmm. said Hugo Chavez came back to life. Sure. No one's argued that. Okay, I'm just hearing Chavez's name a lot recently. Because Smartmatic, <laughs> mm-hmm. there was a, there's a WikiLeaks release from 2010. This was this has been on the internet for for over a decade. Mm-hmm. Cablegate, where they say in 2010, 
Hugo Chavez was providing, you know, resources to a group of individuals in Venezuela who are the principal owners. And if you travel through all these different shell companies, you find it originated in Venezuela. That's where that Hugo Chavez comes from. Sure. I feel like the argument that Hugo Chavez came back to life is an attempt to ignore what's actually being presented. Well, by I'm attempting to make the people sound insane because they are to assume that there's some wider play by but, some but, other country. But why, or do, some why, why are you doing that? You, you because don't, you it's don't need ridiculous. To. You don't need to. I think, well, so, because for all, me, because I do a lot of humor, so I think it's funny when people but, invoke but, Chavez so much to try to scare people into thinking that some machines are stealing our election. But to say, like, this narrative that confuses the actual argument from people. Wait, what is the actual argument? The actual argument is that going back, uh, uh, you know, a decade plus, going back 20 years, there was a series of companies that were started with the express purpose of being able to hide through audits that votes were manipulated. There is a company, Smartmatic, that was involved in this and has ties to Venezuela as per diplomatic cables that were leaked 10 years ago. So we've known about this for a long time. Why did the DHS and the Department of Justice- I'm not saying it's true. Bar- oh, I'm sure. not saying it's true. But it's ridiculous. I'm saying the it's difference- It's crazy. There's a, there's a difference between mm-hmm. what these people are actually arguing and coming out and saying he was Chagos returned from the grave. So on, on the I'm, level I'm of pre- these I'm, Dominion voting machines, if any of this was true, it would be the largest political news story related to elections in the past hundred years. Do you trust years. the media? To report something like this? This no, is like Pulitzer Prize winning related. Like, they won reporting. Pulitzers for the Russiagate stuff. Sure. Well, there was a lot of good reporting and a lot of credible indictments that came out of that. Unlike the Benghazi and the email hearings. But regardless, I'm just saying that like what? this level of election fraud would be like an unimaginable. What were the, what were the, uh, what were the indictments related to Russia? Um, so one had to do with the Internet Research Agency, which was funded by the Kremlin, which had a whole bunch of foreign. Oh, right, but those were foreigners, like, not Trump and not sure. the Trump administration. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. There were no indictments related specifically to Trump's cabinet, although we did get some indictments kind of like around that right. um yeah so the manafort stuff came out of that um flynn got caught lying to the fbi um although daddy trump pardoned him um cohen went down for uh the new york related stuff and the election you know, program you, you know the crazy thing about the manafort stuff is mm-hmm. you know they found out about that what did they find out about you, it? Uh, you know that how they find out found out about manafort I read a lot of weird stuff to the political um, report some guy's po- office and they found a ledger that was like written on a piece of paper, or whatever, for Manafort for owing him money and stuff. They didn't report to the State Department and stuff. But go ahead. Politico reported that Ukrainian operatives were trying to sabotage Trump. And so they sent documents to a DNC operative. And then she, you know, passed it along saying, here, we got some dirt. Go after him. And then they did. So it was political. It was, you know, political. So all of Manafort's charges were just 100 percent. I'd say all of it. I'm saying they found out about a lot of his documents because it was passed off for political reasons. If somebody shouldn't be surprising to anybody. Sure. I don't know how that absolves. I didn't say it did. I said it's interesting that, you know, we've got Ukraine stepping up. We've got this, you know, political battle. People are trying to go after each other. Yeah, I'm sure people are trying to send people dirt about other leaders literally all the time. We had Assange and WikiLeaks and they're doing all of that for a long time for the left. Um, We also, as a result of all those indictments, found out a lot about how the um, how the DNC was penetrated via the spear phishing stuff by the Guccifer 2.0 hacker and everything. We saw a lot of that in the indictments as well. Um, Some people should not be. (laughs) Some people don't know how to use computers. And a lot of people with import with access to really important information, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, but well, let's not yeah, yeah, we'll that's, derail, that's go back to the voter um, stuff. The, yeah. the, the point is on the PA, on the Pennsylvania point that I'm bringing up is mm-hmm. we had a serious conundrum in terms of voter observation. It is, I think, widely accepted that we should have observers making sure that people aren't falsifying the vote count. Sure. Do you agree? If the Pennsylvania court just ruled that's not the case, should we change it so that is the case? I would have to see the on the specific ruling for that argument because more often well, than not, when people cite these, usually they're leaving sure, sure. out some keys. So let's, I would have let, to go and read it specifically. Let's just say, mm-hmm. I, personally, you, I think you should probably have people observing the election. I can't think of a reason offhand why you wouldn't. That doesn't make sense to me. But I would have to read into why they made the ruling they did. So check it out. Mm-hmm. The issue would be then if 
the, the, the judge made this ruling on the grounds the election code doesn't specify distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, then why wouldn't, say, Trump 2024 just be like, we're cleared. We got a, we got a, a ruling from the court. We know what we can do now. And you can't sue us with it unless you're, you have a serious, unless you have injury in fact. Therefore, when it comes time to election, all Republicans bar all Democrats and we can't lose. We can write down whatever numbers we want. If you want to, yeah, go for it. So it's a serious threat to our election integrity. It could potentially be. Yeah. And if somebody were to bring it up in that manner, I'd believe them when they said that. But right now, it just feels like Republicans are doing anything they can to try to flip the election results. I think, yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think the Democrats, they didn't, I don't think they tried to flip the results in 2016 for the most part. There were, there was a whole lot of the Hillary can still win stuff. And Hillary the, conceded the next day. But. It's absolutely not even remotely similar. Uh, it, it's remotely similar. Not I would say it's maybe not, like it's the not way the that thing. Antarctica is remotely close to like Pluto. Do you see the videos of celebrities saying the Electoral College must vote for Hillary Clinton? Do you think there's a difference? Well, I'm sorry, between, they didn't say that. They do you said, think there's a difference between celebrities saying something and the president of the United States trying to undermine the election? That's why un- I'm saying under, these aren't undermine? remotely similar. Yes, undermine. See, that's 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 framing. Well, it's when you say so. Legally in 2016, challenged. Trump said millions of illegals voted. He asserted that with no evidence. That's undermining the integrity of our election. And then in 2020, he's saying that there was widespread election fraud that literally no agency, no other credible person has backed up, save for the melting head of Giuliani. Like no one else is backing <laughs> up on this. His own DHS turned on him on this with his own appointee. Um, his own attorney general, the sword and shield. What did he say? Bar came out and said that as of right now, there is no evidence of widespread election fraud. Um, wait, wait, there's more to that quote. What else? That would have changed the outcome of the election. Would have changed the outcome of the election. Yeah. Okay. To date, we have not seen evidence that mm-hmm. would, uh, on a scale that would have changed the outcome. What else did he say too? What else? He also said that they looked into the Dominion machines and based on their analysis of it, they didn't see any evidence right. also that those machines were filming votes. I, I think mm-hmm. the Dominion stuff is is over the top. Look, you got sure. you got Brian Kemp and Brian, uh, uh, was it Brian Kemp? Is his name right? I'm like, and Raffensperger. Okay. Are they both Brian? Or was it Brad Raffensperger? Okay. I'm mixing their names up or something. But th- these are Republicans. I don't think there's a grand conspiracy where members of like the, the Trump supporting Republican Georgians are like, ah, now is our chance. Mm-hmm. But people really believe it. Yeah, they do. I, th- I think for one, partially... Because a lot of people play into it. You do as well, right? How do I play into it? When I, you're I, tweeting I just, I just straight up agreed and said it was nuts. Sure, I know. But a lot of the, it feels like a lot of your rhetoric gives a lot of credence or credibility to a lot of the lawsuits that challenge, you know, like how the election is being, like, I, like the fact that you're willing to say that you think that the election, do you, do you think that the election, the majority of the election was legit? That yes. maybe there were a few, but you think for the, the results I, stand. I think what people need to realize too mm-hmm. is you don't need widespread fraud to alter the outcome of an election. You well, need, you would. No, you don't. You, 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 you need maybe one person in four key districts. Absolutely one, not. Or one person with a USB stick. Absolutely not. That's not how these work. It, it is. It absolutely I, is I not. actually was in Vegas at DEF CON when they hacked the voting machines. I watch them do it. I don't know what voting machines they hacked, but hacking a, hacking one machine or hacking a series of machines is a lot different than the step-by-step process that goes through tabulating results, reporting the different But counties, they all go in the machine, factor. right? Sure, but there's then, also paper trails behind all of these votes as well. And they didn't, did, did they do a hard signature audit? They, and, I don't know if they did the They, sig- did, they, they, they did, did a they risk have, assessment. Like, they have their, yeah, their risk assessment audits and everything. Trump's been, but there is a paper trail behind every single thing. But now the problem is saying, well, for some of the ballots that were taken to the mail and things, they've been separated from the things and they so destroyed they can't the verify or whatever. That's a problem. They destroyed, so with the observers in Pennsylvania, they destroyed the secrecy envelopes. So now it's like, what do we do? They destroyed them before anybody could ch- could check to see if they were legit. Why would they do that? But you, so you believe the election is legitimate as it stands, but maybe there are some things we could fix going forward? Because that's a stance, that's a stance I could maybe. I would say as of right now, I said this, uh, and I got ragged on hard for it on September 7th. Uh, I said on like on the 8th, I think. No, 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 it wasn't the 8th. It was the 9th because I took a day off because I was like, everything's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, 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 the simple solution is Trump got Oceans 11th. 
that if the, the, the cheating, as, as I would frame it, is the mass changing of rules well before the election using COVID as a pretext when Act 77 was even passed in October, the Democrats did everything in their power within the system to give themselves advantages. They were going door to door. They were doing democracy in the park. They were doing illegal uh, uh, democracy in the park was illegal. Uh, the vote raffles that we just saw emerge, all these videos through all these different swing states was also illegal. There's no evidence as of right now. There are, I should say there's not enough. Have people been charged over this democracy in the park stuff or? There was, uh, I would say not yet. I don't know. Okay. But I will say there was one person so far charged with 135 counts related to basically getting infirm people to vote and signing off documents for them. There's currently uh, a case going to the, 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 uh, the uh, I think the district attorney in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where they found several thousand ballots all filled out in the same handwriting for Joe Biden in the names of elderly people in various nursing homes. So this stuff happened. It exists. Can I say that this is the the reason why Joe Biden won? I can't. So I'm not going to I do not agree with Trump when he says I lost due to a rigged election and widespread fraud. I say, well, there's evidence of fraud uh, to the scale that it would have generated a flipping of the election. I would say no, there was impropriety. That would have changed the outcome of the election. But what we're talking about with that, with Trump's lawsuit in Pennsylvania, is disqualifying 682,000 votes mm-hmm. because they weren't observed as they were counted. And as Giuliani said, Mickey Mouse could have filled them out. That is not fraud. That is them saying we should disqualify these votes in an attempt to win because they weren't allowed to observe them. Sure. I think it's a problem that people weren't allowed to observe them properly. I don't know that disenfranchising the state is the appropriate you know path forward that's mostly agreeable sure i would say for life pro tip for people in the future or anybody um either playing video games with friends or trying to run a country if you have severe problems with the way that rules are it's usually good to try to change the rules before you lose otherwise everybody's going to look at you sideways wondering if you actually care about the rules or if you're just trying to get them changed to change but the they're outcome. not trying to change the rules with the observer well in thing. terms of like saying well in terms of specifying the distance or in terms of like having observers in a certain area or whatever it sounds like they want to refine these rules to some extent i think i i, I think that hasn't gone to the supreme court yet mm-hmm. uh however there's a there's a Trump supporting lawyer, a friend of mine, his name is Will Chamberlain. He said he, he's it's not going there. Sure. The Supreme Court. He said it, it was it was it was uh, on appeal. So you saw that court case where the Trump appointee was like, get out of here. OK, they appealed it. And they, uh, that case was them appealing just to have the right to amend the argument in the first place. And they said, get out of here. So, well, if the, if this is the same one that I'm thinking, the reason why they told them to get out of there is because I think that this was a Giuliani, this was a Trump case, right? It was, yeah, yeah. They'd amended this case like five or six times, and I no, think no, no, Giuliani once. showed up. It, they, sure? they wanted to amend it for a second time. That was it. And so, what, Oof, what, I wish I could remember exactly what this was, but I know that I watched. There might was be thinking one, about there was cases. one because there was a legal analysis video of one of these that Giuliani got thrown out of court because they they had moved different lawyers on and off of this case so much, and then they pushed it back and they, they tried to amend the case so many times that eventually well, the lawyer was like, "Hey, you listen, know why they changed the joke? Like, get out." I know you're not going to say because of the threads. Yeah, the 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 the, the uh, a bunch of high profile verified leftists, uh, the Lincoln Project posted the phone numbers of lawyers. And then within a day, they said, please, judge, let us leave the case. Like, that's that's I mean, that's the only reasonable. That's the only reason they did it. The judges quit the case after being threatened and harassed. So I've had, unfortunately, a lot of bad uh, experiences with people higher education. That makes me wonder sometimes. But I would feel like it feels to me that it would be pretty obvious. And if you're a lawyer, you'd probably understand this, that if you are going to be working on a public lawsuit, you're probably going to get a lot of public backlash they weren't ready for any of that. I'm not saying that's good. If the I would say no. Posting phone numbers, that's pretty abhorrent. However, it feels more like they probably left because they saw the case was meritless rather than just like, oh, we got death threats. So we decided to w- walk away. That's that possible too. highly improbable to me. But, but th- that's possible too. But that's speculative. 
Okay. More so, I would say, if if we get the Lincoln Project, a bunch of news stories were published saying, mm-hmm. you know, Republican PAC, you know, anti-Trump Republican PAC sure. publishes private information. Twitter forced the tweet down. Mm-hmm. And then within a couple of days, the lawyers put an official request to leave the case. Mm-hmm. Our only chain of events is this. So I think it's the simple solution is they were threatened and harassed to the point where they said we don't want to be involved anymore. Sure. I guess it's just surprising to me that a lawyer would say, I can't believe my information went public on one of the most public lawsuits being filed in the world right now. That's very strange to me. There's no other possible. there's no other issues. And, and how come all the other law- lawyers, you know, aren't who are not getting harassed are staying on? Why are the are the other lawyers aren't getting harassed at all? There's I find other, that hard to believe as well. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that any public name that's on any of those filings is probably going to get the ton Lincoln of death Project. Mm-hmm. Publishing your phone number mm-hmm. is probably very different from just being a law firm on one of the suits. Possibly, yeah. But so did anyway, you watch the um, did you watch the Project Veritas guy that they originally had that was going to uh, that had signed the affidavit saying he was told to backdate stuff or whatever yep. that O'Keefe was talking? Yes, I did. Did you ever listen to the full interrogation of this I did. guy when he retracted his? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So one of my worries for the affidavits, that and then watching, um, reading through some of the judge testimonies, a lot of these affidavits are people, um, they're being truthful, they're signing what they believe to be true, but the problem is their observations are just not bad like they think they are. Did you hear what the guy said after? Well, after O'Keefe brought him on and voted him up some more, he's like, no, I got mind controlled or whatever by the interrogator. So but if you listen to the so, interrogator, everything that they walked through was like, it was pretty obvious the guy's claim was way farther than he ever could have made. I disagree. The guy literally walked across the aisle to the desk and he's like, hey, if I'm talking, because the guy had said when he was across the aisle, he's like, I very clearly could hear him saying, like, we need to post-date or backdate some of the ballots. And the guy's like, hey, can you hear me over there? And the guy, like, doesn't even respond. And he's like, hey, hello? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. And he's like, okay. So you think the guy made it up in the first place? I don't think that he made it up. I'm not, I don't think that he's that malicious. I think he probably heard a word or two and then maybe extrapolated. And then his Sending mind probably ran with it after that is what it seemed a, like a guy, based on that like two hour interrogation. A guy hearing something mm-hmm. and then being like, I can't believe that happened. And then telling someone is probably more accurate than a federal agent coming in and saying, sit down. I, and, and, and he says, what, what did he, what did he say? I'm scaring you right now. Like, why did, what, did you hear that stuff? Yeah, of course. That's that. So, what do you think happens when some regular, like, kind of dopey dude is sitting there, and a federal agent is kind of drilling him? He's you didn't hear it, girl. did you? No, you no. can't hear it, can you? You're right. Don't worry. Everything is for you. We're scaring you right now. So it was a creepy. It was a creepy recording. It it wasn't. It was totally fair. The guy had originally stated that he had heard crystal clear, like across the the across his whole office, that he'd heard some. And he signed talking. a sworn affidavit under penalty of perjury. Sure. And so did the. There, plenty of people have signed affidavits for a lot of different things. Right? Sure, sure. But um, witness testimony is evidence, but it's not definitive sure. proof. When when it came time for him to actually talk to the guy, he walked back almost all of his strong claims that he couldn't hear the guy talking across the office. Maybe he didn't hear one hundred percent. He was told to backdate things that like. And I listened to the entire interview. And it sounded pretty fair to me. If the guy had accurately heard it, because initially he did feel a lot more confident when the guy asked a few questions. He started to kind of like falter and the statement and i know o'keefe likes to clip out like five second you know like power statement saying like yeah i'm putting a little bit of pressure on you because that's what you do when you I ask watch people the full questions. thing so it did we was, listen to all hour and 45 it was minutes? It, it was it was not like i used to work in, wait it was not what it was not uh a calm reasonable discussion trying to affect finding mission unbelievably calm the guy spent half the discussion like remember like the guy with the the um the guy being interrogated was like oh yeah i wanted to law enforcement or i wanted to go into criminal justice i went to school for it and i think i was like oh yeah you know like that's so cool like yeah you're probably smart you know all of this like n- n- seeing the police tactics the um the the investigator was playing good cop one million percent the entire time it doesn't mean he's not pressuring the guy and playing upon putting memories in his head he even said we want to pressure you so that you can you can make memories. And did you remember when he said that, right? 
he, he said, we want you to, you know, when we pressure you this way, then you can form memories. I'm pretty sure exactly what he said was that when we pressure you, you're more likely to remember what actually happened, is what he said. That under some pressure, the truth will come out or whatever was. Ultimately, just, I think the argument's kind of pointless on this one guy. Sure, well, I think, it, it is just this one guy, I, I, but I, I noticed I, a pattern for a lot of these affidavits that what'll happen is, is that somebody will file an affidavit saying like, oh yeah, like I saw election fraud. And then when it comes down to like, well, what did you see? And it's like, well, I was in this room and I think I saw a thing. And like the, the actual claim is actually way less than the super extrapolated thing that ends up on the affidavit is what it yeah. feels like to me. And I don't, that's what's been brought out in the court cases too. I don't think the uh, the affidavits uh, go particularly far. Mm-hmm. Witness testimony is evidence. Sure. It's used in criminal court cases all the time. I think the, the the best evidence we have so far is the Voter Integrity Project. Are you familiar with Matt Brainerd's work? Is so, he the st- statistician guy? Yeah, he's a data... Uh, uh, I, oh, God, it? I might have... If he was in front of Michigan, where he tried to explain... No, he wasn't allowed to testify in Michigan, I think. Oh, okay. Then yeah. it, that was a different data science. I think guy. that was right. He, he, he Yeah, he went out there, so we let him? were supposed to have him, and he went out there. He's like, I'm going to testify there, and then he's like, I was not able to testify. Really gotcha, sad. okay. Must have been a so different guy then. what he did was he... I believe he purchased the publicly available data mm-hmm. from several swing states. Mm-hmm. He then hired three call centers, and he gave them a list of questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Did you request an absentee ballot? Mm-hmm. Did you send in an absentee ballot? Things mm-hmm. like that. And he found in a bunch of different circumstances, uh, that was one of the things they did. They also cross-referenced the national change of address database mm-hmm. with people who voted. Mm-hmm. They found, I think, I could be getting the number wrong. Was, was it 20,000 in Georgia? Yeah. I think 20, so. 20,000. 20,000 people in Georgia who had changed their addresses, voted in their new state, and voted by absentee in Georgia. That's like, he's got, he, he, they've actually published parts of the database. You can see the names. He actually, he also found, I think, tens of thousands of people who listed commercial addresses with fake apartment numbers in Nevada. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 11,000 or so. That's legitimate, hard evidence. So was that going to show up in a court case? Where it's, the FBI took it already. Okay. So the FBI proactively reached out to him. And this was... Re- How long ago did this happen? Four days, three days. Why? How long ago was Barr's statement? Where he said the FBI had looked into things and it didn't look like there was... Barr said, to date... We well, have yeah, but s- what was that to date? What, how long ago did Barr publish that statement? Wasn't that just a couple days ago? Yes. We haven't seen evidence uh, uh, on a scale that would have altered the outcome of the election. Okay. Something to that effect. The FBI just reached out reached out to Brainerd requesting. Uh, this was reported in a few outlets. He mentioned it. We'll, mm-hmm. see, if, we'll see if anything it, it, it comes of it. But this is one of the reasons why there was a big backlash between uh, uh, people on the right and what Barr had said and why Barr then clarified the next day, we are actively investigating and we'll take any credible report, you know, you know, or whatever. So Matt Brainerd is probably the best evidence. But again, it's not definitive proof that there was an outcome, you know, changing the outcome of the election. I'm not saying that, you know, maybe, maybe the FBI did review his data and mm-hmm. they said, well, these 20,000 are 50-50 Trump or Biden, so it wouldn't have changed anything. Possibly. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, that. The problem, too, is that, like, and again, I hate that I'm not familiar with this specific, uh, specific thing, but I know in front of Michigan, they would testify that, like, oh, well, here's evidence of voter fraud as well. Um, there were 120% of, of the voter people. Turnout. Yeah, or, or not voter turnout, but, like, of the registered voter or whatever here. Um, like, they, they would use these expressions. Right, right, right. Like, yeah. I know. It's, but the reality of what had happened was, well, you know, some people move, the voter uh, registration updated, or some people move here. But, like, there, there, this isn't evidence of voter fraud. It's just evidence that there needed to be an update in, like, the registered one of the biggest problems uh, in Trump's argument, mm-hmm. and a lot of conservatives bring this up, is when they're like, you'll see a tweet where they say there's 7,836 dead people on the voter registration in this place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, because they died. 
and, and they haven't been purged or whatever. Yeah, are you, are you saying they voted? Mm-hmm. Because that's a different, you know. So I hear that a lot from the from the right. And I'm like, that's irrelevant. Exactly. The Without question, proving that they voted, you need. Yeah, to, yeah. You if, if you have proof they voted, then all of a sudden we're like, whoa. And mm-hmm. there have been some instances, but I think uh, in one. I instance, think there were a couple where like somebody sent in a mail in ballot and then died before the election. I think I, I, I these in like Louisiana or something. I, I I misread something and tweeted like, whoa, dead people voted, and then I went back and I was like, ah, they voted. And then died. Yeah. But there were some instances that some mainstream outlets found where there were a couple pe- dead people who were found to have voted. Sure. So the, the issue there is, is there voter fraud? Yes. And the Heritage Foundation has a list of it. Mm-hmm. Is it widespread to the scale that it changed the outcome of the election? That's not been proven. Sure. That's the, be- that's the best way I can put it. Obviously, the left will say, of course not. The right will say, of course, yes. The reality is there's evidence. There's crazy evidence, but it's not been proven. And I don't think it will be, to be completely honest. I don't, I don't, I don't think, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of conservatives agree with this, that you have an, an apparatus that could even investigate on this scale, 150 million votes mm-hmm. to figure out who did or didn't. The Matt Brainerd stuff, the voter integrity project is probably the scariest stuff we have so far. There's a guy named Nashon Garrett. He's, he's a, a, a college, uh, collegiate, is that how you say it? Collegiate. Uh, collegiate yeah. wrestler training okay. for the Olympics. He lived in Arizona. He moved to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He got a phone call from one of the call centers asking if he, he requested a, an absentee ballot. He said, no, I voted in Tennessee. I moved here a while ago to train for the Olympics. They said, did, you didn't request it. You did not submit one. He says, no, I didn't. They said, somebody requested and submitted an absentee ballot in Arizona in your name. Mm-hmm. And so he then went public, went on Fox News and said, that's not me. I didn't do that. That's crazy. I'd like to see uh, an investigation and some prosecutions and uh, or at least the very, at the very least investigations, maybe there's no prosecutions because we don't know where it leads to it leads to. Mm-hmm. But if you've got people changing their addresses and then voting, if 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 this uh, database thing uh, on the national change of address database from Brainerd is correct, mm-hmm. and he has 20,000 people in Georgia who changed their address, but voted in two different locations, mm-hmm. either they voted twice or someone voted in their name. We got to investigate that. Sure, for sure. Especially if Trump supporters are outraged and demanding clarity. The crazy thing to me is that at a time when this country is dramatically and hyperpolarized, mm-hmm. the Democrats, confident their, in their win, should be like, please, Trump, take the resources you need to investigate and compare signatures and do what you need to do so that we can then tell you we won definitively. Instead, it's, But they're doing that. They're, they're not. They're blocking they it. There's, 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 uh, They've been the, doing the all of these investigations. Or they've, the, hey, they've had all these court cases in all these different states. What do no, you no, mean? the court cases are not investigations. The DNC is countersued and the ACLU is countersued blocking the Trump lawsuits. So they're they're not cooperating and they're arguing against it. You said that Barr himself and the FBI was it was following up. You said that that list was turned into the FBI and these investigations are working through these things. It's not like the investigations are happening. No, 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 for sure. I'm saying the Democrats should come out and be like, yes, absolutely. Please investigate. I mean, I guess it they're, depends they're, on, the, on what they believe the merits of the case are. If it's so what, ridiculous that all this is doing is just tearing the country asunder because they're constantly challenging every can, single little part of the election process. It can, only, it, it can only do the opposite. That's not true, though. You can if draw you, stuff like out like this for years. Uh, no, until they can't find any evidence of anything, and then Biden wins the how, electoral college. How and long then... did we have to listen to Trump talk about how Obama was from Kenya? Like, I, they could draw this out for <laughs> so long. But there's a we constitutional even have process. Birth, there, sure, there might be. It, it, but again, on, legal on January constitutional 20th, processes can be, can be on years Jan, long. On January 20th, mm-hmm. whether or not there's an investigation, there's going to be an inauguration. Sure. And, and, and the investigation can carry on, and fine, let them draw it out. Sure. We did. We went through three, three and a half years. I mean, we're still technically going through RussiaGate because Adam Schiff won't drop it. And here we are. And we all kind of just roll with it. And the Pulitzer Prizes and all the awards. And then we, we, we realized it was all of these people testifying under oath. They had no evidence. It didn't happen. Wait, which what thing didn't happen? So you had the likes of what was it like Brennan and Clapper. You had people um, uh, Schiff. 
they were going on TV saying, yes, it happened. We have proof. Wait, what happened? What Russia, is this? Collusion with I've Russia. Heard, Sorry. Okay, because yeah. I've heard a but lot of this. But then in the skiff, when they were doing the closed door testimony, it said, mm-hmm. oh, no, that's not true. I don't have any evidence. And so that actually got released, I think, in like October or something. Sure. The point, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not trying to rehash all that. I'm just saying, if I can go through all that, I got no problem saying either we, we let the investigations happen mm-hmm. and maybe we find something, maybe we don't. But so long as people feel that in good faith we are taking their complaint seriously, we can prevent destabilization of what is already an extremely hyperpolarized. Sure, I can understand country. that. You must understand on the other end, though, there is a little bit of frustration with what feels like endless investigations no, into nothing no. related to you. things like Hillary Clinton or Benghazi. These things, how many hours of court hearings, how many months did we get drips about Hillary's emails, buttery emails over and over and over and over again, like... I'm going to disagree because I honestly think that if you want every single American to be rightfully enfranchised, if they have the right to vote, then you more than anyone else, you and all of the Democrats should 100% want every possible investigation because we want this to be true, free, full, and fair for every legal citizen in the U.S. Is sure. This and I hope that they correct? do their investigations. I hope they Boring. present so their cases I, in front of the courthouses. That's fine. But, but um, there should be an investigation. Man, the way that all of this is played out, it really does, even the verbiage they use, the, the, it's never, when, when Giuliani's talking, it's never like, I want to ensure that this is a free and fair election. I want to ensure that everybody's kind of, it's like, we think we can find enough votes here to change the outcome of the state. That's the, oh, they, literally. They straight up Julian, asked Sidney Powell, one of that in relief in the Kraken lawsuit was mm-hmm. declare Trump the winner. Yeah. Like and they're like, literally that, asking explicitly. Like this is supposed to be the part out. they're not supposed to say out loud. You're supposed to keep that quiet. You're trying to, but like, so I, I'm not saying that like, I hope the uh, investigations are blocked if they have merit, but um, I mean, it would, I, I would understand why some people would feel a bit salty that investigators get dragged uh, out forever. But I, uh, I know a lot of people who are salty about the Russiagate elections, you know? And I think, that as a, a, you know, with compromise comes one side rolling their eyes while the other side shakes their fist. And I it's mean, better Flynn than... was communicating with people in an unauthorized manner before he no, went he to wasn't. the White House. He literally lied about it. Lying. I thought you said it was unauthorized. Did he did he lie about communicating or was it unauthorized? I believe that he lied about it to the FBI, his communication. That do I you don't know, do you know the story? Do. I think you're walking into a, talking to a landmine. To my walking into a landmine. Which part of uh, what do you think that the uh, do you think Flynn going to prison? Or being charged with lying to the FBI, do you think it was illegitimate? Yes. Why? Because he was the acting national security advisor who was communicating with his Russian counterpart. And why did he lie to the FBI about it? Do you know the meeting wasn't a formal investigation? He was hanging out at the White House and they asked him an informal question in passing. And why that was he? the grounds. To, did you know that they threatened his son to force a guilty plea? Why, why did they did lie to the FBI? Why, why, why did he lie to the FBI? If you right now lied to me, or uh-huh. did, what, 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 if, what if you lied to Ian? And you didn't know he was I'd FBI. I'd be so mad. You think then, that Flynn was talking to somebody? He had no idea I'm not he saying was FBI, FBI. He didn't know he, he was under investigation. There was no legitimate investigation. And he was asked a passive question by someone who had nothing to do with him. There was no legitimate. Didn't the FBI and the uh, the uh, DOJ both have, or I'm sorry, not the DOJ, the State Department both have a huge interest in Flynn because of his association with Kislyak? I thought that was like a big part that both of them had an issue with, that the State Department didn't want him in the White House because they weren't sure Obama. if he was compromised. Obama. The State Department. And that mm-hmm. the FBI Obama's. didn't mind if he was not there Trump's. because the FBI wanted to follow him up for a further investigation. So you're talking politics, not legitimate claims against Michael Flynn. Okay. You're talking about Michael Flynn, who came out, and this was a conversation we had the other day with Luke Rutkowski. Mm-hmm. Michael Flynn came out and basically talked about what the Obama administration had been doing with supplying weapons to rebels. Obama got mad, fires him, tells Trump not to hire this guy. So Trump says, I'm going to hire him. Then 
they started having they had, they had these meetings. This this was released in I, I think it was the Durham probe. I'm not entirely sure. The uh-huh. notes that got released show that there was a meeting between like Sally Yates, James Comey, uh, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, all having this big meeting in which afterwards Sally Yates writes an email to herself explaining what happened. And in what the did no- she explain what happened in that meeting? She went through grueling detail about how Obama ordered them to make sure everything was on the up and up and done by the book in in terms of an investigation of Michael Flynn mm-hmm. to to some some degree. People people try to claim that in that meeting that I think they assert either Obama or or Biden, Biden. I think asserted so that, that he brought up the Logan Act. Or yes, whatever. because there's that a was not true. There's a there's even a note. in the in the even in the notes that Yates left to herself. It was not true that Biden ever brought up the Logan Act in that particular meeting. It didn't so happen. there's there's notes that say Biden Logan Act question mark. That's okay. why it was asserted. Sure, but it, I'm but not going to take Sally Yates. What, what's your evidence for that? The, the, there, that there is true. no evidence for that. That, that nobody out nobody came out and said that like oh yeah like biden was you know this was brought up the, the logan act was brought up on his behalf or whatever to investigate. i don't think anybody's ever talked about did it. you know that notes released by the fbi asked what should we do or what are we trying to do get him fired or prosecute okay why would the fbi be trying to get trying to get a guy fired i think the problem is that and and this is something that gets misconstrued a lot trump himself or maybe it was Barr himself misconstrued a state department person's words in terms of what is our goal is to get him fired or prosecute because there was a huge conflict of interest between the fbi and the state department over what to do with flynn and this is where a lot of the fighting between these two agents came from the state department did want did not want flynn associated with the white house at all they yeah. wanted him out because they didn't yes. know if he was compromised on it the fbi didn't care if he stayed there i shouldn't say didn't care but they weren't as concerned with that because they thought that they could follow flynn further up on an investigation so there was a huge conflict of interest there where we don't know. Do we want to remove now? Do we want to continue to investigate him? That's a fair question to ask. There were two competing agencies that had different goals. Did you know they went after, they threatened his son? I, when you say threaten his son, I don't know like what, like. If I, you don't th- plead guilty, mm-hmm. we're going to prosecute your son. For, did his son commit a crime? I don't know exactly what the full details Well, that were. seems like really important there because if his son committed a crime, it seems like that would be a pretty important part of. Threatening for, look, you're, you're, you're getting somebody on a process crime because in an informal meeting where he was not being investigated, he said he didn't talk to Kislyak. Don't you think that's crazy that you could be standing by an FBI agent and he could be like, you ever talked to a Russian ambassador? An you go, no, you national, lied. <laughs> I got you. An national security advisor would lie to a member working with the Federal Bureau of Investigation about contact with a foreign agent. Yeah, that does, that seems not crazy to me. Not in a formal meeting under investigation. Okay. He has no obligation to tell anybody anything. In fact, as national security advisor, why would he be giving away his 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 advice and secrets to some some FBI agent he doesn't know? Then why why? Or, or I'm sorry, he doesn't know like in, in the sense. Then why that, is he talking to him at all about it then? So you're at a party. You're at an informal meeting at the White House. Where people are asking me, the incoming national security advisor, about my and, communication and, with foreign. I probably would say, hey, listen, you know what? I don't think I'm going to talk to you about that. It seems really inappropriate. Or maybe it's my- like, no, 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 no. Because I don't want this guy to know anything about, I don't know who he is, I don't know what his deal is, we're not in an informal investigation, he wasn't with a lawyer or anything like that, and they asked him a question, and that was the basis for prosecuting him for lying to the FBI. Why did the, why did the judge throw the book at him then? What happened? Isn't that strange that when the DOJ said, we want to drop this, Judge Sullivan did nothing for a month? My like understanding was, was that the DOJ said that they wanted to drop it under Barr and that yes. Barr's reasoning for dropping that is because he said that the State Department themselves um, were arguing over the FBI about whether or not uh, about how to deal with Flynn. And the State Department had a person and I believe it was her own words. I don't remember her name, but she came out and she said, actually, Barr used my statement because I think the statement had to do with how the State Department was frustrated with how the FBI was pursuing things. But their frustration wasn't that Flynn was innocent. We don't know why the FBI is bullying him. Their frustration was that we don't want you to investigate Flynn. We want him removed 
immediately. But the, the so State they were, Department— So they were trying to, pr- to pressure the Trump campaign into getting rid of his national security advisor. Basically, the, because the State Department didn't want that guy in there because they thought he was compromised. But the FBI well, was— Trump was the president. Sure. Trump was the, was the president-elect. Uh, he became president. Mm-hmm. It's his, his right as the duly elected president to appoint his na- acting national security advisor, sure. whose job mm-hmm. is to communicate with his counterpart and in other I countries. And I understand that. I'm just and, saying that there is a reason why there was conflict there. And it wasn't just because Flynn was some innocent passerby there, and the State Department was trying to exonerate him. So when Barr comes out and he cites that particular statement— Sure, 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 sure. But that's that's irrelevant to the question at hand. In an an informal meeting where Flynn was not with his lawyer or under, you know, formal investigation, Mm -hmm. they asked him if he talked to Kislyak, and he passively said no, and that was it. What do you think about the um, what do you what do you think about the reports now that Trump is looking at potentially preemptively pardoning himself or any of his family members? Do you believe in any of this or? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility for something Trump to do. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust a lot of these reports that come from unnamed sources. You know, ever, ever since we've had that story from Huffington Post, people close to the president say he has no one close to him. I'm mm-hmm. just like these people are just, you know, if if Trump comes out and says it, I'll believe it. Trump recently came out at a party and said, we're trying really hard to stand for four years, but if we don't, we'll see you in 2024. Mm-hmm. Good enough for me. When they come out and say an unnamed individual claims, I'm like, sorry, I, I'm just, I got very little room for these companies just to make these claims unless I know who the person is. You know, especially after the fact, like, we've seen many, many people just, they hate the president to the point where they'll say whatever they have to say. And there's certainly people who love the president to the point where they'll say whatever, whatever, whatever they have to say. I want hard evidence. When it comes to fraud, I want hard evidence when it comes to the accusations against Trump. When I look at the Michael Flynn scenario, it looks like Barack Obama didn't like Flynn because Flynn was not good to Barack Obama. So they said, we don't want you. you do you know what the, the reasoning for why the State Department thought he was compromised was? Boy. In a meeting, he was talking to someone and, he, and they, uh, I think it was Yates, perhaps. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, he was asked, you know, who do you think? Or, or I'm sorry, in, in a passive conversation, it comes up that he says, I don't think that Russia is our biggest adversary. I think it's actually China. And that was like, oh, no, he thinks he's trying to defend Russia or something. It's like, well, I, I agree. I think China's a way bigger threat than Russia is. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself being prosecuted for lying to the FBI. For what? Now, I'll tell you what. He got thrown under the bus by Trump and, you know, Trump's team saying he should and, and Pence, he shouldn't have lied to us. Oh, it's, it's his fault. And then later they came back and tried to defend him. Trump's not a perfect guy. Far from it. And he made a ton of mistakes. He threw his own guy under the bus and he should have defended him. But the fact, but when he Bill seems to have a habit of doing that, he certainly does. He has a habit of hiring dumb people too, like and then calling them amazing, then throwing them under the bus. Oh, I love He's it. Done this it, with it. He does so it. many different yeah, exactly. sessions <laughs> with Cohen. With, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a that is that is uh, the Trump uh, administration. Fires people, it's his job. No, he should have fired a lot more people. Oh, he I didn't know. fire people. That was the problem. <laughs> so look, I think you know I, whether you like Flynn or whatever. When it comes to the DOJ saying we're going to drop it, and a judge started prosecuting. That's scary, man. Look, I don't, do you, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, uh, rather, uh, anti-authority. Authority. Uh-huh. I've never been a fan of the FBI. Going uh-huh. back to the days of Occupy Wall Street, where they ragged them all the, all the time, and it became increasingly weird to me how many of the people I knew at Occupy became defenders of the intelligence agencies. Sure. Whatever. More, more broadly speaking, why do you think that in a federal government where Trump has exerted quite a bit of control, where he's got a lot of his own appointees, like why does he still run into so many problems with so many of these agencies? Why it doesn't seem like nobody in the White House, even the own people that he puts there sometimes, don't seem to be taking his side on anything. He does not know how to work the system. He he does not know how government works, and he can't make it work. I I think, you know, with people like Trump who are business people, when you run a business, for the most part, you're an authoritarian. 
your business, your rules, you're the boss, you can fire and hire within certain confines and certain laws. Why is it that, so when you say that, I feel that 100%. But another important thing about being a business owner, whether you are a supervisor, a manager, a district manager, or whatever, or, or the owner, you never, ever, 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 ever can pass the buck. You can't do it. If you're supervising a shift and your manager comes to you and your, your manager is like, what happened on this shift? You would never as a supervisor say, it was that employee, it was that employee, because it would be your responsibility. But Trump's the boss. Every single time, yeah. He Why passes is the buck. Yeah, all the time. Trump will not accept responsibility for anything. It's either the deep state is after him, the Democrats are after him, the FBI is after him, the DOJ is yep. after him, even when he's going running through his own appointees in a lot of these institutions over and over and over again. I agree. Trump's, Trump's got a habit of when there are certainly circumstances where he has people to blame, and there are certainly circumstances where he should just be a good leader saying, the buck stops with me, I should have done better. And if this person failed, is, is, is irrelevant because I'm the one who needs to steer this ship. For somebody it's that not Trump. has been so ineffectual as a leader, so then I guess moving. I disagree on that. What, what, why, what are you think are some of his like chief accomplishments, I guess, under this administration? I mean, the economy was uh, smashing in 2019. Jim Cramer, the best numbers of our lives. It, which Three it was years. from 2013 onwards. Oh, yeah. it was dramatically different. I mean, Barack Obama said, you'll need a magic wand to reach 4% growth. And then when Trump did it, he started laughing at him. I don't know what Barack Obama said. All I know is that everybody can look at the economy. From 2013 onward, we were smashing all-time highs consistently. Uh, under under Donald Trump, growth was better. Unemployment was way lower. It was good. Unemployment continued to fall, mainly I, as a look, result of like Federal Reserve monetary I'm not a, policy. I'm, but for sure, and the, and deficit spending, there's a lot of bad things too. Yeah. But uh, Jim Cramer, the best numbers of our lives. I don't I'm take not, anything Cramer says about the economy seriously. He's an entertainer on TV. I don't know what Cramer has to do with. I'm just I'm from Trump economic policy. It doesn't really seem like he's done much in terms of being an effective leader in terms of like passing like awesome legislation. Um, oh, he's a president. He doesn't do that. Well, or championing awesome. We, he promised a lot. Dude, the first two years under Trump with the Republicans were a complete and total failure. I think the Republican Party is, is mostly garbage. Sure, but again, what, one, one of the chief things that we elected Trump for was him talking about how he can bring people together and get them to work on things. Seems like he's been more divisive than ever. First couple of years for Trump, completely awful. Trump divisive, he's been quite a bit. The last few years, there's uh, mostly in the past year, there's been a couple things. Because I, I said in January, I will never vote for this man. Then the riots happened. And when the riots went to, got close to my family, and I saw what the Democrats were doing, it really made Trump look good by comparison in a lot of ways. So that's, that, that was. So you're a single issue voter because riots happened? Uh, actually, I've literally said that for sure. The, uh, so I've got, uh, I've got family who are incapable of defending themselves. And when the riots broke out in Chicago and the leadership was, it was, it was insane. I mean, one alderman was talking to the mayor, mayor Lori Lightfoot saying that she was directing the rioters to the neighborhoods and she was nuts and he was cussing at her and screaming. Mm -hmm. And I got, I, I get calls from my friends and family saying, you know, 60 miles west of Chicago, the rioters were showing up and nothing was being done about it. Do you and, don't think that under, do you think it's possible that under different federal leadership, Maybe the riots would have looked a little different, or do you think they would have played out the exact same way? During, and if instead of a president that was constantly deriding the movement and constantly— That's irrelevant. You don't think that matters at all to I know it doesn't matter because I was at the start of Black Lives Matter when, when, when these things erupted. It was under Barack Obama that I got to witness the National Guard pouring into Ferguson. Sure, but, I got the, to BLM riots on, but the BLM protests and any riots that occurred under Obama were a pittance compared to what happened under Trump. These were the largest-scale large, large riots, maybe in the, in the history of the world, maybe. In terms so of like you're saying Trump is responsible for the riots, but not the economy, even though the riots and the economy both started under Biden? I mean, that's under, because, under Obama? That, that's because Trump can't say good words and make the economy do a certain thing. Why couldn't Trump Obama say, solve it? Why Trump, didn't Obama solve it during his term? It was 2011 when this started. By 2016, he did nothing to 
to stop this problem. Trump or Obama couldn't do much of anything. Obama couldn't even get his own Supreme Court pick through. <laughs> okay. Trump can't do Obama. much of anything because he's getting blocked left Trump and right. Trump has so, loaded the federal judiciary. He Trump sure did. McConnell did. Trump, sure. Trump controlled both halves of government and was on the executive branch. No, and now it's the Supreme Court. How is it like, how listen, can you listen. give a man so much? And yet he claims to have so little at the end of the day. What more did he need? Trump's not a Republican. The Republican Party in 2016, when they controlled the, the upper and lower chambers, they're establishment they, they were both unified on some issues. For some, instance, repeal and replace health care. Why? What happened with that? Yeah, they're, the, the Republican Party is trash. And Trump doesn't know how to work this. And he didn't have the support he needed. So listen, listen. The mm-hmm. point is, I'm not, I'm not going to blindly defend Obama or Trump. I think the responsibility uh, 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 with, with the riots fell under Trump. And guess what? Trump dep- had the f- DHS deputize state and local police in Portland uh-huh. and started arresting the rioters and giving them federal charges to the point where they started running. They started posting blogs saying, like, get out of your houses because the FBI is coming to give you charge comparable to the charges that were just dropped at the state level. When Obama was in charge and the riots were happening, he said, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. And then for the next four years, because I covered this, I was in I was in Ferguson for a year and a half, back and forth, flying in and out as the riots progressively got worse. And it was then when Darren Wilson got acquitted, I watched the whole street of West Florissant go up in flames with Trump. We had COVID lockdown, which was implemented for the most part by Democrat governors and Trump opposed it for the most part. Republicans opposed Republican governors opposed it. Mm-hmm. When the riots broke out, Trump said, I'm going to shut it all down. And yet and, the and, riots under Trump were like 50 times worse than the riots under Obama. Yes, because a combination of the lockdowns and the pent up rage going all the way back into the Obama administration. You don't if think you wanna, any of that rage might have come from the way that Trump talks about any of these issues? Definitely. Sure, sure. But but what I'm talking about is when the riots happened, mm-hmm. there's a combination of things. It's not just the riots. It was, you know, in the, in the last several months, mm-hmm. Trump was like trying to pull troops out of Afghanistan. I started clapping. I'm like, do it, do it, bring it on. And then uh, the Syria stuff, too, finding about finding about how they lied. I got the Defense One article, outgoing Syria envoy admits hiding U.S. troop numbers to trick the American people into keeping soldiers in the Middle East. I was well, like, we didn't need to trick them. Trump wanted to do it the entire time as well. He's talked about running Syrian oil fields. Like you've talked No, about- Trump initially tried to pull all our troops out. And then there was a revolt between the Democrats and Republicans saying, you can't do this. So then Trump, in hilarious fashion, whether it's good or bad, said, all right, we're going to keep a couple hundred soldiers in here to guard the oil fields. And then all the anti-war progressives just like started laughing and facepalming like this dude just blurts out what the American like empire is doing when he brags about selling weapons to Saudi Arabia for their 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 war with Yemen. It's like this dude is admitting the war machine exists. And it was it was it was well, sure. But there's also the same and, guy that talks about like killing terrorists and their families and everything, too. Like he's he didn't like Obama did. Mama literally did. I, I don't think at the same level that Trump has been doing. Again, the first the first four years of Trump's administration have had seen more bombings than any other country. We still have wars going on in every single la- country that we did when when Obama left office. You know, Trump and, is one of the uh, I think the first president what like four decades who didn't start a new war. Well, that's because there's not many countries left to go to war with at this no, point. I mean, there literally are. The, the, of course, you know, uh, but he didn't do it. And he's I mean, that's great, but he's, he, he's not pulling back. He's continued the wars. We still have troops in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and... Um, With him trying to remove Libya. Them. Like, I literally have the Defense One article. They lied to him to keep the troops in Syria. That, like, I've never been more angry in my life when I heard this. I, I, I will have to read this article. I'm very curious on how the commander-in-chief just... Unless he... I, it's possible because he's too stupid to read the, the intelligence reports. He lied or they gave him... They, they, they lied to him. They gave him bunk information. I don't know how else to put it. They they lied because, to the president. Like, in the, because maybe they couldn't fit it in in like the Crayola crayon pictures. There, no, he straight up said, intelligence quote, we were always playing shell games to mm-hmm. not make clear to our leadership how many troops we had there. Jeffrey said in an interview, the actual number of troops in northeast Syria is a lot more than the roughly 200 troops Trump initially agreed to leave in 2019. 
They lied to the American people to keep us involved in these these quagmires in the Middle East sure. when Trump was trying to end it. Trump's administration Dude. has also been involved in lying to the American people. For instance, when he made sure. it harder to report um, the number of bombings that have gone on, when he's obscured. I don't think we've gotten a report of the troops on the ground released since February, I think, that they stopped publishing those monthly reports. Like, they've made it harder to get information out of the administration related to bombing. Just this idea, I mean, like, this may be a particular thing that happened in Syria, but the idea that Trump is some peaceful guy that just wants to get us out of all the wars. I don't think he's a peaceful guy. I yeah. think he's desperate for votes. Sure. And I'm like, I'll take it. When Trump says the American people hate the wars, and that's true, he mm -hmm. says, I'll get the troops out. And then the the the, the machine, the establishment, the deep state, what are we going to call it? Go, Egad, we must keep our troops in the oil fields. But he still is engaging in all of the classic war hockey behaviors. If it would have been Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or Biden that would have killed Soleimani, I think the right would have erupted. Like, oh, why are you Of course, you're totally correct. Sure. Absolutely. And we're still making these multi, <laughs> you know, massive figure deals to Saudi Arabia for bombs when yep. we're still involved in stuff in Yemen. 100%. I think that people like w would still be. Yeah, I, I just so, I, I don't see if I don't see anybody that like um, I'm not going to sit here and defend Obama's record on foreign policy because I think there were definitely mistakes made. Probably one of the worst um, we've ever had in the presidency. Potentially. Um, however, uh, this idea that somebody be like, I don't like Warhawks, so I'm voting for Trump on his foreign policy is just that's crazy to me. Like how Pulling many wars out of the Middle East? Th but that's not even what he did. He didn't. He tried. And while Trump, he, he was, tried several times, well, he's doing while it now. he was trying he to, he's also the, escalating tensions across the entire world with so many other countries. Very problematic. Like he Except, almost supported a coup in in uh, in Venezuela. I think what he said, when he kept trying to recognize uh, or not Venezuela. I'm sorry, in Bolivia when he kept trying to recognize Democrats the, did that too. The, regardless, they Trump did as well. He, sure. he he warmed up. He heated our really hot and heated. Uh, he uh, troubled our relations. So then criticize Biden with, for the same thing. Sure. No, yes. you can't though, but because when they were Biden, all in favor of Biden, uh, when Biden has name. talked about that, but even if that was true, even if, first of all, Biden has published tons of op-eds talking about how he wants to give an approach to uh, foreign policy. Now we can say maybe he's lying in all of that. Sure, however, so. like so, there, so we have a risk that everything that Biden has said on foreign policy might be a lie which is possible, but we know that Trump is going to continue the same disastrous foreign policy that has been you know, a, a staple of American foreign policy for the last 20 years. Of course it's true. Trump just purged the Pentagon leadership in order to force a withdrawal from Afghanistan. Well, we'll see if it happens because he's been talking about a withdrawal from Afghanistan since the day he took office. And they were refusing and they were lying to him. I, I'm look, man, so, look, look, I don't, look. I just, he's the, I'm I will so, this take. is the one area. Trump is the commander in chief. If he can do anything, it's moving troops around. If he had the political will to do it, it would be done. I will take an incompetent attempt at pulling our troops out several times over the legacy of the Obama-Biden administration with everything they did. Extrajudicial assassinations, the prosecution of more journalists and whistleblowers under the Espionage, espionage Act than all other presidents combined, getting us involved well, in more— And how more do you feel about why—why is—if if this is so important to you, um, firstly— Trump should pardon like, Assange and Snowden. Yeah, why he hasn't Absolutely. made any effort to do that at all. I know, and he should. And, and Trump has also been perfect. constantly battling the media as well, saying he's going to open up libel lawsuits. He's going to start threatening them with 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 uh, uh, suing them he's if right. they publish mean things about them. He's right. No, 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 the no. He's right that we need to uh, overturn Times v. Sullivan. Completely think we have to. You, you, know, you know, Times of Sullivan is. I know very well. It's so very important to what I do as a content creator. It established the uh, um, the uh, malice standard, I believe, or the actual malice actual malice for uh, defamation. It is one of the most important protections of a public figure uh, in the United States. It allows the media to say whatever they want about you. It and then prevents you have to it prevents a chilling effect from being created on the media where they can't publish an article about somebody because if something comes out and it turns out that that's incorrect, then they could be sued for it. No. Uh, yes. It's it's. 
Times v. Sullivan, it was the actual malice standard, meaning yep. you had to know. You have to knowingly publish false right. information about somebody. The reason why that standard is so important is because right now, let's say that it comes out that, um, let's say that somebody's doing an, investiga- an investigation on it, and it turns out they think that I've killed like three or four people, they've got a decent amount of evidence, blah, 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 blah. Um, let's say that they publish that, and it turns out that I'd ordered somebody else to do it, or it wasn't exactly like that. Well, now I can sue them for defamation. But what, what happens then to, to media organizations then? Well, now I never want to report on a public figure, because well, if I'm wrong, I'm going to get sued for it. I'll half agree with you then. I'll say we need reform. We, we certainly do. What reform? So right now you have, look at Covington, right? The, the arguments for why uh, Nicholas Sandman, they were allowed to defame him and be wrong was because he was an involuntary public figure, which, which gave them the Times v. Sullivan standard. They settled. In fact, a lot of the, a lot of the cases, the, the right will tell you a celebration, mm-hmm. these $250 million lawsuits were settled. They won. They won probably, as some people said, nuisance fee, maybe a little bit more, meaning it was cheaper to just pay them out, not deal with it. Sure. But a lot of the challenges that were brought forward were dismissed because involuntary public figure. We need a better standard than this. Look, I, you're, you're, I think you're right. I, I think I, I should walk back what I said because I probably was, was wrong in that initial statement because the assumption is in good faith. If I read a news article from Defense One that says Jim Jeffrey did X and mm-hmm. I then report that, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be I shouldn't be able to be sued for that if it turns out Defense One was incorrect. Sure. But that's not what we're seeing now. What we're seeing now is like the uh, Today Show published outright lies about me and masked it with with framing device language. And what am I supposed to do to go up against NBC Universal when they put my face on the Today Show and claimed I was pushing conspiracy theories, which was just total BS. I can't do anything about it. Sure. I, I don't know specifically which conspiracy theories that they claimed. That they claimed were... that because I reported on the uh, Fox Business article about Seth Rich, mm-hmm. I was pushing a conspiracy theory that Seth Rich leaked uh, documents to WikiLeaks, which then got picked up by other outlets who claimed mm-hmm. I was claiming that Seth Rich was murdered because he leaked. So they just all start lying and playing this mm-hmm. game of telephone. I can't do anything to stop. Sure. 50,000 websites all writing garbage. It's impossible. That is frustrating. I can acknowledge that as somebody that's also been maligned publicly but from we were talking a little bit before the show for a bunch of insane stuff that people totally. say about me. Um, it does suck, but it's one of those things. Um, oof, I don't think I want to get into Citizens United. It's one of those rulings. <laughs> Not that, a fan of that either. Sure. Um, yeah. It's one of those rulings that's rough, but the other side of it, I think, looks worse. Can we so, have some kind of reform? I don't, for the internet I don't know. Um, it's hard because the problem is that so the reason why that actual malice standard exists is to avoid um, what's called a chilling effect. Right. And the idea is that like people are going to stop publishing things about powerful public figures if they feel like they can just get sued for publishing something that they don't like to read right now. Right. right? So if I want to sue you for defamation, I need to be able to prove like that you knowingly publish, which is almost an impossible standard to me. Which right? is the problem. Yeah. But the problem is that um, so the, the flip I got side a solution of that law, for you. Oh, yeah. OK, go ahead. You should be able to sue. And if you can prove that what they published was false, mm-hmm. they must issue a retraction. You can do that, but uh, doesn't exist I'll, right I'll, now. T- well, I'll take a, a a hot take here that I'm sure the majority of your audience is agreeing. Most media outlets will retract stories that are completely, totally, patently false. It's not true. I I could be wrong, but I feel it's, like if you would actually email anybody that published a certain story, I work for these companies. Like the, sure, and, I, I've, and they, been, I've been in the Slack chats with these conversations. You know what they say? Just wait for it to go away. I was in, I was in a meeting. Were you in Slack chats for, for what, Breitbart and the Daily Caller or because ABC News, ABC and CNN, these guys, ABC News, that's who I, you you know, I worked for, for ABC News and Univision, correct? Sure. And I was in the Slack chats where they said, wait for it to go away. Don't, don't, don't talk about it. We don't want to get called out for what we do. 
that it's the, I guess it's it's just interesting to me because on any story that I read that's like more than a week old, you'll usually always see that they are updating articles or they are clarifying information. Did you or, know? Do you know? Do you know that stealth edits are so frequent that an MIT project was born called News Diffs to track how often news articles from every major publication surreptitiously change the content of their articles? What, but is this supposed to? When when news if if the New York Times issues a statement right mm-hmm. and they say Betsy Kitty is you know a, a white cat okay and then it turns out she's actually both white and black okay they would say correction update editor's note a previous mm-hmm. version of this article said X sure they don't do that ninety nine percent of the time it's called stealth editing and a website was created called News Disc to show you everything they've done and there are some seriously messed up things you can track where news outlets ov- publish overt lies. The story goes viral, and mm-hmm. then a day later, completely changed the article, destroying all the evidence that ever existed. Well, things can get I would archived be now. Very interested in seeing articles like that. I guess I just can't think of anything off. I can give you a where... specific example where sure. Dave Weigel of the Washington Post published a completely fictitious story about Kim.com hacking Seth Rich's Gmail account to plant evidence that he was the leaker, mm-hmm. and then when he got. You know, I'll just put it this way: to be very careful of litigation. Six months later, the entire story was changed to become hypothetical. Does it write in the article that they did they, they reflect it accurately in the text, saying that like we? Felt they like never said they updated it. They never said they. Nope. Okay, I'll look into it after. I just don't. And, know and it's up on. Uh, I, I. It's something I've cited over and over again from news diffs. Mm-hmm. News Let me see if I can. I'd have to. Uh, find this specific article but this was a this was a really really big story i tracked for two years and actually got two retractions from politico and the daily beast i tracked them down and i got two two journalists at each of those outlets Mm -hmm. to retract their versions of that story because the washington post fabricated the whole thing happens all the time there was a there was an instance where are you familiar with blair white yes do you think blair white is a white nationalist um probably not just no. Come not on. overtly. She's pretty conservative. But conservative I, I, is not I, white I just haven't followed her recently, so I don't know 100%. The Verge wrote mm-hmm. a hit piece accusing Blair of being a whole bunch of things she isn't. Mm-hmm. And when she tweeted, I'd like a retraction, they doubled down and added a whole bunch of out-of-context BS. Like, you've been victim to a lot of the same stuff. Sure. So you, you, you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, these outlets have no intention of correcting if they don't have to yeah i guess when i'm thinking of like retractions or whatever i'm thinking of like more like a reporting of a matter of fact so the um the kim.com thing is interesting um yeah. i don't know if i would ever push somebody for I'll a retraction on like uh uh you know like you called me a white nationalist because i imagine somebody could make that claim about me and i would say like well i don't think that's true and they could probably publish like a paragraph of like well you said this or this or this or this and it's like okay well this is more a matter of interpretation i guess or argument because some people might think you're a white nationalist if you ever do like a particular thing or say a particular thing um i, I guess i'm more interested in like matters of fact or statements of fact when it comes to like retractions um rather than like the author said that this person has this political ideology which is like a very fluid what everything that's, 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 that's crazy right, that's meaningless too what? it's really uh the, the accusing someone of having an ideology well the problem is that a lot of this stuff becomes so vague like so for instance like people will call you a white nationalist if you have like blue lives matter on your profile which wait, is wait, wait, wait. ridiculous it's, here's my favorite boston globe wrote that uh this one guy was a white nationalist mm-hmm. and when i reached out to him and said whoa whoa i didn't realize this dude was a white nationalist mm-hmm. i was like is there something he specifically said? Because this guy's only ever talked about like Trump and America and stuff. And he said, he's a nationalist, right? I was like, yeah. Is he a white guy? Right. Okay. So he's a white nationalist. Sure. And I was like, Dude, come on. Sure. Which is really it's, dumb. Yes. The, yes. The and there's Boston Globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with news is I think it's no longer being, uh, uh, supported. Oh no. Yeah. It's from 2012. It's from 2012. Mm-hmm. I worked for, uh, uh, Vice. Uh, I was a founding member of Vice News. Mm-hmm. I worked for Fusion, which was ABC News Univision. I worked out of the ABC building in New York. Mm-hmm. I was, I was told, in uh, timeout, I was told by the president 
Timeout what? The, the website timed out. It didn't. Oh, it, okay, I'm trying right. to load the uh, yeah, no article three. I was told, uh, in a matter of speaking, to lie on more than one occasion. That if there is a certain bit of news reporting that's true, but mm-hmm. would be offensive to our audience, we don't report it. We side with the audience. That's what I was told to do. Can you give me like a, not a specific example, but like what's like a general example of that? What do you mean by that? Let's say there's two guys in the street, mm-hmm. Proud Boy and Antifa. Mm-hmm. And Antifa walks up and punches the Proud Boy in the face. If I reported that Antifa punched a Proud Boy in the face, it would be offensive to our audience. We mm-hmm. don't report it. Mm-hmm. We have to side with the audience, which means when the Proud Boy got back up and punched Antifa back, that's what we report. Proud Boy attacks Antifa. We ignore the previous context. There was a, a video that went viral from one of these progressive news outlets where there was a woman at a Trump rally and she punched a Trump supporter in the face and then got pepper sprayed. They did this clever edit where you see the crowd and you see her yelling and then there's a white flash and then you see her being pepper sprayed. They they did a white flash to cover up the fact that she punched a guy in the face and then was was sprayed in self-defense, okay. which was, I think pepper spray is much more measured when some like than punching someone in the face. Depending on, but yeah, sure. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So these kinds of things happen all the time. It's, it's basically why after I left Fusion, mm-hmm. I tried quitting within a year when I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to work for this garbage. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let me. I was under contract. And when I left, I actually went around to all of these big companies. I started working at Vice before they had the Vice News vertical, like the, the, the dedicated YouTube channel. Yeah. And I had to negotiate with them for like six months to actually do it. They didn't want to do on the ground field reporting live or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they agreed because there were people like Rocco Castoro, who's working with me now, and some other people at Vice who are like, Listen to this dude. He's doing amazing stuff with mobile live streaming. Mm-hmm. They agreed. They created this uh, uh, this you know this this news outlet, and then all of these digital media companies wanted to hire me and were offering me ridiculous money. Mm-hmm. I ended up working for ABC. It was it was gold, and then golden handcuffs. This at first they said we want to do real news. Then they said no, we don't. We want to make money basically. Sure. So we're going to become a progressive news outlet. Mm-hmm. Then all the reporting I did, which was conflict, crisis, and very middle of the road, gone. I tried quitting. They wouldn't let me. When I left, I basically had every company saying, come in, come have a meeting with us. I got told by a couple of these companies, tell me what you want to do and we will give you a budget. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the people working there. I saw the things they were producing and I said, what the happened to these people? And so I said, no, I started sure. making YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. That's it. Media is, is you, you see what happened with Barry Weiss in the New York Times? No. She, she was a opinion, opinion editor, I think. And she quit saying that it's basically become a woke fest where it's like, write what we want or else. They, 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 they forced the resignation of one of the opinion editors because Tom Cotton wrote that op-ed saying send in the troops when it came to the riots. Okay. That's, that's where news is going. They're not gonna, they're, they're gonna stealth edit. They're not gonna issue corrections and they're ideologically driven. Moral, the gist, the gist of my story. Do you think that this problem exists in alternative media or do you think they're freer from that than mainstream media? I think alternative media has similar but slightly different problems. The The main problem, which does exist in independent channels that are corporations, is the editorial guidelines of you must report X. Mm-hmm. So at uh, the New York Times, for instance, they had a mandate. We're going to focus on Trump. When it was looking like the Trump term was coming to an end, they said, we're going to shift now to – oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was Russiagate. Mm-hmm. The New York Times had um, – I'm forgetting the names of Dean Bar- Bar- Barquette, Barquette or whatever. He said, we're going to focus on Russia. Once the Russia gate was coming to an end, he said, okay, now it's going to be Trump is racist. That's the, the main driving force, mm-hmm. which means that if you had someone who had evidence to present that was contrary to that, they were being mandated at a top down level not to report that stuff or not to focus on it at the very least. That's a problem. On YouTube, however, you exist and I exist. And there's echo chambers for sure because people like getting their confirmation bias. But imagine going to one website where you can hear you and me at the same time. 
doesn't exist on Breitbart, doesn't exist on MSNBC. So independent social media, or I should say YouTube, is way better than the existing media infrastructure for sure. I guess the problem that I have with a lot of alternative media, so this would include people like you or me, or Project Veritas, or any of these other types of like YouTube or online entities, is it feels like there is no accountability if you get something wrong. It feels like there is more, regardless of any of the problems that exist in mainstream media, of which I'm sure there are a plethora, it feels like at least there's some accountability where if somebody messes up and it's made public, somebody is going to get fired or something bad is going to happen as a result to it. It also feels like a lot of these companies have a much higher vested interest in not reporting something completely factually incorrectly, because if they do, they would get a massive trouble for it and it would hurt their reputation and the bottom line. Whereas it feels like an alternative media, it feels like the goal is to just report, 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 report. Um, you can get as much wrong as you want, but as long as you're serving like a particular ideological narrative, it feels like that ideological drive is much more prevalent in alternative media than it is in mainstream media, where at least there's some accountability to get that. I disagree. Right. Uh, when I worked for, uh, well, not, not Vice at the time, but Vice definitely now, one of the things I started seeing, especially working at the ABC building and uh, at the Univision building, both, I worked at both buildings uh -huh. at different periods, completely ideologically driven. They, they told us outright, our audience is young, progressive, and that's our goal. That's who we're targeting. So side with them. That's it. That's your mandate. So when I came to them and said, okay, well, I don't want to do that. They said, well, then you can't, you know, work with us. Uh, aside from the fact that they were super racist too, which, uh, you know, one of the reasons I don't like the critical race theory stuff or the critical theory stuff, but there was basically, if you're progressive, you're good. If you're not, we're not going to report it. So they basically is the craziest thing. I worked for this major, you know, uh, massive media conglomerate and I was producing content on my YouTube channel with mm -hmm. their money. And they were like, just put our logo on it. Okay. Because they didn't want to run my stuff on their channels, even though my content got more views than anything they produced. And when they did produce stuff and I told them, like, I can help you identify the content that is good, that will go viral, funny jokes, short films. They didn't like it because one of the things that got promoted this is a funny, funny story. I'll try to keep it simple because I don't want to get people fired from their jobs or anything like that. But there was a there's a segment called Open Mic Massacre, which was produced by Fusion, where it's a, a cartoon gag on people like like social justice activists shutting down comedy clubs or like shutting down comedians mm -hmm. it's a comedian who no matter what jokes he make makes he gets attacked by the audience and then protesters show up okay it was one of the biggest videos they ever had and there was a revolt in the company at the editorial level they were like how dare you it's offensive we refuse and they were like okay we're so sorry we'll never do this kind of stuff again and then they then they came to me and said you were right it went viral. People loved it. We gained a ton of subs, but the employees are furious. So, you know, we can't do this anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go to Japan. I went to Fukushima. I did my own thing. I tried quitting within like, uh, it was like 13, about a year and a month. So I, I went, I met with the president. And I said, cut me loose, bro. I don't want your money. I don't need it. And he was like, wait, 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 you know, just, you know, let's have a meeting. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And they really wanted me to just play ball. One day I woke up $40,000 in my bank, in my bank account. And I laughed and I was like, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play this game. And then finally my contract ended and they're like, have a nice day. The New York Times is now seeing it with the, with, with Barry Weiss's resignation. There was a big story that came out in the New Yorker about Slack leaks, Slack messages from people who were basically saying, whose side are you on? Now's our chance to make all this great change happen. So what's basically happened is the New York Times is becoming ideologically driven. Now this is, you know, an NB, I believe they were fun they're funded by NBC and they're, you're familiar with now this news? I, yeah, I've seen their, they tried hiring me mm -hmm. as their first, as their, as their third hire too. They tried hiring me. I went and had a meeting with them in New York, refused to do it. Their president at VidCon, I think this was in 20, it was 2017, maybe 2016 mm -hmm. said, we have, we have brought on anti-Trump activists. It was 2017 at the highest level to help us produce our content. 
completely ideologically driven, not fact-based. And when you say there's no accountability for people in independent media, I, I, I pulled up a couple stories. I don't want to name these people, but there's two people from BuzzFeed in, in, in particular. Mm-hmm. One guy from BuzzFeed who was a plagiarist who got fired and now is trucking along just fine with all his fans. They don't care. Another guy who was caught spying. He, he went to the Financial Times. He got caught spying on, on uh, Zoom meetings and he got hired right away by another company. There's no accountability for these people. I have seen people. I would be curious to hear how the second guy got rehired or there wasn't any type of public outrage for it. But any time you can find an example of somebody doing something, you know, stupid in a mainstream, like there are people that get fired over stuff. I know that it happened during the Russian reporter, for instance, like CNN chopped two guys that got like a like a couple minor details wrong related to some election related stuff in 2016, I think. Um, But uh, the uh, the idea that. There is any accountability in alternative media, though, however bad it must be, or, or you claim it as in mainstream media, it seems like it's a million times worse in alternative media. Like, you I know, can watch people just make blatantly untrue claims over and over and over again on any of these channels. You, and yeah. you can, um, I used to blog a lot for mm-hmm. Minds, and uh, you can write an article and then have it get massive traction because it's really, you know, popular for whatever reason. And then once it has a hundred million or te- a million views, you go in and you edit the article and no one knows. And sure. you can change it's the title of the article. You can put the images, change the images, yeah. change the entire body of text. No, there's no oversight. Yes, stealth editing. And that's, so, I can, they, they, I they can imagine it. that gets abused. So there was an instance at Fusion where the New York Times altered an article from a straightforward news piece about Ellen Powell. It was Ellen Powell resigns as CEO in a statement. She said X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. That was it. It became the third and fifth high on two different subreddits. Mm-hmm. The third and fifth highest upvoted of all time on Reddit for any piece of content. The number three, number five. The next day. The New York Times stealth edited the whole article, turning it into an op-ed about feminism in, in Silicon Valley, saying uh, feminist zero, Silicon Valley bros two, you know, the, the end of feminism, you know, whatever. And it was this like opinion analysis piece about how it was so unfortunate that she was forced to resign due to misogyny and stuff. Not at all what the original article was. That was a violation of Reddit's rules. And it was serious in terms of Internet culture because it was the most one of the biggest pieces of content and one of the biggest websites in the world. Mm-hmm. When I went to the managing editor of Fusion and said, hey, guys, like I was, it was a Slack meeting, you know, the Slack chat. We got all these different editors. And I was like, we got a huge story going on right now. Reddit's pulling its third and fifth biggest story ever about its own CEO, which is like a conflict of interest because the New York Times stealth edited the entire article, turning it into an op-ed. And they said, we do that same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't report that. Are you, are you doing a story? Don't do a story as a managing editor. Don't do a story on that because we do it too. I got. A, I ended up getting a private message from the managing editor who said, "Hey, don't don't report that, okay? Don't don't make a big deal out of it. We do the exact same thing." And I was like, "If we make changes, shouldn't we just make a new article? If it's a new article, shouldn't we put update? This article previously said this or whatever." Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We 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 do that because we we you know it helps us make money. The link. What is do you persistent. think? Um, what do you think going forward? What do you think of the ways to hold mainstream media companies accountable? What do you think is like the way forward for that? Then, if you believe that's a huge problem. I don't think there's a way to. I think social media has incentivized rapid rage bait content, anger. Uh, I mean, you look at like even the conversations around the fact that you were going to come here mm-hmm. is people thinking that we were going to be punching each other in the face and they're going to make sure. clips saying you destroyed me or I destroyed you. It's going to be the stupidest thing ever. When I think we, we had a pretty good conversation so far, mm-hmm. people want there to be some kind of uh, tribal rage bait. Now, I'll, 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 I say this all the time and I'll completely admit I'm, I'm biased. You look at, I've got a couple different channels and you can clearly see my, my slants and my leanings and don't like the Democrats for a lot of reasons we've, we've gone into. And I actually think that's totally fine for an individual to have an opinion. I think the way that your opinion on your content is 100% acceptable and it's cool. I think the fact that Kyle Kalinske, David Pakman, uh, the Young Turks, along with conservatives 
Have your opinions. We get things wrong. We all do. We're all biased. Criticize us 100%. But aside from the Young Turks, they're an organization, so I'll, I'll, try, I'll, I'll remove them from this. Mm-hmm. You don't have a boss telling you what opinions you should have or what you should report on. Kind of, but sure. You do? Well, to, um, to for better or for worse, we're all a little bit sla- enslaved to the larger corporate culture, right? I, if we, depending on what we publish, we can get... To, to an extent, yeah. right? Like, but I, it's not the same as having like an editorial manager or having like a boss literally saying, like, we're writing these stories or whatever, for sure. Right. Like, here's the mission. Today, I want you to write about X. Yeah. And then you might get someone saying, whoa, that's not true, but I don't want to lose my job, so I'll write it anyway. Sure. Yeah, that, it's not to that level, yeah. Right. So th- there is something better in YouTube. The problem is we do have an editorial department, and it's the YouTube community guidelines and the YouTube, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the review board or whatever these people do. And demonetization. You know, like, so, so actually, this is something that happened to you. This is like, I, that's, this is insane. I've defended Kyle Rittenhouse a million and one times. Mm-hmm. I don't get demonetized for it. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, we make money on the show through ads talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. You got stripped from the Twitch partner program over it. Sure. W- you want to talk about that? Like, exactly what happened with that? Um, yeah, I made a really spicy comment relating to, uh, <laughs> defending property from rioters, and people were very upset about that. So, yeah. long story short, Twitch stripped you of your income. That's your editorial guideline. Yeah. They basically That's why I was you. saying earlier right. where when you're saying, yeah, well, we don't have bosses, like kind of, but it depends yep. on who tells you stuff. And on. so that's true too. Like, you know, the only reason I survive on YouTube is because my opinions are acceptable. Sure. And there are a lot of people who have unacceptable opinions who don't survive. So we have our bosses. You know, it's not like we're printing our own newsletters and then mailing them to people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's safe. I guess having your own website is safe. So, you know. Well, no, but. It's not. No, say registrars can. Yeah. unhost you or oh remote, for sure yeah, right, right 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 yeah have yep. you, that'll happen have you experimented with decentralized or like mesh networks at all um the problem is the more exotic you get with your distribution the harder it is to get advertising dollars so nobody on BitShoot is making <laughs> any money that's the challenge uh, yeah yep. we're torrenting their files i mean people do actually but it's through user donations tips yeah and stuff. it's gonna be a lot yeah you know people make a lot of money through these crypto video networks but that's to me is just a lot of money too is there might be a few weird. that are making a ton but most right. of them probably not. Li- yeah. library andreas just going on about d live uh, and stuff d live they have a crypto no library has like a crypto token uh, mines has a crypto yeah, live has, has, has the, the, uh, uh, not, not, uh, live has their token and then steam it Honestly, so, crypto I think tokens and, and like direct user subscriptions, I think, is the future. Bypassing advertisers on a mesh network. Possibly. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of people are making a lot of money doing uh, uh, like Patreon style stuff. But I'll, I'll tell you, there, 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 there is an inherent problem in all of this is that people will choose to just watch me or just watch you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say, I don't like Tim or I don't like Destiny. And then they're only going to get their opinions from one person instead of potentially an organization with an editorial department and different opinions in the op-ed section. So sure. that's why I like, you know, I, I invite people on who I disagree with. And then I get punished for it. It's, 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 you know, it really comes down to building an audience around, uh, people who appreciate hearing a different opinion or a disagreement. That's why, like, a lot of people get mad that I'll often let an opposing view Chinese talk a lot. There are a few periods where I just sat back and you, you explained everything you felt. And it's like, you know, that's that's your opinion. I can't tell you your opinions are wrong. It's your opinion. There, there are instances where I can bring on someone like Enrique Tario of the Proud Boys and everyone will cheer me on for letting him talk. Then I'll bring on someone like Vosh and people will get mad at me saying, don't let him speak. But my, my goal is like, look, if people don't want to hear, you know, ideas they don't like, then I guess you can't come to this channel because I, I want to continue bringing on people who have, dis, dis, you know, dissenting views from me or different opinions because it's a problem. That if people only watch just my one channel where it's just me talking, or they only watch, you know, any leftist channel, mm-hmm. then we're polarizing. 
What I'm curious, what responsibility do you feel you have to your audience to disseminate messages that you agree with? So let's say, for instance, so your um, your YouTube channel has got a lot of views. I think over 50 million a month. Um, so between, at least. So there's, let's, there's three channels. Oh, I didn't even know about the third one. So yeah. So there's, there's this. There's mm-hmm. Timcast and Timcast News. Timcast News uh, at its peak uh, got 50, I think 55 or so million. Mm-hmm. And then Timcast got 20. And then Timcast IRL got like 26. Gotcha. The election's over. Views sure, are going down. Are, sure. You know, down. Sure. Yeah. So let's say that you have somebody that comes on and I'm, I'm from what I know of you, you don't seem to be a white nationalist or anything like that. But let's say you bring Quite the opposite. On. Yeah. So let's say you bring somebody <laughs> on and that person has those types of views and you platform that person and you feel like they profit or they grow from the exposure that they get on your show. Do you feel like you have any responsibility in terms of like messaging or in terms of growing that person's platform or what do you feel? No. I mean, I'm growing your platform to an extent. There's, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of people who are discovering you and thinking, I might disagree, but I'll hear what he has to say and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't control that. More importantly, though, it's uh, I don't bring on random nobodies. Like, I'm not going to find some just like neo-Nazi lurking in the corner and be like, come to my platform and build a career off this. Sure. Usually it's like Enrique Tario. Uh, he's he's uh, I guess he just I don't know what people call him. They call him Afro-Cuban or whatever. He's black. Mm-hmm. He's the chairman of the Proud Boys. He was in the news. I mean, Joe Biden mentioned the Proud Boys. I'm like, we should do bring you, him in. Just and, for reference on this. Do you think that the Proud Boys is like a white nationalist lineal organization? No. Okay, okay. I, I think there you. there are people who are white nationalists probably associated with the, the Proud Boys, but the Proud Boys have disavowed. Okay. And I think what Enrique said was if they find out someone is, they'll boot them. They'll boot them out. And recently, the Proud Boys uh, did a joint thing with Black Lives Matter. It's like, it was kind of surprising. They, uh, I think it was in Salt Lake City. Black Lives Matter organizer came out with Proud Boys and they issued a joint message of like what they agree upon, even though they really disagree on most things. They found what does the Proud Boys stand for exactly. The Proud Boys are Western chauvinists, so they believe West is best. That's like really the gist of it. When we say West, what do we mean by that? Uh, America, American values, tr- traditional Christian conservative kind of issues, uh, nationalism. But they're they're actually fairly classically liberal. Um, okay. You can uh, look. I, I haven't dug too much into the Proud Boys stuff, just generally because I just don't care that much. But a lot of times when I hear people talk about like Western values, it usually is like a kind of a dog whistle for white issues or identitarian stuff. Oftentimes, that's be the case. But. There's an o- I think there's an overlap. Mm-hmm. White nationalists, of course, agree with a lot of those things, but the Proud Boys don't agree with the white nationalists. Sure. There, there were people who are white nationalists in the Proud Boys, and then the Proud Boys booted them out. I think okay. the Proud Boys are worthy of a ton of criticism. I've criticized them quite a bit. We had Enrique on. We 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 talked about it. A lot of people were like. They said I was harder on him and Alex Jones than I was on Vosh. And I'm like, Vosh and I were like yelling, like raising our voices at each other. Yeah, I don't for know. Like four know. hours. Yeah. And it was like four <laughs> hours, you know. So but uh, if somebody is 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 relevant in some capacity, we bring them on. A lot of people want me to bring on some uh, America first type individuals. And I'm like, I'm, I will. But like, I, I'm not banning people from my show. It's just got to be relevant. I don't want to just randomly grab somebody and be like, here you go. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, you're, I, I would actually say you're not controversial. Of course there, I would (laughs) like, there's no grand, uh, uh, you, you, there's articles about you getting banned. There are people on the left saying, how dare you defend this guy? Mm -hmm. You know, Twitch get kind of punished you and stuff. Sure. There's a fraction of, there's a faction of people who are like, this guy's controversial. But for the most part, I think you're just like, you know, another personality. I don't think either of us are particularly controversial. We're just internet people with opinions who do our shows. Enrique Tario is controversial. They're not trying to be disrespectful. He is. He's the chairman of the Proud Boys. They're brought up in a presidential debate. Sure. People have strong opinions about him. Uh-huh. You know. So, yeah, man. I get to talk about DMT a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about as crazy stuff as I can, but if it gets like too like YouTube censorious crazy, Tim will be like, ah, let me drop the hammer on this. No, what are you talking about? It's a good vibe. 
if I talk about the Federal Reserve or if I want to go into nine. No, 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 no. Or like I'm not. I'm not. Stuff. I have no concern about YouTube coming after you. I disagree. Oh, it's with personal. You. Oh, yeah, it's, it's personal. personal. Okay, let's go. Ian, well, so so it's like I'll give you an example. <laughs> we had we had uh, when when Black Lives Matter were riot. Well, when when the rioters were out, you mm-hmm. said it was the Federal Reserve, and I'm like, these people right. are not. We were talking about riots and why they were angry. And you said, oh, class issue. You said it was the Federal Reserve, yeah, and I was like, they're not nice. writing over the Federal Reserve. Do they even know how well, that think, works or what it is? Uh, we talked about a little that it's a cl- more of a class. I think we were talking about that earlier tonight too. That it's ha- is really a class well, issue. Masked is a uh, is a race issue, but then the class issue is derived from ancient racism. Combination of factors. Long mm-hmm. story short, is there anything else we should hit on, or we should go to super chats? We're a little. We're about half an hour over. Yeah. No big deal for me. We got a ridiculous amount of super chats. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. Or wait, actually, hold on. I'm curious. So I, I will ask because you asked me why I supported Biden. Yeah. What, so what are what are some positives, I guess, going forward for why you would support Trump? I, I know assuming the election is over, but like if you had voted for him uh, for 2020, why would you support him over an Biden over a Biden presidency? Critical race theory ban, specifically okay. targeting. Uh, it wasn't overtly critical race theory. It was specific trainings having to do with segregation based on race, which sure. was a violation of Title Seven in the sure. 1964. Besides support. critical race theory, yeah. What else? So uh, Trump's repeated attempts to withdraw troops. From Afghanistan, which he's continued to do even after losing the the, the election, and uh, look, I said earlier this year I wouldn't vote for the guy. I didn't care. I didn't vote for him in 2016. Uh-huh. I said earlier this year that what would get me to vote for him is if he issued an executive order decriminalizing, or at the very least, ordering the DEA not to prosecute marijuana-related offenses, okay. pardoning nonviolent drug offenders with uh, a review because some people pled down and they sure, pleaded nice. down. And uh, appointing Tulsi as national security advisor, Yang as economic advisor, withdrawing from Afghanistan. He's my guy. That's a pretty tall order. Sure. None of these things happen to be fair, oh, but like yeah. fair in the sense of, like they would ever happen or. Well, like none of these things. He didn't do any of these. Things. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Like mm-hmm. it was like the wish list of like, I'm not going to vote for it. I think the media lies about him. I don't think he's nearly as bad as like you, you ever said that segment where MSNBC, the woman said that he's talking about exterminating Latinos. Like, that's the level of, like, lunacy. A lot of, the Russiagate stuff was so infuriating. The Ukraine gate stuff was infuriating. So often I find myself as w- in one of these positions where for a long time it was like, stop making me defend the guy. Because I was, so, like, ragging on him quite a bit in the first few years about foreign policy, for sure. For, for broader policy things related to, say, because you said you were a fan of universal health care. I think you brought that up. I think you think that yeah. climate change is probably real. Climate change is a big problem. Right? Yeah. Definitely. So for, like, broader things like this or for more assistance, I don't know how you feel about, like, general redistribution of welfare, like maybe, like, free school or something. Um, or not a free college, not a fan of free college, mostly because, uh, the system as it stands today doesn't work. So, uh, I would say I am in favor of, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a difficult position. I'm in favor of, uh, universal healthcare in okay. some capacity. I'm not in favor of banning private healthcare. Sure. It's like a risk. It's like, you know, a restriction you line up with Biden perfectly there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am for people getting universal education after mm-hmm. we dismantle and reform and rebuild the education system. Sure. Okay. Cause it's completely broken. Sure. Uh, I think uh, I think a progressive tax system is a good thing. I think we need to make sure that we do what we can to protect the uh, working class individuals from the vulturous predatory elites mm-hmm. and the wealthy top so 1% like, billionaires and all that stuff. It feels like broadly speaking, it feels like you align more with like the Democratic foundation or platform than you do with the Republican one. What it used to be. You don't think that any of or do you just think that Biden is lying on all of his proposals? Absolutely. 
I voted for Barack Obama in 2008 with a smile on my face. I was so excited. Okay. George W. Bush, all the protests. I was marching in them, watching these music videos and everyone saying war is bad. Bush is Hitler and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Barack Obama, he's going to make sure we have health care. He's going to help the poor. He's going to fix these problems. He's going to bring our troops back, man. You got to vote for him. And I was so excited. And I walked in and I was like, this is so cool. These people, like we found a cause. I can't believe it. Barack Obama broke through. It was going to be Hillary Clinton. And then this guy comes out of nowhere. He's like a regular guy from Chicago. Do you I think was that from we Chicago. Got, do you think that we did get some like universally amazing things under Obama? So, for instance, the ACA definitely wasn't perfect. But it oh, was, that was definitely... bad. It, it, it screwed me really, really bad. All of a sudden, I was having questions with like uh, the, 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 involunt- the individual mandate. So re- regardless mandate. of – sure. So regardless of your personal, I, I guess, effect by it, do you think that overall, do you think that the ACA was a step in the right direction or do you think it was a mistake? Knowing uh, that I think part, it was like 13 I, million more it's, Americans it's, it's, got. It's, it's nuanced, right? Like the the uh, the, the uh, um, pre-existing condition stuff. Yes. Excellent. Must mm-hmm. exist. And I'm glad that we're at a point now where even Trump is saying and putting executive orders yeah, out. Forcing companies to pay out the, instead of trying to drop people because they make a claim and stuff like that. There yeah, yeah. Of, I, yeah. Dude, I can't stand these insurance companies. Mm-hmm. I think we need we need dramatic reform across the board on so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like from the Democratic platform, based on what Obama did with the ACA and was trying to do with the ACA, it feels like that's more a step in the right direction than Republicans that are just completely trying to dismantle all form of government intervention in healthcare. But for me, like most people, we we have opinions where we weigh, weigh certain things more than we weigh others. Sure. So that's healthcare. What uh, about like a, not for me? Healthcare wasn't one of those issues. I sure, was I young, strapping, virile lad. It didn't really mean that much to me. Sure. But when they said I had to pay a fine because I couldn't afford healthcare, mm-hmm. then I, I I made enough money to where I had I I, I should have bought healthcare, but I couldn't. Sure. I, I ended up homeless. Mm-hmm. I have a, 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 a I'll be vague with this, but someone who was very close to me in my life has been forced to pay was forced to forced to pay the fee and was like essentially destitute because. It was like piling up on their taxes. I think they just ended up owing money. Gotcha. That's interesting. I don't know, obviously, their exact financial position, but there were huge exemptions made for people that were even above the poverty line. It would scale off, I think, depending on how much you made. But it's possible that- Living in a city, Mm -hmm. making a certain amount of money, Mm -hmm. not being able to afford your rent and food at the same time. Because you'd be under federal poverty, or not under federal poverty, but for a city, you might be. And so what happened was their tax bill, that they just have a debt to the IRS for the- But Trump got rid of it. I don't know what happened. But that was like- so for yeah. so for for generally speaking on things like healthcare, it seems like we kind of align more on the Democratic platform than the Republican one. What are the Republicans doing? Trying to take it all apart. They they're failing. Miserably. Well, they got rid of the mandate, which means that it's going to continue like to collapse. That. Probably. You know, I tried to go to the doctor earlier this year and I couldn't because of the ACA. How? And uh, I was literally told the insurance you have bars you from coming to our facility. And I said, "That's fine. I'll pay cash." And they said, "No, you don't understand. You can't come here." Wait, what? How? No joke. I don't. I have no so idea. Weird. I've I never. I I don't have insurance, and I've never had problems getting into any hospital ever. You don't family. have insurance. I don't have insurance because I do have insurance. They said under the ACA, because you have insurance, you are not allowed to come to this facility, even if you pay cash. I called like three different, uh, um, like uh, just like general physician facilities or whatever, mm-hmm. and they all told me the same thing. Sorry, f- figure out where it is. So I went to urgent care, and I was able to pay cash. That's interesting. Not um, a fan of that. Yeah, but, that but, sounds but the, bad, but the, like even, I guess, because I, I, unfortunately I can't speak to your personal stories. You may have had like bad personal experiences yeah. with anything related to the healthcare system. But I mean, like it did ensure like over 10 million more people. But the problem is what the ACA was basically, it was like this ridiculous fake compromise where instead of actually creating a system that would, I, I, I think there was good intentions behind it. Mm-hmm. The idea was like, how do we get to a universal healthcare standpoint? Or at least a public option. Right. And so it was, okay, well, what if we make everyone buy insurance and then they pay a fee if they don't? 
And all that did was make sure that the massive insurance companies who still don't care about you mm-hmm. were able to keep ripping you off. Well, kind of. So they there were provisions under the ACA that made it, for instance, that like your um, the total amount of money that you take in, like a certain percent has to be paid out in the form of claims. You can't have like fifty percent of your costs yeah, yeah. going to administrative costs. Like there were a lot of good things that were made to bring those companies into line. Um, I, I guess I'm just when I look at like the ACA in a lot of ways sucked. But in some ways, the ACA was amazing. Like Again, it insured a lot more people. But costs continue to rise in healthcare. Um, for some people that were on the border of not qualifying for those like poverty line provisions and not making that much, like the working poor, you got absolutely destroyed by the ACA and the mandate for sure. Um, so it definitely should have went farther. But it just it feels like when I look at the difference between like a, a Republican having office for four more years or a Democrat, it feels like going farther is so much more likely under a Democratic uh, administration than a Republican one. In the end, I'd rather have... Uh nothing than broken i guess so i'd rather be at a in a situation where i'm responsible for myself than mm-hmm. whatever mangled garbage we ended up how do you getting. say that to somebody that has like like a type 1 diabetic someone who through no fault of their own has like it's either they have a pre-existing condition if they don't have some sort of like i'm not voting for other government. people okay i mean but it's it's the reality i don't know like like you mentioned my anecdotes you can't speak to them i can't mm-hmm. speak to other people and i don't know i don't have those experiences when Health, you go healthcare to... is not the biggest issue for me and it wasn't something i ever really paid attention to it didn't affect me okay sure i'm so, so I'm, yeah, I'm just curious i guess foreign so, policy like... on the other hand uh-huh. was i come from a family of uh many military veterans i've had uh in-laws and direct family in the military and so foreign policy always mattered to me even before that uh my dad, my dad is a, is a, a former Marine. My grandpa was served mm-hmm. at, he was in World War II. Mm-hmm. Foreign policy mattered a whole lot. I grew up in Chicago, hated the wars, hated the waste of money, thought that we were spending money overseas doing nation building. And this is like I'm a teenager now, the Iraq and Afghanistan's in full swing. Obama comes along. It was a lie. It was a complete lie. So for me, the issues were always around, uh, like foreign policy was a big issue. Most people don't care. Mm, they sure. don't care at all. But I was concerned about war conflict and I, and, and, and that played into, I started covering conflict, crisis, civil unrest. I went to a bunch of foreign countries. That's always been in mm-hmm. the front of my mind. So Barack Obama, I don't care if he got you health care. You know why? Because he blew up kids. He, he, he blew up an American citizen. For, I believe it was four. He was arrest, you, arresting whistleblowers. When it comes to foreign policy, do you give Obama any credit for things like thawing relations with Cuba or like the Iranian nuclear deal, like steps towards normalizing relationships with like Iran? Do you think that any of that was important? Uh, I would say to the extent that I know of them. Yeah, probably. I think the, the what he ended up doing with Iran wasn't a, a net positive. I think it Why was not? it was an attempt because it didn't result in the net. We, we still have nothing changed. Well, even and even nothing changed because be- now we've rolled back the deal. Of course, but before right? before Trump, we still had uh, intense conflict sanctions. It wasn't moving. Well, but I'll we, tell, were, I'll tell you we were we were in the process of easing sanctions, right? Like like people talk about the boatloads of cash, right? We unfroze right. a lot of the assets that we were holding, um, and, and I think we were taking steps towards like depending on how many years had gone by, like I mean, easing a lot of the sanctions. And the, there, the, there, there there was a lot going on in that direction mm-hmm. with Obama pertaining to Iran, and it was conflict, Cutter Turkey pipeline, which you brought up earlier on. There was a, a, a report. I don't know if this actually went public. Maybe I'm uh, I'm going to leak some information that I probably shouldn't because the story was never published. But uh, Iran was smuggling in gold through Turkish Airlines. There was a whole bunch of that, workarounds sure. that were being granted to them. That's not necessarily surprising, but I mean, like, that's also just kind of the nature of the Middle East. Barack uh, Obama, like, for instance, look, like our, we have our ally Turkey. That was like the, the reason why awful. ISIS was making so much money is because they were just driving those trucks north right into Turkey and just yep. selling the oil and driving on back. Yep. So, and, and then also, you know, we talk about like Yemen, like it would be nice to say, like, okay, well, we're done here, and then all of the Gulf states will look at us like, excuse me, what do you mean you're done here? Like, hello, we're your most important like group of cluster of allies in the Middle East. Not to not to excuse Obama, but just to like. 
it sucks, the all of the Middle East. And even to some extent, and I would even say publicly, like, I'm not going to blame Trump for what's going on in the Middle East either. I will be critical of some of his actions, whether it's abandoning Agreed. the Turks, talking about running Syrian oil fields or any of that dumb stuff. Or, 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 yeah, not the, yeah, um, yeah. abandoning the Kurds to the Turks. Um, that, like, that stuff is bad. But um, I, I guess for me, like, my, my two, the reason why I bring up health care reform policy, I guess, because my, my two favorite accomplishments under Obama was I think that the ACA was historic. What we ended up getting, the compromise kind of sucked like undoubtedly but it was historic in terms of moving that direction and finally joining the rest of the oecd countries with having some sort of public health care um and then working to normalize relationships with iran was unbelievable if that would have been something that would have continued into the future like thawing relations in that part of the world and getting the gulf states to just calm down with I'm the not, conflict like i'm not convinced obama was 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 doing that and i think in the past few months trump has these these historic peace agreements between arabic nations and israel yeah. and it's massive it is. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, it was, you know, it really kind of offended me. And it's very like, I don't, I don't take offense to many things, but it was when Trump crossed into the DM, crossed the DMZ into North Korea. To me, that was like, I was welling up. I was just like, wow. Cause, but, that, but all that was horrible. What do you that mean? was amazing. It was one it of the most one beautiful of the worst things, things that's ever happened. You I'm, I'm Korean. I, I, okay, my, I don't my, know how that, my, then you my, should be even more my, upset about it. Because, we, because Donald Trump with no security, with no security crossed into North Korea and, and a tremendous sign of good faith giving me hope that there was actually trust enough where the president theoretically or straight up risked his life. They could have just that, that, you know, that the North Korean soldiers grab South Korean soldiers and pull them into North Korea. Trump freely walked into the country with no security, shook hands, smiled and walked back. And I was that was huge to me. That's great. But at There's, the end of the day, all we did was we had a few friendly conversations with Kim. They continued working on their nuclear program. We all, made some concessions all, to them. After yep. nothing happened, like it, it, and it set back like work in that part of the I world. I disagree. Okay, well, I mean, Japan and South Korea disagree. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for for a variety of reasons, but South Korea, uh, my understanding is been working towards an agreement with North Korea that's been improving for quite some time. They have time. been, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it was incredible to see the president of the United States make that move. I guess for, it was for, just sad that, like, for a guy that talks about making deals so much and for an Iranian deal that we had gotten concessions out of that he'd completely dismantled, we went and we talked to North Korea and we got zero concessions out of them. And they expanded all of their training programs and everything. And yeah, their ICBM they, programs did, they, and everything. Did, they, they did. They did bad in a lot of ways and they, mm -hmm. they played Trump. But uh, I think that was tremendous. I think it's the kind of thing that needs to happen. Uh, whether or not it would have ultimately, re, you know, resulted in... Uh, restoration you know peace in the peninsula or whatever mm -hmm. it's hard to say but i thought it was a step in the right direction so i mean listen man the mm -hmm. president of the united states walking into north korea with no security is a big deal yeah i guess i don't really care but there's a uh, it didn't really accomplish much i got maybe symbolically it was nice but um i i guess um aside from foreign policy and healthcare, so you don't care much about healthcare. foreign policy is a big i care about health care uh let me let me clarify yeah go I think but when uh, I say you don't care about how I mean, it's, it's not like a key voting issue for you. You're not it's not going to make or break your vote. Or something. I think we should have universal basic level care. Mm -hmm. If you get a, you know sick, you can rush to the hospital. They'll give you Tamiflu, what you need. Mm -hmm. You break your hand. You can go to the doctor. They can set your broken hand. If you get more serious, rare genetic disorders that are very difficult, you sure. know, take, require more resources. That's where there it, there's, you know, private insurance is going to kick in to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. I think we can provide that, but it's going to be so limited and difficult to get. I think we need, we need some sort of, not necessarily, I wouldn't even call it a public option. It's a hybrid system of, there are a lot of people who, you know, kids, you hear the story, they get the flu, they die, or diabetics, they can't get insulin. Uh -huh. That's the kind of stuff that should be easily taken care of. Yeah, for sure. But when someone's got like a rare genetic disorder. Yeah, I don't think anybody is, 
They are. I've had the arguments. They, they sure, argue, there might be. You know. For Biden, for the administration that is coming in, the public option is the most voted, which is a multi-payer system. So you still have all your private health care if you want through your work or union or whatever, and then we have a public option, hopefully, for people that can't afford the it. The problem is getting there. What getting? What do you mean? Like, like legislatively or like uh, administratively? Everything, or? everything. And, and, and I don't think it's a good reason not to try. I think uh, with, the, with this system, even Bernie Sanders has acknowledged millions of jobs will be lost in the healthcare industry. Um, potentially, yeah. It's a, it's a problem. Sure. But jobs are never a good reason to keep any particular thing. Like dismantling right. the military industrial complex would cost a lot of private jobs oh, as well. Oh, of course. Right? right. Boeing, Lockheed, Martin, <laughs> um, Raytheon. Like these. Are, so, yep. yeah. So, I mean, like there's always going to be why, jobs. Right. Sure. That's why I'm uh, saying it's like the, a good reason to ignore mm-hmm. it. I'm saying it's something we have to overcome. For sure. So I don't, I, I don't see, uh, a, a good reason other than like the argument I hear from conservatives and I, and I respect it mm-hmm. is prices would be cheaper if we just had free competition in the marketplace with healthcare, mm-hmm. free of the regulations and all that stuff. And to an extent, I agree. But the problem is, I don't like, uh, I don't know, I lean left uh, uh, morally and ethically on the issue. So I like the idea that just because someone works at McDonald's doesn't mean they shouldn't be provided the care to like fix their broken hand or take care of their kid who's got the flu mm-hmm. because they can't afford you know market rates. A gra- a, 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 granted, the conservatives argue the market rates would be cheap enough for them if it was complete and totally free. I don't completely agree. I kind of agree, but I, I still... Sure. doesn't seem to work that way any other part of the world, but... Well, I mean, most of the countries have already instituted some kind of national healthcare system, and mm-hmm. it's due to long-standing... Like, Europe has a lot to do with World War II and stuff like that. Sure. I think the market would price itself in the sense that if they can't get customers to pay the bills, they'd have to figure out a way to improve it, but... Kind of. So I, market forces wouldn't exactly work that way. I, well, no, I, 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 right. I'm mm-hmm. saying... This, like, so, so, for instance, like, if I could do some surgery and I could sell it to 10 people for $100 or just one person for $1,000, it might make sense to just do the one person and ignore the nine, right? right? But market Agreed. forces are really good at setting prices and everything and the most efficient way to allocate capital, but when healthcare, we don't want to just allocate capital efficiently. We want to take care of our citizens. And make I'm, I'm totally for the mixed economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... The current system is great. That's why I don't like the far left, the socialist stuff. Sure. Like Bernie Sanders banned private health care. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah, that that's plan was insane. Yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. Uh, I think the challenge is getting to this position. And uh, I also believe in individual, like freedom of the individual, which case as a more libertarian leaning person, if you want to implement the system, it's done through cooperation. You, you have to convince the people we're going to do the right thing and we're going to make it work. Very difficult task to do. And that's the problem. I ultimately think it's the weakness of uh, not being an authoritarian who just imposes it upon people for the good of the people. Like, I know it's better for you, so we're doing it. In some cases, that may be, but I don't think it would, I don't think we're going to be happier living under one person who thinks they know better than us or a handful of people. Well, that's kind of what, I mean, like, if they impose it on us, I mean, that's, we kind of voted for it, right? Not necessarily. Uh, this, is, this is the challenge. And I think it's one of the reasons I love this country. It's a republic, which means there's minority strength. That, you know, you can get a president who didn't win the popular vote. That's mm-hmm. a good thing because you don't want just a majority to constantly push a, a majority opinion. Sure. But if we're pushing something that's making it through like the House, the Senate and the president signing it into law, there's a good chance that a majority of the American people are supporting this. It's highly Absolutely. unlikely otherwise. Yeah. I'm down for it. Yeah. Sure. For sure. And there's always going to be some minority of the country that's going to be bullied around by them, which is because exactly. nobody's 100 percent in favor of anything. So I, I, I think it's an issue. Right. I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think one of the one of the problems we have right now is when uh not to, I can't get into the specifics, but you know, Harry Reid did away with the, what was it, did, did the filibuster in 2013, mm-hmm. allowing for Trump to get okay, three yeah. Supreme Court justices in with a simple majority. Sure. This is some, the, this had been fought with, even under Bush, I think people have gone back and forth arguing whether or not the filibuster should, yeah. The problem, well, you, you used to need, I guess, you needed two thirds to get a Supreme Court justice in. Um, and then Harry Reid changed it to 51 simple majority. Kind of, yeah. For confirmation. We need, wait we, for what? For Senate, uh, Supreme Court confirmation. So was it Supreme Court? I thought these were for lower federal judiciary picks. Uh, 
My understanding is that's how Trump got three justices in with 51 votes. I think that was only done under, um, for, um, at the, yeah, or wait, never mind. Yeah. Under the last year of Obama. Yes. McConnell said, you'll regret this. Yeah. McConnell was the one that changed it for the Supreme Court picks, but that hadn't been done. No, no, no. It was Harry Reid. Are you sure? Yeah, because the Democrats were in the majority. And Mitch McConnell said, you will regret this sooner than you think. I wasn't aware that that was for that. I don't think that was for Supreme Court related stuff, though. That was for lower federal picks, was, is my understanding. McConnell was the one who first triggered that for a Supreme Court nominee under, for Merrick Garland in the last year of Obama's presidency. Perhaps. But I know that... Um, uh, roll Call says, if you don't like the Supreme Court, blame Harry Reid. Hmm. Yeah, because... But that was because of the threatening of the nuclear option for earlier and lower court picks. It hadn't been triggered yet for the Supreme Court. It's, it's a minor oh, okay. quibble, but um, yeah. All right, well, but, but, but arguably those threats and then undoing the filibuster for the lower court picks is what led McConnell to do it for the Supreme Court picks. But. I think we, it's, it, the best thing in the world would be needing two-thirds majority for approval of legislation. It would force— In the Senate? Bol- either, either. Oh, sure. Forcing uh, uh, the majority to cooperate and negotiate with the minority. You wouldn't get uh, ridiculous far left or far right or whatever. Mm-hmm. You'd get them saying, we want to pass this. Okay, well, you got to get us to agree with you. And that's good because it sure. keeps Although us. One of the problems we've had is how polarized and uncompromising it feels a lot of Congress is right now. I think it's better to have no movement forward than rapid, erratic bah, 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 back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of agree. But the only problem is that, that what happens then is that all of our movement comes from either executive actions or the Supreme Court, which. Yep, which is a problem, too. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just curious then. So for one other issue, because so healthcare, um, foreign policy, what what's like a third issue that you would like? And besides the critical race theory, like what's another thing that like, oh, like I would support Trump because of this particular thing? Um, hmm, it's a tough question. For for me, it had a lot to do with the riots. Absolutely. The critical race theory is huge. That may have overtaken, um, you know, like I said earlier in the year, I said I wasn't going to vote for the guy. But I think critical race theory played a huge role because that's deeply impacted my life. Not just in the sense that there's like this theory and people believe it, but the practical application of directly impacted the safety and well-being of my family and my experience and the stories I grew up. Hate it. 100%. Not the fact that the theory exists. I hate the practical application. So when Trump says, you know, we're issuing an executive order, probably would have done him well to read the theory a bit more. I was happy. I said, wow, that's that's great. I don't like this stuff. Good. I'm glad. Biden said he's going to overturn that and bring it all back. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a nightmare. The Democrats were trying to repeal the civil rights provision in their constitution with Prop 16 in California. I understand that California is one of the only one of the few states who actually has one, but it's still shocking to me that they were the Democrats all signed on both like state level and federal level were like, yep, we want to repeal this civil rights provision guaranteeing you can't discriminate on the basis of race because we want to. And I'm like, my understanding is that what starts in California makes its way to the rest of the country. I would not be surprised if Democrats in a few years vote to repeal the 1964 Civil Rights Act. No. Sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Have you, so you, 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 know, you know why, though, right? Um, why? They want the right to discriminate on the basis of race. Which... Sure, but I feel like um, I'm almost positive. Um, I looked this up once for, so I think the Supreme Court has already ruled that it is okay to discriminate against even protected classes as long as there's a, like, a business necessary reason to do so. Um, so like, uh, I looked this up. So for Acting. Instance, Huh, what? Acting. Acting and, uh, like, why can we have all-female gyms? You're discriminating against a, a gender, right. which is like a protected class, yeah. And the reason is because... Actu- the actually, but they're losing, I'm pretty sure. Are they? Because my well, understanding is that the reason why those did exist was because the Supreme Court ruled that in some cases, like, if it's business necessary, you can have, like, an all-female gym. It, like, that's an okay thing to do. It may be for gyms, but I do know that there is uh, a bunch of guys who go around suing ladies' night bars or, like, lady bars. 
Interesting. I haven't heard of that. I do know that one of the, money, I, I think one of the important parts of that Supreme Court case was that um, you are not allowed to have like other vital stuff going on in that business that would lead to that discrimination being negative. So for instance, if you had an all-female gym, that's fine. But if that all-female gym started to host like meetings related to some business activity, well, that's not okay because now you'd be discriminating against men. Going, I don't know if like the ladies bar issue is running into that or whatever, but I just, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like discrimination positive yeah, or negative or, people, yeah, sure. but so, that, so anyway long story short mm-hmm. that is a big issue for me i don't like it uh when trump started coming out against the riots mm-hmm. i was shocked to see the democrats supporting it uh either passively or directly like the defund the police stuff to me is absolutely insane sure and i i've been ragging on i rag on cops frequently like the cops in staten island who are barring this guy from you know from opening his bar to the public mm-hmm. even though he's not running the business he's just letting him have free drinks mm-hmm. they're violating the first amendment of the constitution the right to peaceably assemble. It doesn't say for what reason. So the fact that these cops are like, eh, I don't care, I'm going to do it. I rag on them all the time. I still think defund the place is nuts. And now we're seeing crime skyrocketing in you know, a bunch of different places. I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the big issues for me, though, was the, the midterm betrayal, in my opinion. The moderate Democrats who won 31 districts mm-hmm. flipping control of the House to the Democrats. Yeah. They said they were going to, they, they, they ran on kitchen table issues, the economy, healthcare, et cetera. They said that they weren't going to play Pelosi's game and be anti-Trump culture warriors. And then they did, and they came in and they said impeachment, and that was the name of the game. That was the big story. That's what carried through, and almost nobody stood up to them. I mean, I think the big problem with that was that those seemed to be the only games that would gain any traction. I think the problem is that the House, under those two years of Pelosi, the House passed like record amounts of legislation. McConnell did nothing. Literally, absolutely nothing could make it through the Senate. So at the end of the day, I mean, like impeachment over whether or not, I'm guessing you probably don't think the Ukraine stuff was legitimate, but whether or not it was, like that was literally the only stuff that they could actually get through or have any meaningful impact on in the House. Yeah, the Ukraine stuff is not legitimate. Okay. The Ukraine stuff? You said, did you say Iran stuff? Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But, I know, um, I know. <laughs> sure. um, but like, I, I mean, look, like, they were passing legislation with the House, but that's all they can do. I think I think a big issue with like the conversation I had with Vosh and even mm-hmm. with you is different sources of information. One of the things I brought up before for those that are listening before we went live was like, you can find a source that confirms your bias. And it's like really hard to break through this and figure out. You can what do is, that, yeah. I, I feel like you can go through credibility stories, but obviously most people never will. It I, seems like I you can reinforce whatever opinion you want to on the internet. I pull up. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Do uh, you know who Ryan Long is, the comedian? No, I don't. He 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 did a bit where he's like, he just basically says, if you like Black Lives Matter, you can say that they're doing good, or you can say they're bad. And he like just goes through all the articles that are like, and these are legitimate, like New York Times, Washington Post, mm-hmm. Telegraph, Financial Times. Where they just say contradictory things and you're laughing, seeing like a different headline every single day. It's the stupidest thing ever. Makes it impossible to track what's going on. I'll tell you, even with these lawsuits, like Trump wins one, then loses one, then appeals one, then loses the appeal, but appeals again. Mm-hmm. And when I say something, like I was talking to someone and I said, oh, did you hear Trump appealed? Oh, but he lost the appeal. No, 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 he appealed again. Wait, no, no, no. I just read today. It's like, I don't know which one is which. We don't know where he's at. So so anyway, when I look at Trump, I see uh, not that bad. I don't think he's... Uh, uh, I think in terms of foreign policy, uh-huh. he's better. He's he's what, what did Luke say? He's less of a stinky a hole than all the other presidents in our lifetime, considering not starting new wars being the big factor. I haven't followed it too closely, but do you know who's currently being accused of killing the Iranian nuclear scientist? Who Trump? No, I'm, I'm asking you. Oh, I, don't, no, no. I don't actually know. Israel. Okay. Israel. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if that was with. I, I've heard people say Israel. I don't know if that was with like a U.S. backing or assistance or not. Yeah, I don't like any of that. Uh, I don't like any of that. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I think under, uh, I, I kind of, it, it, the challenge is I'm watching what Trump is doing right now with the riots. That was big. What he's doing with critical race theory and what he's doing with 
at least trying to, be it ineffectively, withdraw our troops from the Middle East. Okay. I know what we get with Biden. I lived through eight years of it. So I'm not going to vote for that. Not only that, like, I think what Biden is, is selling you is snake oil. I know the left says the same thing about Trump. I think a lot of well, what, no, I think I think Trump would continue to do the things he's doing now. I just think they're all really bad. But I like understand. getting our troops out of the Middle East, he hasn't gotten our troops out of the Middle East. No, but trying to, he he continued trying to do yeah, it. But he's escalated tensions all over the world, every other country. He did it with Bolivia. He did it with Venezuela. He's done it with Cuba. He's done it with Iran. He's and done it with and Korea, under like. and with Obama, Biden, they literally entered a bunch of these countries. <laughs> well, they entered a bunch so, of countries: Syria, kind of Libya, sure, uh, Libya has been. and you know, I don't know. Do you think's nuts? Do you know who Sidney Blumenthal is? Uh, t- talk to me about her. He, uh, Sidney's a guy. He is um, a Clinton advisor from like the '90s and a really good friend of Hillary's and stuff. And so, like, ten thousand of the emails that Hillary had received were from Sidney. Uh-huh. And he had a company called Global Osprey, Osprey Global Solutions, which is an arms manufacturing company. So he would email Hillary and be like, "Hey, when you get us into Iran, we want to set up Osprey Global Solutions to fund these this new pro America government." And Hillary would be like, okay, Sid. And then she'd pass the email to her advisor. And then she advised Obama to take us into Libya. Basically, he's a, he's a you know, what would you call him? Uh, a gun runner and a really good friend right, of Hillary's. Okay, hold on. Because my Libyan knowledge is not that extensive. But my understanding is that the UN had accused and had proof that in Libya, Gaddafi was like literally using like chemical weapons and stuff against some of the people. That there were like human rights You trust the government? Were, I mean, more. I mean, Trump is the government. Right? Like, what do you mean? Barely the government. Like, Trump's barely the government. But I, I mean, like, when there's enough, like, global. Bo- Wait, do you think that Assad ever used chemical weapons in Syria? Definitely. Okay. So I, you I don't trust think Gaddafi. You don't think there were any human rights violations? Uh, I didn't say he didn't. I'm just wondering, like, like well, when they come out and say things, do you just like do you just trust? Them? I mean, I'm like, not saying, when I'm not well, like, a, a lot thing. of these bodies are like comprised of like multiple countries and whatnot. I guess it's possible that there could be some top-down, um, behind-the-scenes stuff going on. I'm just saying, but, I mean, like, it, like a, a lot of these issues come down to who you trust. Sure. For I don't. For I I was unaware. I didn't think it was that contested that there were human oh, totally rights abuses is. going on under 100%. Gaddafi. Oh, okay. There, there, there are people who think the the like, dude, the progressive anti-war leftists. Yeah, I'm aware of that. I don't. Yeah, they're like, it's all made up. Basically, it's not real. Every single bad thing around the world is the CIA and everybody else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. No. So I I say that trusting the government thing, not as a as, as a dig. I'm just you know like when when the U.S. government comes out and says we did a thing, it's like, I I would say I don't. Um but there's Occam's razor, I guess. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I, would, I would just put it this way. I don't trust the government, but I'd support the U.S. over a China different country. Or, right, sure. exactly, exactly. Sure, yeah. okay. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hillary Clinton, man. That's, an, that's the other big problem with the, with, with the Biden administration. He's bringing back a lot of these same people. And these are just some of the worst people imaginable. And it's true. Trump did the same thing, which is why I didn't vote for him. John Bolton. Wow. What mm-hmm. a mistake. The only real reason I voted for him was like, hey, maybe he'll keep trying to get our troops out of the Middle East. I'll just vote for it. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm not I'm not a MAGA hat wearing guy, not a flag waving guy. Mm-hmm. I do think, like I said, Trump is better than president, all the other presidents of my lifetime for the fact that he didn't start any new wars. Sure. I guess no, we'll no, see. No, no. Biden has written a lot about what he wants to do with Middle East related stuff, but I'm not. It's not going to be Biden. It's going to be. going to be Kamala Harris. Sure. But it's. That stuff is so difficult. I hope for the best. <laughs> um, because, because I mean, like, love him or hate him, uh, love or hate all the wars. We can't really just leave everything, right? Like, Agreed. Yeah, the vacuums I, 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 and everything created are. It makes it like everything is like very rough. In, in ISIS comes like, back. Yeah, ISIS or um, you know the the Taliban in Afghanistan and everything. And but uh, or, and like there's like so many. I, I was just studying Iraq. After we went into Iraq, basically they for first they fired fifty thousand civil servants that had worked for Saddam. Just mm-hmm. and this was all these unemployed people across the country, and then they disbanded the entire Iraqi military. 
So all the these big, unemployed, and then yeah, ISIS the got problem, created. The huge problem with the the coalition government. I think we said when Iraq, and I still have no idea why this happened. Was when we kicked everybody out of the government that was part of that government, that part of the Baath Party, is we literally said no. None of the people that were ever involved in any of these positions can ever hold like public office or whatever. And the amount of tomfoolery that went on in that government and how crazy everything became with how horrible the government we put together, the guy that we put in there, um, the, the Maliki guy, there was just so much mismanagement from that. Um, but r regardless of how all of that went down, I'm just, I'm not envious of being somebody that has to figure out how we leave the Middle East now because it's so rough in terms of like, because if you just pull everything out, a lot of vacuums are created. We've got all other allies in the region that get irritated. Um, like, you know, Israel or the Gulf states don't want to see like a united, uh, you know, like uh, Syria, Iraq, Iran, like this right. united front of people. And we, it seems like we've already kind of lost Iraq in terms of like being an ally. Like it's, it's a rough, I'm not saying, I don't support wars everywhere, but I understand the... Um, even we for can't. Trump, I understand the position. What's up? I with, just feel like we can't stay there. What's we up can't. with our troops in Pakistan? Luke mentioned that last night. I don't know anything about it. Oh, I don't know, but war's about to break out between, uh, you know, China, India, Pakistan. So U.S. has gonna... troops in Pakistan to observe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I know uh, the U.S. has troops and paramilitary groups all over the world in places you don't know about. We just had breaking news about a CIA guy dying in Somalia and some secret oh, yeah, military operation. Sure. I'm sure we have a lot of people in a lot of places. I think. I was talking, uh, do you know who Sean Parnell is? No. He's running for Congress. He's a Republican. And he said he doesn't think we can just pull out all our troops because that's how you get ISIS. You create this vacuum and then someone comes in. Mm -hmm. But he does think that we can dramatic, we can reduce it quite a bit and have a way drawn down presence and just kind of main help maintain. I think things. our problem ever since Bush, um, is we just don't have like a cohesive mission. And when you don't really have a clear objective, yeah. then like this, the, the one thing that we need to stop doing is having wars on things like a war on poverty, yeah. a war on drugs, <laughs> a war on terrorism. Like that, these things are going to exist throughout the entirety of the world. And when you're, when your objectives are so vague, you don't really know what you're like. When do we, you leave? know, yeah. you know, you know, you know, I made a video praising the Green New Deal before they announced the Green New Deal. Why? Because the idea initially was government investment in green technologies and energy uh, mm -hmm. energy that would bolster the economy, make us energy independent and environmentally friendly. That sounds great, doesn't it? That would be awesome if that's what the Green New Deal actually was. It, exactly. It's not. They want to change, dramatically change the economy. Yeah, They've got social like justice provisions. 20% of all companies sold to the workers, federal jobs guaranteed. Yep. There's a lot of other stuff baked into that. that yeah. Exactly. You, and you, that's, 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 that's another reason. I just bring that up because it's like, you know, it's funny... I guess I'm classified as right mm -hmm. for opposing the critical the critical theory stuff and supporting Trump primarily on the on the war stuff and the critical race theory stuff. Mm -hmm. But on like most other things, I say it all the time in like almost all my videos. It's the weirdest thing, but I, I understand when these people make these 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 super cuts of me to, to insult me. Mm -hmm. They purposely dodge the stuff where I've like ranted about Flint's water crisis. Sure. Over and over again. I'm pretty sure that we took a totality of YouTube content. You're probably being more critical of the left than the right though. Uh, I'm critical of the critical race theory left stuff. Sure. Yeah. But when I say things like, I understand why people are upset with police and police brutality, and I, had a, I did an hour-long documentary on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess the issue is, like, when I've criticized McConnell and the Republicans, it's because they're establishment crony politicians who just want to be in office to get their paycheck and do nothing. And then that's what they do. They, they do. What do they do? They obstruct. They block and they're appointing federal judges. I mean, that's doing something. I mean, to I their guess, credit, Republicans right. have done an amazing job in the Senate blocking. If you are a Republican, right. you should be happy with uh, with McConnell and they the Republicans are. in the Senate. They did a great appointing job. Appointing all those three, judges. They got three Supreme Court picks. They have appointed all the judges. Um, yeah, they, they've been doing a, a, a knockout job if you're a Republican, yeah. 
Man, everything's just so crazy and broken right now. Mm-hmm. It's, I just, you know, regarding pulling troops, that you reminded me when you brought up Sean Parnell and pulling out troops, creating a power vacuum. Mm-hmm. That what we did with the Iraqi government once our troops were in by disbanding their civil servants was we created a power vacuum without pulling our troops out. So pulling troops out is not the only way to create a power vacuum that can cause something like ISIS. We can leave our troops there and still cause that to happen. Yeah, depending sure. on how much you disrupt things, yeah. We got to go to Super Chats. Yeah, go for it. Because yeah. we were supposed to do it a long time ago, and we kind of yeah. just kept going. And sorry, just, yeah, sorry, we're go we're basically it. chilling and having a conversation. One hour um, later. <laughs> one hour later. Well, no, it's been 40, 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, 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 uh, are you okay with very spicy questions where people are mad at you? Yeah, of course. It's <laughs> right my whole on. life online. <laughs> well, here's the first one that comes up. Mr. Obvious says, Destiny said on camera that he lets his girlfriend sleep with other men. Is that true, or was that just a meme? <laughs> open relationships are pure cuckery. Um, I like open relationships. So for me personally, um, and I understand that everybody has their own thing. I don't think I could ever be in a spot of my life where I only want to have uh, sex with one person for the rest of my life. That is a hard sell for me. Um, so, so what you're really saying is that your girlfriend lets you sleep with other women. Well, yeah, and, and obviously, well, but it's equal. <laughs> you see how framing sides, works? Right? Sure. Right, yeah, right, right. They say well, but that's never how it's framed. Because exactly. It's funny because, like, sometimes, like, she'll complain that, like, she feels like um, it may be, like, I get around too much or it's not fair to her. But then when people, like, frame it in my relationship, it's that I'm literally sitting at home while she's bringing home, like, these massive BBCs that are just railing her and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, like, <laughs> crying in the corner or whatever. And it's like, okay. Um, different yeah. people from different communities have very different ideas of, like, how my personal life is. It's very funny to you see know, people uh, project their insecurities onto me. Do you know Jeffrey Miller? Nope. Uh, he's, he's like an intellectual dark web personality. Okay. So you probably, you know, assume some things about his personality in that context, but, uh, I think he's, he's real big into polyamory. So yeah, that's similar. technically what our relationship. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah right Have on. you, um, no, I don't want to derail too much. Did you hear Sam Harris recently on the IDW and all that? No. What did he say? Oh, you just, he kind of disavowed a lot of it, but I don't want to oh, paraphrase really? it. Yeah. He's, he's like really hardcore anti-Trump in a weird way. Like, I, by I all it. means. He's a good, he's a good <laughs> anti-Trumper. So there, are, there are a few people on the internet that were, I think, legitimately, like, centrist, um, but they built up very conservative audiences. Like, your audience, I think, is very conservative. You're not, even you're if, not correct. Okay. If I go and look at any, and I did this before I came here, because when you look at, like, any of the top comments on, like, all of your past videos, it's but all, But comments like, are very different. Comments are driven by controversy. So this, 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 sure. this, this stream we have is okay. one of the, like, one of the highest super chats we've done mm-hmm. because of the controversy. The comments of we're course. getting. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But, so, I, but, okay, so. I, I, okay, so I don't know if I can, we're not gonna argue over it, but like, um, there are some people that play a center role, but they end up building like very right leaning audiences. And whenever they clash with them, they run into huge problems. So Sam Harris, for example, do you know Thunderfoot? Mm. Yeah, 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 that was a guy that was there were a lot of like this is like the gamer thing. A lot of people came out and they're like, "Oh, I'm a centrist." They're probably more right than not. But Thunderfoot legitimately, I think, had like his principled stance on things. And anytime he would say anything negative about Trump, he would get slaughtered by his audience. For it. I will, I will say, it probably is uh, dependent upon um, where you are. Like to call someone conservative or liberal is, mm-hmm. is like it's extremely subjective. At this I point. kind of I look at the fan bases, I guess, when I think of like what kind of person is this person? Because usually the fan base can be pretty telling. Like, what kind of people do they attract? So we did a survey, and uh, I would say that if you were to combine the groups between left and right, mm-hmm. left slightly outranks right of my audience, but they're like moderates. Sure. They're not leftists. They're not hardcore. They're not even traditional liberals. They're mm-hmm. just like... And it's hard doing left and right because some people are very like single issue. Like there right, might exactly. be a lot of people that are literally just when it comes to the critical race theory, I, mean, I imagine because you talk about it quite a bit, they're like, that's like their one issue. So they might consider Big themselves to me. on it. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and foreign policy stuff. Sure. So initially I was like, Bolton, wow, Trump, I can't believe he's doing this stuff. It's so dumb. But the media certainly lies about him way too much. Some of the stuff is ridiculous. Unfortunately, which makes it really hard. Yeah. There's a lot of dumb mm-hmm. stories. Do you remember the fish food one? 
Yeah, with with Shinzo Abe. Yeah, just it's dumb, it's, it's exactly a lot of stupid stuff. Well, one of my but, but, favorite but also, things about Trump being out of office. One of the happiest reasons why he's gone. And I'm so looking forward to he's moving not gone past, yet. Well, not yet. <laughs> true. I'm looking forward to moving past the like all the SNL, the dumb skits and oh. the dumb jokes and all that. Like, I mean, dude, you know, I happy? legitimately hate Trump more than a lot of people. But even I'm tired of like all the like. Okay, you know, you know what I'm excited for is uh, the media just falling apart. Their ratings were in the gutter before Trump. Trump saved them, and even Twitter. I think there's always things in the media that they can criticize. I don't think they're going anywhere. John Stewart they has are. had a lot of people ask us with Stewart. They're like, oh, well, after Bush is gone, like, isn't the media going to have nothing to do? It's like, mm, I, they'll, they'll always carry on at some point. But he I disagree. did retire. I disagree. He, he did retire uh, after uh, that. Uh, what we saw before Trump was apocalyptic. Shane Smith, the CEO of Vice, said, we're, we're going to see a bloodbath in digital in the next you know year or so. Mm-hmm. But then Trump got elected. Or then, I'm sorry, before that could have happened, Trump started campaigning. And then all of a sudden, ratings on TV started skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. CNN's ratings started skyrocketing. Fox News, mm-hmm. YouTube viewership, everything started going nuts around Trump. Mm-hmm. If Trump, you know, uh, if, if, if this is the end, if he doesn't run in 2024, if he doesn't stay in public light, if he doesn't pull off some triple Hail Mary or whatever, mm-hmm. Twitter was bleeding users before Trump started, you know, before he got elected. Media companies were downsizing and laying people off over, like endlessly, even in the past few years mm-hmm. without Trump. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Trumpism, I guess they're going to talk about whatever. Maybe, yeah. We'll see what happens going forward. All right, let's read, let's read some more of these uh, yeah. Super Chats. Uh, a lot of people who uh, don't like you. Joanna Davidoff says, Guy came out of his basement to get on Tim's show. Question? Uh, nice. I've <laughs> been living on my own for the Solid. past, like, 15 years. I just read that okay. one. Seriously. The projection is real. Go ahead. All right, let's see. Luke Durkin says, Destiny, if trans men equals men, then men equals trans men, correct? Mm, no. He says, same. Well, so there's a category error, right? So um, if uh, if uh, if green beans equal vegetables, do vegetables equal green beans? So like if you want to broaden the category of men to include trans men, just because all trans men would be in the category of men doesn't mean that all men are in the category of trans men. It's like a subset of the other. Whether or not you agree with That's trans issues or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't logically follow. He so. says, same for women. So we are we all trans? YouTube blocking me, hence the use of he. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you clarified that. Sure. Shadi Viceroy says, here's something crazy. How about the government stops dipping their grubby hands out of my pockets? You lock me down, I lose my job, I lose my house, and then I end up on the streets because the government decided my rights are uh, sidestepped because of a disease. That's horrible. There should be more stimulus. You know what, though? I think, uh, I think one thing I definitely should say is people don't want to be dependent on the government. They don't want to rely on stimulus. I think that's true of almost everybody. Yeah. I don't. So what if people just said, no, we don't want to do that? What you don't want? No, I, I think it's true of almost everybody that nobody wants to be reliant on stimulus. Like, people like to work and feel like they're... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then the natural recourse, I guess, would be for people to say, protect the vulnerable, but open the economy so I can work. I think people in Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea all like to work, too. And they somehow manage to lock down for a little bit, keep the virus under control, open up, go back to They don't work. have the same constitution we do, though. That's, that, that's crazy. Sure, problem. that's a legal... We're talking legal versus philosophical argument, right? right? Philosophically, I think that it's okay to take a break for two months and get everything under control and then go back to work. Um, legally, I don't know if there are grounds for it. I know people have fought a lot over how much the president can do in terms of enforcing lockdowns. Yeah. They bring up stuff we did under the Spanish flu and how much the government did there. I, I don't know the legal arguments there. I, I think even a lot of legal people don't know the arguments. They're not sure. What do you think about universal basic income? Um, I'm a big, like... Um, I have some like fundamental principles. I think everybody in society um, ought to have the access and the opportunity to do whatever they want in a happy, healthy manner. Um, if UBI is the way to get there, then cool. 
Um, I know they were running a few UBI experiments in Canada. Not I a think. fan. Although you're not a, you're not a fan, or I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of UBI. Oh, I, if UBI is one of those things that works really well, if we like do this like in a state or whatever, and it's like wow, this actually like enabled so many people. Then yeah, go for it. Um, but if not, then yeah, I, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I don't, yeah, more I don't like there. unemployment insurance because if you get a job, you lose it. So there's an incentive to not get a job to continue to collect your unemployment. Yeah, there's a guy on uh, Twitter, Med Medlock. I don't know if you ever he fights a lot. I fight with this guy a lot on Twitter, but there's um th- there's an interesting argument to be made about like marginal ta- marginal tax rates basically that um when you have these programs for poor people what happens is is that as they earn more money in a roundabout way they're kind of sort of getting penalized for it in increasing manners because the um welfare that they're receiving is like dropping off um which is an interesting argument. I don't know if I believe it, but basically the idea is that like if you get unemployment insurance, you're in a way punished for working because as you start to work, you're really not right. making as much money, right? And then UBI wouldn't taper off. You'd always continue to get it as yeah, you got better job. Yeah. That's, that's that what would, I like. Just, it's it. one of those things where I'd have to see how it plays out. All right. Yeah. Trucker and Tura says, lock everything down. How do you get food? It doesn't just appear on the shelf. I am a part of the supply chain for that. We would be forced to be slaves working while y'all get to sit home. Nah, man. You're already slaves working. I'm sorry. It's a capitalist economy. Well, so, if you want to eat and have food and, uh, well, so, and have like a home, you're already slaves to the economy. So mm-hmm. I guess in the in the sense that we, we did it mm-hmm. or we could do it, we did have a complete total lockdown for two months. Absolutely not. That. Not in the United why, States. Why not? Because because most restaurants are still seating people indoors. Most places were still open. Oh, you mean in the country? Yeah. Wait, what were you talking about? Just like we, we, we had the lockdown in like New York, for instance. It didn't work. Um, my understanding is that the the states in the Northeast, I'd have to look at the coronavirus charts, but the states in the Northeast that did lock down did a really good job of bringing infections under control. I'm pretty it sure all came back. Good. Well, it, as you relax the restrictions, it comes back, of course, yeah. So that means we're just going to lock down forever? Um, it means that you have to be more careful about the measures that you take in terms of, like, opening and closing and, like, the responsible, uh, like, things so, that you do. So for... New, York, New York locked down hardcore. Mm-hmm. And they the did, old... and they brought the infection rate down hardcore. And then they started to reopen, and mm-hmm. it just came right back. Sure. So then, so you you have to work on tapering on and off. Basically, the goal is you have to make it's sure unten- that's untenable, man. Come on, it's not untenable. The goal is to make it so that you don't overflow your hospital. Well, you which said- for the most part, the United States hasn't done so far. Well, so, so I'm hold, not hold, saying hold. that you lock it down and the virus is gone forever, right? Even in Australia, it came back. In Victoria, they had that huge spike, so, right? So. Mm-hmm. We just locked down for two months, open for two months, locked down for two months. I, I think the goal would be to have it like it doesn't feel like in the United States we have a good sliding scale of like lockdown level one, two, three, four. Like we're locked down now. And then it's like, OK, well, we're kind of open. Like I think Florida, Georgia, some southern states have done this where it's like, OK, hold on, guys. We're and then it's like, ah, it's screwed. Just everything's open again. I think that if you have like the more measured, like we can do this and this and this and you slowly expand it. Cases rise, you close, you open. We, we're waiting for the vaccine. Like I think that's kind of how you have to play it. Ideally, we haven't hit the point yet in the United States where hospitals are like overflowing that much. I think a couple counties in Texas complained about it. But, it's been specific hospitals. Yes. Yeah, and then there's hospitals. a lot of empty. I know that California has been projecting that over Christmas, if cases continue to rise away, where we might get overflowing. Um, that's like the so. doom. Yeah, hopefully not. But that's like the doomsday scenario that we're trying to avoid. Um, and so far, we've skirted that, although economically, we've suffered a ton of harm for it. I, I guess the retrospective on this will be very interesting. Prakar J says, LOL, Destiny got Tim to admit Trump equals incompetent. I don't think that person watches any of my videos. Like, there's a reason why the, the Trump forums, they called me a bald cuck and they make fun of me because I've never been like waving, waving a MAGA flag. I've been saying things like, I think he's not that bad. I think there's a bunch of things he's done that's way better. I think Joe Biden, I, I got a really negative Joe Biden thing because of the Obama administration and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like we, in the conversation, I was talking about his lawsuit. I talked about it earlier that uh, I got I got ragged on pretty hard for criticizing Sidney Powell. And now look what's happening. They're criticizing Sidney Powell. Mm-hmm. People don't watch my content. 
you know, and then they come in here and they, they, have, an, they have an assumption about me. I'm sure you get the exact same thing. Sure. Bug Pop says common, cheap and well-known promising drugs was reassuring. Consider placebo and nocebo effects. Some people with terminal cancer prognosis die before cancer becomes fatal. Nocebo highly correlates with high stress. I'm not sure what that was uh, in reference to. I think to. he's trying to say that Trump lying about the threat of the coronavirus was better mm. for the overall health of the country, which can be true, but that's mm. only if you're doing work in the background. So, for instance, if we're telling a cancer patient, maybe if we're being a little bit optimistic, that doesn't mean we halt all treatment and halt all cancer research. I might be a little bit nicer to you about the outcome of your chemotherapy, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop giving you the drug. Sejong the Great says, I was literally watching the videos on election night of the booting, the boarding of the tabulation rooms, etc. Destiny is regurgitating nonsense. So there were videos uh, from a bunch of different states. Like I watched a ton of live election coverage that night. I just like you said it yourself. I, I agree with you that it's really hard to watch one video and figure out what's going on. Like totally, there is so totally. much. Like one video is posted, and then and and I and I have to be careful because like I don't want to be eating. You know, my there's an expression for this, but like I don't I don't want to like be totally wrong. Where like two days later, it's like you retweeted this video. Didn't you know that this happened two months ago? Or like this was like a four-year-old video. It's like, oh shoot, oh I didn't know, right? People a lot got of people some people that. with that. People got some people with that with the uh, um, look at how horrible these uh, uh, immigration camps are, or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's home. It's like, oh well, these pictures were under Obama's administration. Right. It's like, oh, shoot. there's a video of a guy getting arrested, mm -hmm. and then everyone said it was a COVID arrest, but it had nothing to do with COVID. It was sure. from years ago. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I I try like it's you can paint whatever picture you want with a 20-second clip on Twitter, and I saw this with uh, with the Rittenhouse stuff. Oh my goodness, I saw so many different things based on some videos, and it's like, okay. Oh, we got you here. Marty says this guy contradicted himself the moment he admitted he's very wealthy, wealthy in the beginning. Lockdowns hurt the middle class. Government supports the poor. $1,200 is not going to save the middle class families from losing everything. He'll be okay. I don't deny that at all. The Trump administration has been great for me. This election is awesome. <laughs> this election is a win-win for me because I no, save more taxes money. are going to skyrocket. Well, they are now, but, yeah. it, that's not, but I still get to gloat over Trump people. But if Trump <laughs> would have won, I'm probably saving more on my taxes than the average Trump voter earns. So it's a win-win for me. I mean, like, if you want to keep voting in a guy that's not going to help you and is going to give more money to people like me, I'm okay with that. Um, at the end of the day, none of this lockdown stuff hurts anybody in, in my position. Of course not. Online content creators, we yep. are, like, perfectly positioned to get richer off of this conflict. Yep. But— when I vote, I try to keep in mind like the general well-being of the population. I'm not. Well, that's voting. what they're saying. What do you mean? Like I said, I feel the exact same way. I think Joe Biden's going to be bad for everybody. Oh sure. Well, I'm just saying this guy was trying to make an argument that I'm better off under the um, lockdown. Of course I am. Oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I, I think there should be more stimulus though. A single $1,200 check is a joke. Totally, I agree. Uh, I don't like the idea of endless stimulus though. I think I don't either. Sure. I, I think if we did the lockdown, then we got to protect the vulnerable and open it back up. Un just, unemployment insurance is en endless stimulus. Well, no, those are usually mm. capped on a certain number. I think they extended yeah. the unemployment and, under and, and, the. And it, and it, I guess, yeah, right, Obama extended it a long time ago, but that that, that that's it's that's no there's no money. It's not not a lot of money. It's but it, there will always like, be people receiving it. Yeah, sure, sure. but we're In talking essence, about like unlimited. he's talking about paying every citizen not to work for extended periods of time, which yeah, is yeah, a little yeah. bit farther than unemployment insurance. Right? I think we got to take a middle road approach. I suppose we did the lockdowns, we tried it. Okay, now we do. Now we slowly reopen. We take social distancing measures, we wear a mask, we protect the vulnerable, and we get the economy back in, 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 in high gear. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully I mean, the mortality, up. the mortality rate's 99.9% uh, for people, uh, or survival rate, I'm sorry, not the mortality well. rate. Like, Let's go. <laughs> the survival rate for people under 70 is like 99.9% for above. It's really high, yeah. Complications, but the people that go to the ICU, that's the thing. That, this has always been the scare, to be clear. Um, every young person could be infected and like, we we're probably yep. not going to die. The, 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 the scary part is just that like, of the 5% or 10% of people that are infected that need to go to the ICU, if those beds run out, then you run into like, your death rate will skyrocket. It's the comorbidities that concern me. 
Well, that's that's it's comorbidities that basically are the, like the Those are what kill a, the you. rickety bridge yeah, and then like the COVID obesity. Breaks it. You know, is this just yeah. inevitable anyway from the obesity epidemic? Well, I would say partly. I mean, comorbidities are bad, but if anything, that's even more of a reason to be safe about things, right? Like we have comorbidities in this country that are going to make you more. There's got to be a compromise where at a certain point we say, okay, the, we tried, we did the lockdowns, now we got to get back to work. Yeah, of course. Because starvation I didn't think we'd be locked down poverty. This much. Yeah, for sure. Or we, we had, need uh, more stimulus. But, yeah. Stoley Clark says, on your show, you've had self-made entrepreneurs, dignified family men. Then there's this guy. This is why the majority of people know there's about to be a civil war. This guy is an embarrassment. We all need to get ready for a fight day by day. That's where it's going. You're an entrepreneur, right? Uh, yeah. Actually, I, was, I think I was, I was in the first, if I wasn't the first, I was in the first group of people to quit their job and do online streaming full time. I wasn't the first one. I was in the group of the first people. So nice. I was going to say something before when you mentioned that my audience was mostly conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest bracket is actually like libertarian types. There's probably an, of that kind of conservative. There's probably an but. overlap, but I think there. Do you know about the Jonathan Heights research in uh, uh, Moral Foundations? No. What about it? So there's originally there were five. Now that now they say there's six. They added liberty because they found libertarians have one moral foundation: liberty. But it's uh, I'm, I'm probably going to miss them. There's. Uh, um, you know, what is it? Care, fairness, sanctity, Charity. authority, yeah. and what is it? Loyalty? Oh, I think so, yeah. And liberty, I think. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And uh, liberals operate on two, care and fairness. They okay. don't really register with the other other four. And libertarians operate solely on liberty. So there's a big difference between... The, like, li libertarians and conservatives probably overlap on certain issues, mm -hmm. but that's the big difference. We I did an event, we did a survey, and we found that... Uh, the like the the biggest share was probably like moderate libertarian types. Okay, a lot of Trump supporters though, like a, like like thirty percent or so. But then sure. like the bigger you know was outside of that. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Andrew Bishop says I'm in Australia and I know that people were, I know P I know that people were kicked out and not let into some PA's voting stations to observe. Did he say he's in Australia? Yeah. Okay. Known this since the election. Wow. Andrew, that's horrible. Buffalo Bill says, how about the PA court changing voter law, not the legislature? Well, oh, that was the Supreme Court ruling on, uh, what was that, on, on, on the deadlines or whatever? I don't... Yeah, I think that was the one case that they won, right? Where they said that, like, this, you didn't have the authority to do this, if that's what he's referring to. I don't remember the specific case, but I know there was one where somebody tried to change a deadline that they didn't have the authority to do. It wasn't over yeah. whether they should or shouldn't, but it was they didn't have the authority to do that particular thing. Tommy Allen says, has he read the Great Reset Plan? It's awful. You'd have to be uneducated to think it's good, lockdowns aside. Did you read The Great Reset at all? Or? What is The Great Reset plan? Is uh, it just the idea of making stuff more, like, green-friendly? It probably like would have been more fair if we actually pulled up and read through a lot of it, but mm -hmm. it's very much like... It's like a 10-point plan. The, pro the, thing yeah. that I, the problem that I have with a lot of grandiose stuff like that is that um, you can phrase a lot of that to sound good, but these could be, like, very different depending on how you implement them. So, like, if somebody, for instance, says, like, we have a plan to make, like, buildings more energy efficient, like... One way to do that could be federal funds that, like, you know, reinforce or, or change the structure of buildings such that they're more energy efficient. Or it could be, like, a $7,000 tax on, like, every, you know, thing you can say. Like, there's, like, right. way different ways. It could like be some mass conscription, you know? Yeah, sure, yeah. To have the like, National yeah. Guard That's do it. The only reason why I don't usually like, like, vague, broad plans of, like, this is how we're going to go green. And it's like, okay, well, show me, like, what you actually want to do. Like, I don't care what your mission is. I like Andrew is. Yang because of that. He was very transparent with well, this. Well, because he had one thing. It was $1,000. <laughs> Month, right? Didn't he have like a huge uh, government? I know plan that he talked he... a lot about like automation and stuff, but the one point they hammered home all the time was the UBI. Yeah, stuff. he got pigeonholed. We, we, UBI. we have a super chat. They say that you push Mongo. Is that true? Manga? Mongo. Do you push Mongo? That's very offensive. Mango? I'm kidding. Mango? It's a skateboard I'm so thing. Confused. Oh. It's, uh, someone <laughs> said, Tim, don't worry. This guy pushes Mongo. What is Mongo? Oh. So 
uh, in skateboarding, when mongo is when you take your front foot off the board and push instead of your back foot off the board. And backwards. No, it's not goofy. It's, oh, no, it's no. called mongo. What the fuck? Yeah. So uh, goofy is when your right foot is mm-hmm. pointed forward. Regular is when your left foot is forward. Mongo is when in either position you take your front foot off. So you, you essentially have the full end of the board with no foot on it. It's like very improper, and people are making a joke about that it. Dude, horrible. last night they were yep. all over me. I had to, I had to, I had to read it because I thought it was funny. Wow, all right. So the, there's a, uh, there are a lot of super chats where they don't like you. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them. <laughs> but read as many as you want. I don't care. It's fine. I, I just want to get to more substantive oh, yeah, points sure. where you know people are just saying things like you know mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, let's see. Courtney Gray says, "Destiny, you are not bringing anyone over to your views. Vinegar versus honey. If you want to change people's minds, then lose the snark and ad hominem." I don't think I snarked or ad hominem that much in this conversation. <laughs> I thought um, it was okay. Yeah. I think it's There fine, are definitely whatever. ones where I do more, and there are definitely ones where I try to be more compromising. Um, it, it really just depends on the audience. depends on the setting. With this audience, I notice, I don't want to be too general, but when I start to dump on Trump, if I just start to insult him, people get really angry at the other stuff I say in the conversation. If I don't sure. trash Trump, I don't think that's true. It, I've noticed it, a trend, because a lot of people that watch this show seem to love him. Well, you're looking at the comments. I look at the comments. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the text comments. Yep. That's why a lot of the comments are making fun of me quite a bit as well, especially yeah. now. Oh, Let's really? see. Dom D says, love the show. Well, like I, like I mentioned on the, on the Trump forum, they're posting memes about me making fun of me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I didn't get on board with the voter fraud stuff, like to a hardcore degree. Like my, it was really funny. There's a, uh, the transparency tube thing. There's a tracking of who supports and opposes Trump's view on, uh, on, on voter fraud. Mm-hmm. And they had me listed for the most part as supporting his view. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I like, that's not true. And so I told him, like, you guys, did you actually watch my videos? And then they changed them to other, like, neither opposing or supporting. I'm like, there you go. Because okay. <laughs> I've, I've, I have I've, just said, there's evidence. Here's the evidence. Is it proof? No. But we need to investigate. It's not, you know, same position. Let's see. Dom D says, love the show. I know this is a big ask, but I would love to be on your show. It's the most exciting time, terrifying time for our country. And I'd love to hash it out. I message you on Parlor, Tim. Please reach out. Also would like to help with future projects. Well, I guess the issue is... We always try to have guests that are, um, without being rude or anything, like just just relevant to the certain, like to, to the, you know, to something going on. I think in your uh, instance, for one, I think people were tweeting you at me, and then I think mm-hmm. you tweeted at me or whatever. But also, we literally are going through this election period right now. I thought it'd be good to bring on. Sure. Uh, we're, we also we're, we're going to be having a progressive political candidate coming on at some point. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a really interesting conversation. This is the kind of stuff that I think is particularly relevant for uh, what's going on right now. In the future, I'll probably have a rock star of some sort on or, you know, we'll see what happens. Whatever. Walking Tour says, not trusting either Tim Pool or Destiny makes this better. Wish Tim had been better. He could have been the best, but our gen, uh, the best of our gen, but sold out licking Trump. Yeah, well, there you, know, there you go. Okay. Hot super chats tonight. Spicy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> My tongue's burning. Bernard Kim says, Tim, Occam's Razor, Destiny. It's complicated. Some people are saying, uh, sorry, sorry, Tim, tapping out only so much libtardness a man can take in one night. Okay. <laughs> it is exhausting to witness. Um, libtards? No, no, no. <laughs> like um, cognitive dissonance. When you see things that oppose your worldview, it actually requires it glucose to, to process yeah. it, it seems oh, like. Sure. It is healthy and strengthens your mind to listen to conversations that like this. correct. You, you, by all means, please hate both of us. All three of us. All four. Yeah, Just don't, yeah, me too. Don't Not trust. Me. I like that comment. Don't trust, trust anyone here. Listen to it and then do your own research to figure out if it's That's real right. or not. That's right. me. I need it. MW says, Tim, having a conversation doesn't mean bend over and let him run a train on you. Well, uh, if, this is what I was saying, like, 
if you have an opinion and you're like, in my opinion, Trump didn't do a good job. What am I supposed to say? Well, your opinion is wrong. Well, I you can't re- say that. You have an opinion. Okay. No. You know, whatever. Like, what am I going to, you know, it's, if you argue that, like, we, we're talking about Michael Flynn, for instance. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where it's like, well, hold on. Let's talk about the facts. But if you don't like what Trump has done, when I, when I had Vosh on, it was like, by what metric do we gauge Trump's job on the coronavirus? Because it's one president in one country and like this COVID didn't happen in the United States at a different time and countries are all different. Mm-hmm. So it's either you like Trump and you think he's doing a bad job and here's why, or you, or, or, or you like Trump, and you think he's a good job. Here's why, or you hate him and he's doing a bad job. Here's why, or there's a middle ground of some sort, whatever. Mm-hmm. MD Lego says this conversation is a prime example of why civil strife is inevitable. Neither side will concede, even when presented contrary facts are proven wrong, just to flack onto other and finger point. That's not true. I, I, in, in one instance, I'd actually, you're right on that. I should walk that back on times to be Sullivan. And we actually have been very calm in our disagreements. This is a, this is an excellent indication of there doesn't have to be any kind of conflict. We're just chatting. Yeah, I know. Okay. I find it like friends hanging out, but we just happen to have cameras on. And that's and the kind of point. You know I mean? That's sure. all. Yeah. I think we probably have a couple of, I think of core, like philosophical disagreements over yeah. how to run things, which probably is where a lot of our larger. So for instance, when you say you vote for yourself and not for other people, that would probably be like a core philosophical agreement. We'd have to hash out to truly like, it's actually more nuanced than just to say it like that. Yeah, I'm sure. Because yeah, the foreign not, policy yeah. stuff clearly isn't for me. Co- sure. Of course. But, yeah. but what I mean to say is like, I can't vote based on what other people are thinking. I don't know. I can't vote so, for someone else. Yeah. When I, yeah. When I see a policy, I only know how it makes me feel and what I think. Sure. And, it, and when it affects other people, I take issue with it. Sure. The healthcare stuff is like grandiose and confusing in a lot of ways. Yeah, I understand. Dropping bombs on foreign countries, I think, is kind of easier to understand, you know? Sure. I used to easier. be like full um, universal healthcare. And then I started thinking maybe we should only cover like uh, acute we, we talk health, about it. but yeah, not like- chronic health because I feel like people are poisoning themselves with food and then they go to the hospital and I got, why would I pay for someone else's poor dietary choices? But then there's things like type 1 diabetes where like genetic disorders that are chronic. So maybe certain types of chronic. It's unfortunately with healthcare, I say unfortunately, it'd be nice if there was like a merit-based way of covering certain people, but you kind of have to just do it all because it's really hard. Even with like type 2 diabetes, some people are prone to it. Some people aren't with the same exact diet and lifestyle. Like I got, we got a super chat. I think we definitely got to read it. It says, uh, tribe and clan says, great to hear destiny making excuses for violent rioters because Orange Mad said something to disagree with. No humanity with this guy. Trump derangement at its finest. I thought that was interesting because you got booted from the partner program on Twitch for defending Kyle I've Rittenhouse. taken heat from both ends of this. So <laughs> my stance is so incredibly clear on this, and I will repeat it one more time. If you want to riot, I support your ability to riot to the ends of the earth. If it's against public institutions, rioting against private individuals, is that's just larceny and burglary and theft and vandalism. I don't ever, wow. ever, ever support that. One million percent. Um, but I, people on the right tell me that I'm pro rioting against everybody. People on the left tell me I'm pro uh, hit squads destroying. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, but like, I, like That's I, my, an interesting my position. Viewpoint, I, I think it's super easy. It's I've always had the same position on self defense. If you want to defend your property, that is your right. Like it's one of the most important things. It's one of the most fundamental things of property rights and the ability to defend the stuff that you own. You train hours of your life. Um, you trade hours of your life to acquire the stuff. You can defend that. But um, you know, if you want to go riding against like a police station, these are public institutions funded by public money. They represent the government. Um, it's a way more powerful message than just like blowing up a car dealership i don't like the rioting i think protest whatever the problem i have is just like violence against other people yeah it's it's, it's a challenge though because at a certain point like when, when i had vosh on he, he, he mentioned is political violence ever acceptable like what about the jews rising up against the nazis i'm like for sure i get it you know what i mean like yes there, there is a point at which you have to fight back and defend mm-hmm. yourself there's also though we also have to acknowledge that political violence has to be a last 
option or, yeah. or near the lesser because exactly. otherwise you're in you get it's it you get always... into very weird areas very quickly you know yeah. like could i be violent against republicans for like immigration policy if you sure are you somebody that's impacted like there's like a lot of stuff and i think you can justify some of these but it gets really weird if you start saying everyone should act on it because then we're basically all killing each other all the time for everything <laughs> you know mitch stew says everyone drink when destiny says he's the commander-in-chief a deflection from Trump being one man facing American bureaucracy. That one man is the head of our military, a.k.a. the commander-in-chief. So, <laughs> well, 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 I'll well, drink to that. Check it out. Happy Little Tree says, uh-huh. as a fan of Tim Pool and of Destiny since the root days, yeah. this wow. might have been one of the best podcasts in a while. Thanks, wow. both of you, for doing this. Cool. What's Gotta the make root? sure I read the, What's the, root the positive days? ones. Huh? The StarCraft 2 team I was on. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> What's your race? Uh, I'd say like half Cuban, half European. No, so no, no. Your StarCraft race. Yeah, sorry. Oh, you're a Zerg. Yeah. Vanessa Stoller says, I want this elite shill to go to Flint and tell them that trade agreements are good for them. Tell them their poverty is good so other countries can come out of poverty. Uh, what does it say? First, uh, one CE, he said this. It was obvious. Well, once he said this, it was obvious he is a CNN shill. Okay. I mean, like, you can say the same. I want you to go to other countries, like in Southeast Asia, that have been, like, gaining so much economic power because of the liberalization of trade between them and other countries and tell their global poor that, like, you guys don't matter. You shouldn't have access to this stuff. Like, go away. Like, we're not going to trade with you anymore. Like, suffer in your own countries. I mean, like, you can play that all day. It's a nationalist versus internationalist view. It's a dumb versus versus an actual economic point of view. The reality (laughs) is, is that trade agreements. See, that's the snark. Trade agreements increase wealth for everybody broadly, but some people are negatively impacted, and those people have not been taken care of. That's the problem. If we do trade agreements, we should do them, but we need to take care of the people that get negatively impacted by them. We don't do a good job of doing that. Slagle Custom says, the very beginning of COVID-19, Trump held a live interview with every single governor in the United States and discussed what they needed and who to contact both in private and public sector and took suggestions to improve. He actually did get praise from Cuomo and Newsom and uh, one other Democrat, I think, too. I can't remember which one. Maybe Murphy. They said that he was doing a great, great job in helping them out, and it was tremendous. Yeah, in regards to some specific things, I believe Cuomo was specifically talking about getting um, equipment from the federal government in terms of PPE and, like, ventilators and stuff. I think he did say, like, yeah, this was good that they were able to uh, supply us with that. Jeremy Landry says, Destiny, I disagree with a lot. I disagree with a lot of what you said, said tonight, but thank you so much for coming onto this show and exposing me to your arguments. Yes, indeed. That's what it's all about, man. Expose myself any way you want me to. <laughs> no, yes. no, don't say that. <laughs> Final why Kayser says, I love Ian. He's the best. Even if I disagree sometimes, he's a solid, genuine dude. Yeah, that's great. Gotta you, read Mark the positive Kayser. ones, yeah, too, because like they're constantly yeah. like, it's you important. all suck. Because it's like brainwashing. <laughs> yeah. Pep everybody up there. Yeah, man. Thanks, dude. Neon Noir says, Tim Pool, don't you dare skip this. Destiny, you are a beta male. <laughs> what? Good one. Nice. I had to read it. He told me I had to. Okay. Tommy Allen. you have to. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Uh, Lalaren says, nice to see Destiny on your show, Tim. Best to worst shows on YouTube are America First, Steve Franson, Tim Cast, Destiny, Stephen Crowder, David Pakman, Vosh, Shapiro, TYT. Oh, best to worst. TYT. Wait, where on the was I on list. that list? Uh, like you're four, actually you're five. actually right next to me. Oh. So in uh, third or fourth? Fourth, and I'm in third. Behind somebody so, whose first place was Nick Fuentes' show. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> oh, that shows you. Wow, but uh, that person holds you in uh, uh, in decent regard. decent wow. esteem. That's you know, great. Look at that mix. I like that. America First and Shapiro. <clears throat> Jeez. All right. Let's see. What a broad media consumption. You, ca- like you kind of yeah. look like Seamus like Coughlin. Do you know he does freedom tunes? I, I don't know. Not really. You kind of look like Seamus. Okay. Tommy Allen says you want a USSF uh, officer to come on and chat about anything not against the UCMJ, especially conspiracies. I'd wreck Ian. <laughs> wait, wait. Tell me that again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? The gauntlet's been USSF? thrown. A USSF officer to come on and chat about anything not against the UCMJ. I don't know these things. I wish I knew what those letters stood for. <laughs> Google it. He'll look it up. All right. All right. We'll take uh, we'll take one more, and then it's like eleven forty. So we really went long. Woo. 
Irishman says if there was no government intervention in healthcare, it would be cheap and easy like McDonald's because it was the cheapest and best in the world in the 1950s before insurance. Insurance is the problem. Jesus Christ, educate yourselves. Think. I, I, I brought that up. That was the argument from so the right. Here, this, so here's something from a, from a computer programmer perspective, okay? From somebody that's absolutely not a programmer, okay? Anytime you go to make a new project, the number one question you always ask yourself, and anybody, that, and I know there are a lot of programmers, the first thing you ask is, has this been done before? Because you do not reinvent the wheel on anything. Business owners will do this. Anybody that's starting any kind of business, what you do is you find out, okay, well, what works? And then, hey, if this works, copy it. Because if I'm going to pay somebody hours to work on something, I'm not going to pay you to do something that somebody else has already done for me. Why would I do that? When it comes to healthcare, every single other OECD country in the world has some form of at least multi-payer system, except for like, I think like Switzerland. There's like one other country that doesn't, one really small country, uh, or like Luxembourg or something, I don't know. But like everybody else does this. It seems to work exceedingly well for most people. If you look at how much money we spend, we spend so much more than everybody else and we don't have outcomes to show for it. It's horrible. Um, like, I just, like, we can try to theorize, like, the we do, optimal we, healthcare system or whatever, but, like, why dude, not just copy we do it? We do have better technology, better access, better treatments. The only reason... Technology, yes, access, yeah. no. We, the reason right. we don't have yeah. universal healthcare is because the insurance industries are predatory and they're bribing uh, politicians. It is simplistic, but it's also Occam's razor. It's in the, so in, obvious in, in that Europe, the resistance that's generated in by In Europe, they had people dying in the streets after World War II and had no choice. In the U.S., we've built a complete function of like a 22% or whatever of our economy like around it. it's like $22,000 for an emergency room. I know. Very specifically problem. after World War II, we also tied healthcare to our jobs. And that was a stupid really, really thing. horrible thing yeah. as well. Yeah. That's I don't so know anybody dumb. that's had a friend. I had a friend growing up that worked at McDonald's and he was a slave to them forever because he was a type yep. 1 diabetic and he can't leave because of the pre-existing. What are they? Back it was, like, like, it's like neo-feudalism essentially. But basically, yeah, because that I get my healthcare through them. I can't leave. Yeah. You know, and that, that's why I think... Uh, EpiPens and insulin, two really good examples of things that should be should be cheaper. And that's why I think base level coverage, I'd be totally down for. Mm-hmm. There's, man, you know, you know, you know what ultimately comes down to with things like healthcare is, is a massive, massive system with millions of jobs tied into it. Yeah, the NHS in the UK is huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not so easy to be like, can we jump this entire system and move it over to like a national system? So, so for me, I usually just sit back and say, like, I can't answer these questions for you. That's man. one of the reasons why I like things like, for instance, like a Medicare or Medicaid expansion, because we yeah. take something that already works that most people seem to like quite a bit. And then you just open that up to more and more people or give them the opportunity to join and then turn that into some form of public. Well, I don't really, like I don't like the progressives abolishing private health care. No, that's the dumbest thing in the world. But they yeah. lost on that hard. Yeah, they yep. fought for that during the primary season and they lost hard, even though they're Crazy. all crying about it on Twitter saying because nobody does need, that. The, the okay let me be very 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 clear the medical um the, the the health insurance program that bernie sanders was suggesting would have been the most extreme healthcare plan in any country in the world it was not what europe does it right. wasn't what canada does it was the barring of private insurance even from things like dental and medical Jeez. nobody in the world does that it would, yeah. have, it would have been yeah the most left-leaning plan possible yeah. those crazy far leftists huh yeah Anyway, Crazy all right. Bernie. He, he did the big ask so that he could get a little less. Sure and, he did. Sure he did. Well, yeah, and then Maybe. he lost the election. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good job there. Uh, Destiny, thanks for coming on and hanging out. This has been fun. Yeah, we, been we, fun. We, 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 we always go extra long when there's like more, uh, you know, I guess uh, adversarial elements to an extent. Not like I think we're screaming at each other or anything like that. But uh, thanks for hanging out. Do you want to mention your, your now... Uh, Partner, oh, yeah, your no, band Twitch yeah, channel. Yeah, you can uh, follow my channel on twitch.tv slash destiny or I am youtube.com slash destiny. Pretty easy to find. Wow, um, you have youtube.com slash destiny? Yeah, and I have instagram.com slash destiny. Ooh. Wow, I'm sure uh, the destiny video game is probably shaking their fist at you. Oh, right? snap. It was easier for them to just call themselves destiny the game on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every wow. now and then somebody will stumble into the, oh, because I have also the subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash destiny. People yeah. will come in and be like, hey, I need help getting through like the Hunter's Crucible. Pretty sure it's the... How, you've had it for Diablo? a while, right? Like nine years or something. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how I found out about you in the first place because I was playing Destiny. 
And so oh. I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, what is this guy? What is? It? I'm trying to figure out how to beat, you know. You want to uh, know a, a quick horrible story? Um, on my website, if you go to Destiny.gg, you can subscribe directly to me um, because that's the way the future is. What is it? Destiny.gg. Destiny.gg. Yes. Um, I had a. I woke up one day and I went downstairs and I had like 20 people had messaged me and they were like, "Dude, you need to help this guy. Like he's in huge trouble." I was like, "What's going on?" And I go into my chat and some guy is throwing a temperature. He's got a purple name, meaning he did the max level subscription. He's like forty dollars a month. <laughs> and what had happened was this guy came into my chat and he was asking questions. Like, like, how do I get through this, like, dungeon or raid? <laughs> and everybody in the chat started telling me, if you want official tips from Bungie, you have to do the maximum level subscription. And he oh, did it. No. And everyone in chat was making fun of him for it because this guy just paid, like, 40 bucks or whatever. Yeah, that's funny. That's but. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, friends, we will be back tomorrow at 8 p.m. And, and I don't normally announce a guest, but it's going to be Luke again. And we're going yes. to have a good time. Just because I know he's here. He's not going anywhere. So uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at TimCast. Check out my other channels, youtube.com slash TimCast and youtube.com slash TimCastNews. We do the show live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. We're also on all the different podcast platforms, so check us out on iTunes, Spotify, etc. And don't forget to follow the other people who are in the room. We got Ian. Yes, follow me. Follow me everywhere. Uh, let's to the ends of the earth. That's a, world of, yes? world, that's a Warcraft 3. Uh, Arthas said that to Malganis. Oh, that's sad. Uh, yeah, you can follow me anywhere and everywhere to the ends of the earth at Ian Crossland. And of course, you can follow at Sour Patch Lids. You can if you want to. Sour Patch Lids, L-Y-D-S. And we will be back tomorrow night. Thanks for hanging out, and we will see you all then. Bye, guys.